Welcome to the Grand Theft World podcast, hosted and sponsored by GrandTheftWorld.com. We're going to cover the last week in Grand Theft World news, and there's a lot of crazy stuff that went on. We're going to start off with something that broke the internet. Tucker Carlson interviewed Donald Trump, and it was on Twitter, or what they call X now, but we all still call Twitter because it's just easier to call things a tweet and not an X. And uh, it got like 300 million impressions, impressions. That means maybe 30 million views. It's not really. So anyway, it blew up. People argued about the numbers. And at the same time, like it was coincided. It started five minutes earlier than the other people debate. The Republicans had a debate. It was all the other people, not Trump. Didn't make sense for him to go there. He's leading in the polls. He was being arrested later in the week. He had other things to do. He did a pre-tape with Tucker Carlson. They rolled that on Twitter five minutes ahead of time. They stole a lot of that audience. And then people went to see the debate and they knew they could rewind that. And there was much ado about nothing. Vivek, Vivek Ramaswamy did a really good job, but only in the absence of Trump being on stage. Everyone else would have gotten swept away with Trump being on stage. So it's good in the absence that Vivek could make good standing for himself. So that went on. And then the shot heard around the world, or actually the mug shot seen around the world happened when Donald Trump, the 45th president of these United States was arrested and booked and fingerprinted and all that other fun stuff. A bunch of his compatriots, uh, lawyers, Rudy Giuliani, they arrested a whole bunch of people. And it's very convenient timing to the next election. And you know, the, you know what they say, if you can't beat them, arrest your political op opponents. Now, at least uh, arresting them is not as bad as what happens in Russia. In Russia, your political opponent falls out of the sky, apparently. That is also news this past week. But uh, we're not going to cover the Russians. We got plenty of American news. Joe Biden has been sending emails. You don't think he sends too many emails? Well, he manages to send plenty of emails. But not under his own name. It turns out he's been using a false name in the dealings with his son's uh, son, Hunter, uh, business dealings in China and in Ukraine. So that's news for the past week or so. It's been percolating out. I've seen some of these emails. Uh, they're pretty incriminating. And I don't see anything like that on the Trump side. And they just booked him. So I expect to see the Biden mugshot soon as well. Uh, Congressman confirms that RFK Jr.'s theory on race-specific bioweapons is actually accurate. We'll go to uh, Jimmy the Doorman, and uh, we'll check out that clip tonight. Also, there's uh, new lockdowns coming, and I know we're all excited for new lockdowns and new masks, and maybe they'll have a, a seven-foot spacing rule this time, just to change it up a little bit. What do we need to know? What are they planning? Why are they planning it? What can we do to avoid it? All these good things. We'll talk about that. And last but not least, in non-surprising news at all, Jordan B. Peterson has been sentenced to re-education, and uh, he he had a couple things to say about that. So if we have time, we'll check in with that video. But first, for a kickoff tonight, for this big, long episode, let's go to Luke Radowski of WeAreChange.org and the BestPoliticalShirts.com. He was in, uh, in, the, in the realm, in the area of that debate earlier this week. He was broadcasting from the Rumble HQ platform. And uh, let's see what he has to say about what's going on this week.
Those are all lives of individuals who have been devastated by failed government policies. As some people look at that problem and say, we need more government failed policies, which is absolutely ridiculous. Welcome back. Beautiful and amazing human beings. My name's Luke Kardowski here of WeAreChange.org, and there's a lot of absolute bedlam and chaos to expose that we're going to be talking about in this independent media report as we are going to be talking about the local news happening all around inner cities throughout the United States with a bigger political focus on what is happening with the Biden administration that looks like they are just going for broke with their latest previous failed policies that they're trying to resurface again, as of course they have just created a new martyr that looks like he will be taken over from the old regime. How will that regime look like? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about in this independent media broadcast. If you like the shirt that I'm wearing, you can get it on thebestpoliticalshirts.com and the clip that we played in the beginning of this broadcast was originally shared by Ashley St. Clair on Twitter. It looks like uh, on TikTok it was on the Blizzard effect. Uh, again, I don't know exactly who made this video, but it highlights the streets of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, showing you the true problems that a lot of people are dealing with that sadly a lot of politicians don't give a damn about. And whether it's the U.S. trade policies, whether it's the fentanyl, whether it's the war on drugs, whether it's the low cost availability of drugs, but high cost of health care, whether it's the opioid epidemic, whatever you might paint the problem to be, it is important to understand here that a lot of Americans are living lives of despair and only continue to do so in greater numbers as, of course, our current social political justice system is allowing and excusing the destruction of any kind of normalcy, any kind of regular business activities that are being disrupted by individuals that are literally just going in and taking whatever they want for themselves. Criminal gangs, illegal activity on the rise, as of course it's being excused every single day, while political thought crimes are highly prosecuted. This as the war on drugs only empowers criminal elements in this country that are being supported by the justice system that a billionaire is financing through district attorneys all throughout the country that are essentially playing out the plot of RoboCop right in front of our eyes. This as one of America's biggest landmark, Times Square, is, quote, back to its old days being an utter crap hole, according to the New York Post, that is documenting the bedlam that is being normalized in the region and becoming more and and more common by the day. And what did you expect with all the fifth generational warfare going on against the American people there as life is being made more and more difficult for the average American as the government keeps promising more and more intervention, taking more and more of your money and creating more of a mess as now daily life in New York City includes roving youths that are pretending to hit you with a bike. Yeah, that seems, uh, that seems like a nice way to spend your Sunday. And with all this lawlessness, this is one reason we have created our own Thug Life t-shirts representing the former president of the United States as, of course, the mugshot of the former president of the United States just came out a few days ago. And as soon as it did, we released our Outlaw t-shirts, which are exclusively available on thebestpoliticalshirts.com. As, of course, we are not done here. 
as the American people look distracted by the latest glizzy trend and keep forgetting just how utterly corrupted and messed up the federal government is. This as videos like this are making headlines and are being shared by millions. Think of the, pardon me, I heard you too. Think of the glizzies. <laughs> He gay. While, of course, the U.S. federal government still keeps denying victims' family members from a tragedy that happened nearly 20 years ago, the documents and information to what really happened that day, specifically when it comes to the involvement on foreign governments like Saudi Arabia. There, are, of course, were other governments involved in this event almost 20 years ago. Specifically, 22 years ago, we're about to have the latest anniversary coming up in just a few days from now, as the family members from that tragic event are still waiting for the information to come out about exactly what happened on that specific day. Asking specifically the Biden administration that is known for their corruption with other governments like Ukraine, who have covered up a lot of very important information from the American people. This, as the former top Ukrainian prosecutor has come out against Joe and Hunter Biden in an exclusive interview with Fox News, talking about how there was absolutely illegal activities engaged between the Biden family and Burisma Oil. As this former Ukrainian prosecutor talks about how he was ousted in 2016 because he was investigating Burisma Oil, the company that was paying off Hunter Biden lucratively a lot of money, as of course Hunter Biden served on the board of that company even though he had no real experience to be there. Joe Biden then dangled aid to the Ukrainian country unless this prosecutor was fired. And then surprise, surprise, Joe Biden bragged about firing him with the Council on Foreign Relations. This as Victor Shogun is also claiming that he was poisoned twice by enemies that were trying to, quote, silence him after he was fired as he is still coming out and speaking about the very clear illegal activities that were conducted by the current regimes in power right now that have tried to silence him and stop him from holding corrupted government officials accountable. Now, this is a major bombshell that the former chief prosecutor of Ukraine allegedly being poisoned twice as he is talking about the attempts on his life highlights how this criminal enterprise that we are still scratching the surface of is probably a lot deeper and more sinister than we could even imagine currently right now. This, as we're also learning today, that the Biden administration is soon going to be asking Congress for funding for a new rushed experimental gene therapy that, of course, and try to manipulate the American public to take. This has already multiple school districts throughout the United States are closing their classes due to an alleged surge in sicknesses, as many people are expecting new lockdowns and restrictions as The Telegraph is reporting that Biden's plot to send Americans back into lockdowns, quote, must be stopped, as the Associated Press also has another article 
talking about how it's a conspiracy theory that we're going to have the return of these lockdowns. This as the Biden administration has already spent a lot of money buying PPE and other preparedness tools. As a new study coming out from a university in South Korea just talked about how a lot of these PPE protective precisions like N95 masks actually uh, expose wearers to dangerous levels of toxic compounds that have been linked to seizures and cancers. As even Reuters came out and talked about how most people who took a rushed experimental procedure were actually the ones that died from the sickness that the procedure was supposed to stop. Why is this all happening? Well, according to Mike Cernovich, he highlighted the clear stock drop of two big multinational corporations that have essentially hijacked the government and made them their own personal PR and marketing representatives. This says a lot of people are speculating that there's going to be a reintroduction of this sickness in order to bring back lockdowns, in order to bring back mail-in ballots, in order to stop people from campaigning, which essentially was a strategy that worked very well for the Democrats almost four years ago. This as they are also arresting their number one chief political rival, Donald Trump, that is essentially becoming a martyr because of the political prosecution against them. As today, we are finding out, according to Politico, that he was able to raise over $7.1 million after a viral photo of him hit the Internet a couple days ago, highlighting his mugshot in Georgia that, of course, has been bringing people together from the left and right, celebrating it. This as the former president of the United States just released a photo of himself from that mugshot, highlighting a meme of many weapons being pointed at his face, highlighting a lot of the individuals, organizations, and groups that are going up against him. And I, I think it's fair to say that these indictments, these arrests are absolutely backfiring and are responsible for the resurgence of the political career of the former president of the United States that is becoming more popular and unstoppable than ever, predominantly because of these prosecutions against him, which in my opinion are absolutely backfiring. This as we even made our own mugshot merchandise that has uh, sold pretty well of this entire incident as Donnie Boy is becoming more unstoppable than ever. This, as today, we're also finding out that the judge in one of his cases is also linked to Marxist revolutionaries, which definitely doesn't help the case against him, as there are now legal challenges filed in federal court trying to remove him from the 2024 presidential race, which uh, probably will backfire again, as of course, there has been a huge resurgence of support for the former president of the United States, even in urban areas where we have videos like this of him driving through an urban Atlanta neighborhood with people celebrating the former president of the United States in a heavily black area. Now, uh, with this administration prosecuting him, with this administration trying to bring in new emergency lockdowns and protocols, it definitely seems like they're grasping at the straws here and becoming more desperate by the day as their political opponent that they're trying to stop is becoming more popular by the day. What other desperate measures will they be trying to utilize in order to try to stop him? Well, 
I think it's fair to say that they're going to become more desperate as time goes on, as almost every action against him has single-handedly backfired. Now, is this all a part of a larger scam or a larger plot, a larger conspiracy? Well, some people have actually talked about that. There might be a little bit of merit in there, as of course, you kind of got to wonder, what in the hell are they thinking? How stupid are these people? And are they stupid or is this a part of a bigger plot? What do you think is going on here? Let me know down. I never thought I'd see the day where an American president got arrested that way. I mean, if he's so dangerous, like I said, remand him. I said that last week. Tim Pool said that. That's a good thing. Remand him to custody. He's a threat to freedom and people all over the world. You can't let somebody like that go running around. And Trump could have made a political move of how about I not pay bail and the Secret Service takes over the jail. So what do you think, Tony? Is it a landmark in American history or is this a, like a, a low watermark and a, a sign of like there's a leak in the system? I'm going to present a third option to say maybe it's more just more or less part of political theater uh, or yeah, Kabuki theater as a metaphor, Kabuki theater. Yeah. Say how many, how much of a facade can this become at this point, uh, especially in regards to Trump being positioned as this ultimate martyr, uh, some sort of, you know, that's has certainly self-righteous indignation for what is taking place against him and how much that's legitimate, how much that's being propped up in order to distract us from real issues that are going on. Not to say it's even a grand conspiracy. I mean, Trump's just into Trump, to be well, honest. They, they legit don't like him because Trump oh, is that's just for sure. Trump. Yeah. 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 They don't like him. He's not part of the in club. And for what it right but in the in club is the world economic forum and those Epstein's uh, the, Island you know, list leaders. is basically the in club. <laughs> They talk about Epstein at the beginning of the Tucker interview, actually, because Tucker's Ooh. like, all the evidence seems to point to he he, what, he did not kill himself. Trump's like, well, I think he might have killed himself, but I don't know. I mean, it's all it was very strange. You know, the cameras went down and the shift guard changed and all that sort of thing happened. It was interesting. It was that, the bet, fact that Tucker pressed him on it a little bit. I bet Trump's curious. poker buddies can tell when he's bluffing, you know? <laughs> oh, it was all very strange. Like when he does this thing and then recounts all the things that made it very strange. Oh, good for him. Yeah, for sure. Because he did say to Ghislaine, one of his tell signs. Like he said to her, I wish her well. That and then people were like, (laughs) Oh, he's he's gonna help her. I'm like, no, that's the sign of like the like the kiss and the godfather, like when you know Michael kisses Fredo, like you're 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 gonna be dead. You're just sleeping with the fishes. (laughs) It's game over. And then when Bill Barr got asked about it and he laughed about it. How you know, or Bill? Are you going to make sure? Now, Bill's dad got Epstein into the business, you know, and Bill right. works for the CIA, and they Bill's the Attorney General, and uh, they ask him, "Is he going to?" His father worked be, for the OSS. Be, yeah, father is she going to be kept safe? And he's like, "Yeah, we're going to keep her safe." And he <laughs> literally like laughs on camera. So I, I don't know. I'm I'm I can see what you're saying about the Kabuki Theater. I was trying to look up the picture of uh, Trump's wedding with the Clintons. You know, there's well, to be know, fair to Trump, I mean, he paid them that, to go there. Like he had to, you know, like the Clintons didn't go to Trump's wedding because they're friends because they're not friends, but they are close enough. They could be paid to go to his wedding to make it look good, you know, and she was like a senator right, from New York right. and he's a New York magnate like that. That's, you know, that's so, plausible. I understand right. sort of the so reality Kabuki behind theater to a point. These people still don't like him and they really don't want him to be a, a presidential candidate because they need to like, you know, great reset this place. <laughs> And I want to clarify my statement real quick to say that it's not some sort of crazy 
um, contrived conspiracy in the sense that like everything is perfectly sort of planned out. Kabuki theater in the sense that, um, I mean, even in Whitney Webb's book, for example, there was a parting in the late 80s or early 90s. I think it was in the early to mid 90s with Trump and Epstein. Like as something was going on in Trump's hotel and he heard some accusations about Epstein said, get the fuck out. I'm done with you. And so like and there's no every the amount of hatred and vitriol for Trump, the number of investigative journalists who went after him to try to find a past that would be anywhere near association with Epstein and they can't find anything. They can just find him sleeping with essentially porn stars, you know, shows you that he's the level of unscrupulousness between the two as a whole is a Grand Canyon golf there, you know, sort of. I mean, Trump killed American citizens. Mm-hmm. Trump killed underage American citizens with drones. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Trump. No, I'm sorry. That was Obama. Wait, I was I was getting Obama. the presidencies. Well, you know, 44 Trump, and 45 are very close, you know, but uh, he did classify drone strikes. So we don't know how many took place. Oh, now, yeah, he I'm did, not saying he's good, but Obama yeah, bragged right. about it. No, Obama's, Obama said, I'm really good at killing people. That's what he said. That's true. And, Harvard, and then he 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 threatened at the press conference uh, like, uh, boys, if you want to you know, date Malia and whatever his other daughter is. I got two words for you, predator drones. And then he said, I'm not <laughs> kidding. And right. So that's just the, that's the hubris oh, of man. a man who like uh, sits in that seat. Like it's well, not a, it's not this, you know, the white house, you could look at it two ways. That's a seat of power or that's a place to keep the craziest people, right? There's a big fence around it. You got to keep 24 seven watch on these people. You got to be a little crazy to be the president. Let's see if I can find this because it was um, a student written journal for Harvard Law that recently came out and said that Barack Obama is a war criminal. Here it is. Um, yeah, that circulated. We were going to cover yeah. it last week because Jimmy Dore covered it, but I thought yeah. that was an old story from years ago, like four it or five. Is. How it long is. ago? It says it's interesting because Kim Iverson just covered it like two weeks ago and Jimmy Dore, I think, as well. I know Kim had a thing on it and she said this was recent, but the reading it now it says by Prince William, September 29th to 2021 but this isn't harvard law so it's supposed to be from the harvard let me see if i can see well it's harvard political review yeah yeah maybe it was that i could be and maybe a different harvard place agreed but i mean like he's a war criminal when being a war criminal is pretty cool like he's a rock star he's not yeah. like being chased down across the planet remember other war criminals back in the day they would like chase him down pull him out of spider holes and stuff not That's such true. for the anglo-american establishment arms dealers and war criminals it seems to be yeah. celebrated yeah it says here according to the committee quote obama's vision of and work for a world without nuclear weapons and quote served as the driving force that awarded him a nobel however president obama would go on to approve more drone strikes in his first year in office than president bush carried out during his entire administration the alleged peacemaker very much like his predecessor should be considered for the label of international war criminal. <laughs> I mean, they're not wrong but he got a nobel it's- prize tony you got a Nobel Prize. Well, and the origins what's, the, of, what's the history of the Nobel Prize? I was just going to say the origins of the Nobel <laughs> Prize are pretty interesting. So let's take a moment for a second. All right. Actually, we can go to the history blueprint for this. We got this. Nobel Brothers. Because there's, uh, well, the Nobel. Bro- okay. So this is deeper. You don't know what you're asking for, Tony. But I'm, 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 I'm bringing it out here. Here we go. All right. So the Nobel Brothers had an oil monopoly. And it was partnered with the Rothschilds. Uh, it gets rebranded by 1900 as Brano Bell. And it was Alphonse James, the Rothschild with the Nobel brothers. And here's their oil monopoly, right? 
Now, it's in with the British syndicate, which is also the Rothschild oil monopoly over there. And then they merge in the 1890s with the Rockefellers, right? So Rockefeller Empire gets involved in like 1896. We'll get to that in a second. So Nobel Brothers, uh, they don't have a prize yet, but they do have an oil monopoly. So you had Alfred Nobel, Emmanuel Nobel, Ludwig Nobel, and the Nobel family. Robert Nobel, there's a whole bunch of Nobels, right? So the Nobel family gets uh, dynamite as part of their repertoire, right? So part of their arsenal is not just having an oil monopoly. They also do the invention of uh, dynamite, okay? So now when Alfred Nobel creates dynamite, uh, it creates a big blast, right? It's like being used for war. It's being used for construction, uh, so a lot of people associate dynamite with killing people. So then the word circulates that Ludwig Nobel had died. I think this is how it goes. They, they circulate that one of the brothers had died. And there's all these like, you know, essays and op eds. And, you know, this guy was a killer, but it wasn't it wasn't the guy who created dynamite. It was actually one of the other brothers. So the guy who creates dynamite, he's like, wow, I have a atrocious legacy. People hate me. I better create a prize to rebrand my family's name and associate it with not killing people through, you know, world war and genocide. So Nobel Prize is created and the Nobel family lends its name to it and there's a lot of interesting people henry kissinger's got one sore norman angel john forbes nash he did game theory barack hussein these aren't all of them of course these are just people who i had looked up and they also had won won a nobel prize right? Elihu root really Elihu root oh. right there very interesting characters in history yeah so like when you first look up like Elihu Root and you don't know any of these organizations or people, it seems confusing. But when you look up Elihu Root and you're like, oh, I have already half of this here. It's not hard to add the rest of the data in so you can have an understanding of who do you work with? What do you do? Uh, what associations and secret societies might have had? Like he he works with the people who funds the Nazis. Here's the Harrimans. Railroads, Nazis, communism. Step right up. Drug trade. Right. And I mean, that's where they you, got their money, rather, I should say. Right. So anyway, that's the little bit of history behind the, the Nobel Prize. And we could go out there and fact check it, but that's just going from memory of why that became a thing and why someone like Barack Obama could get a Nobel Peace Prize before he even made any peace. And as we saw, he didn't make much peace. He killed a lot of people. And now you might see that it's a front prize to like legitimize things that go on in the military industrial media complex yeah he uses a smoke those wars can't be waged without dan rather and these people selling you on why we got to go get those russians yeah while well, they prop up to the average citizen who isn't paying attention doing any research this sort of smoke screen as though he's you know this man of peace when in fact he's you know the, one of the most polarizing and contentious men in history especially when it comes to uh Foreign war and particularly drone strikes and the killing of innocent individuals associated with drone strike strikes, which is why Harvard Political Review gave him um, uh, an international gave him the title of international war criminal. And he's like the he, like he's the establishment's guy, and Harvard yes. is the establishment. So he, he came from Harvard Law, right? Or, right. Uh, I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure. Well, it's didn't Harvard he law. go to Harvard Law? Yeah, 
I'm pretty allegedly. sure that's what I mean. I think he right, just like he was allegedly born in America. Uh, He's a little sheep. I could go down that road. <laughs> Plus Harvard Law. I'm pretty sure he went to Harvard Law. Let me just look this up. He had to go to uh, Harvard Law to learn how to write letters, like Emory University has been circulating. Yeah. Harvard Law. It was a law. It was as a law student that Obama first made history and national headlines when he was elected the first black president of the Harvard Law Review. The Harvard. Here it is. The first black president of the Harvard Law Review in the spring of 1990. There's the picture of Young. Now, if he's president of the Harvard Law Review, wouldn't you think that maybe there'd be a long history of his work at the Harvard Law Review? As if, for instance, I'm just noticing two things in history. Two presidents. George H.W. Bush is a president. But back here, he becomes the head of the CIA out of nowhere. With not any official CIA experience, although we all know he was in the CIA. Barack Hussein Obama becomes president of the Harvard Law Review without really being involved with the Harvard Law Review too much from the records that I recall. That's, I mean, I, I'm not a professional on this. I'm just telling you what I remember seeing about this topic when I looked at it years ago. Yeah, no, you're, you're actually correct about this. <clears throat> First of all, he, he was, was like an alderman. He went from an alderman to like a senator. It's a president like boom, boom, boom. Correct. Almost I mean, as if he was like yanking on the right cord. I mean, it says here just to give some tangential sort of context to what you're saying. It says, yeah, bring the sure, facts. Sure, Obama's unique and by now uh, familiar personal history set him apart. He arrived on campus at the age of 27 in the fall of 1988, older than many of his classmates after a stint uh -huh. as a community community organizer in Chicago. So already, it's odd for him to be. At Harvard in Law that at that age, in that context, right. Professor but he had to have that guy, Harry, what was his name? Harry Dexter, what was the dude that taught him how to talk? Oh, yeah. The right, actor right. That, that looks kind of like him. And Obama talks exactly like the actor who taught him how to speak. So not that he couldn't speak before, but he he didn't no, have a, but there's... a polished public appearance that Obama consistently puts on. Like That'd a, be what many of the sophists did in ancient Greece. Not all, but many. taught Like a suit. Hire men the pursuit of uh, politics through the art of rhetoric. But anyways, but it says here, Professor Kenneth Mack, uh, 91, 1991, his classmate and friend says Obama didn't speak much at his at first about other aspects of his unique background, including a childhood spent in Hawaii and Indonesia, or the fact that his mother was white. Most remarkably, given his complex identity, was how comfortable Obama seemed with himself. Quote, Brock's identity, his sense of self, was so settled, and quote, recalled Cassandra Butts, 1991, who met him in line at the financial aid office, an interview with PBS Frontline. Quote, he didn't strike us, in a, strike us in law school as someone who was searching for himself, end quote. And it goes on to say, Obama's performance inside and outside the classroom attracted more notice than his distinctive personal story. In the spring of his first year at law school, Obama stopped by the office of Professor Lawrence Tribe, 1966, inquiring about becoming a research assistant. And the question is, who's this guy? So, well, I think uh, there's some there's some evidence yeah. that his mom might be in the CIA or have been. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Might have been. That's like a, a supposed mating. Lawrence Tribe. See, is an American legal scholar who is a university professor emeritus at Harvard University. He previously served as excuse me, he previously served as the Carl M. Loeb University professor at Harvard Law School. Uh, constitutional law scholar, tribe is co-founder of the American Constitutional Society. He's also the author of the American Constitutional Law. And 
Okay. Born uh, in my point. My Born point was. Anyways. There, there's a president who brags about killing people when he killed Americans and nothing happens. And uh, Trump's got these four indictments. It just doesn't seem like a level playing field. And to be like, fair I don't to care Ch- if they're charging Trump. If he's guilty, let him let him do the thing over there. But what about this side over here? You know what I'm saying? It's like no, I agree. it's very third worldish what they're doing. <laughs> you know? Banana Republic 101. You know, right when here. you travel out of the country and the corruption is just straight up. And I kind of admire the honesty of Me just too. like. Hundred percent agree. Hundred percent. Yeah. At least I'm not be honest. Averse about to it. that. Yeah. But here, they're supposed to like. We should not know about the globalists, an international plan to do anything. We shouldn't know about the World Economic Forum or Klaus or any of these other things. And yet, they're making it so obvious. Like we shouldn't know about Event Two Hundred One. If they're really the that good at running the world, why is it like so obvious that they're like the strings? The strings are so obvious. The, the puppet pieces, like they, the, the X piece that they hold, it, it's, it's coming down below the curtain. You can see the hand. I mean, come on. You know what I'm saying? Can they clean like, it up a little bit? It's like Stonehenge falling from the sky and Spinal Tap, you know? But it was only 18 inches, not 18 feet like they wanted. Because anyway, sorry. Yeah, enough. I'm not a fan of that type of theater. <laughs> no, you're what my What concerns me most, Rich, now is that they're being overly conspicuous. Um, revelation of the craft, revelation of the method, whatever sort of um, way we want to describe it. They're either getting sloppy or they think they're at or the cocky. point where cocky, yeah, cocky, cocky slop. That's they're right. Cocky sloppy. Sloppy. <laughs> I agree. That's what it is. They're cocky slop. Yeah. Yeah. What would Kurt do with that one? Yeah. Oh boy. We, we I don't imagine. know. Don't want to know the areas he'd go with that one, but it'd be certainly fun. Can't deny. You know, you could be talking about like, hey, you know, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tooth, uh, the toothpaste tube, and he'd be like, hey, two girls, one cup, prove that wrong, you know. So, <laughs> oh, we're gonna have to have him back on. All right. So, this is in this uh, escalation going over on over in Ukraine and Russia, Putin's chief adversary, who just happened to, he just happened to try to lead a coup. Like just a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, right? Wasn't that recent? They tried to like do that thing. And I was like, waiting for it, waiting for it. Well, now that guy, <clears throat> he fell out of the sky and uh, nothing to see there. I'm sure it was the Kremlin that did it because Putin's so obvious about killing his enemies like that. He'd just blow up a plane out of the sky like that. Or, or who's playing against Putin? Might the other side, might the MI6 CIA crowd say, hey, we could frame Putin for killing his adversary? Because right now that same group is jailing an adversary of the political variety over here and they support it in Ukraine. They do the same thing in Ukraine. That's how they put Zelensky in power. And I, I heard a hysterical. Where where was that clip? I'll have it. Uh, I'll have it lined up. But somebody recounted to Tucker Carlson. All the things we've said about Zelensky since day one. Oh yeah, you posted that in production. I was like, this is this is really nice because you know it's not just our little crowd that understands these things now. Like there, millions of people are starting to realize something's rotten in Denmark. Now it's bad enough you take a like a you know a reality TV star from America and you make him president, right? But over there, that's what Zelensky was. He was a reality TV star comedian who played the president on TV. Like Robin Williams in that movie where the com- the comedian becomes president, right? So it's like they're they're wagging the dog, 
real, real obvious these days. You can see the Tostitos bag. I no longer believe it's a cat. That's what I'm saying. We have Reminds to see that really. documentary Star Suckers because back in 2009 when the documentary came, came out, that was what they, uh, that's what they projected as the future to become. They actually referenced some Eastern European uh, states after the fall of the Soviet Union uh, in regards to electing pop stars. And so it was interesting oh, yeah. to see how do, it came yeah. forward. But they talked about it from an evolutionary mindset that the Hollywood had this sort of follow the leader mentality by worshiping the cult of uh, well, personality. Dude, it's and all so President that, uh, Camacho. Yeah, it kind of, yeah, in a you way. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah, the same thing Mike Judge was saying. Yeah. No, Mike Judge was saying the same thing, but through humor. Right. Yeah, but through humor rather than, you know, evolutionary, bi- biological evolutionary facts sort of thing. But same, ending up at the same place of how easy it is to lead people based on sort of these archaic, you know, programs running in the background that if we're not aware of, you know, you can fall prey to in regards to the call to personality and the, you know, uh, alpha worship and that sort of thing and following the leader and not paying attention to maybe you should be your own leader and, you know, lead your own life and, you know, actualize yourself instead of being as much as you can, because you can't control everything. Can't control everything. No, you're not allowed to control other people. All you're left with is controlling yourself and controlling your life. You know, I look at it. It's like a full-time job, right? This is what we're supposed (laughs) to do every day, right? (laughs) Sounds good to me. Some people, some people think they're supposed to take away other people's property and take their lives with all sorts of advanced weaponry because it's cool. You know, I was doing a little bit of research the other day and I learned that I think it was Lockheed Martin went out of business Right around the end of World War II, might have been a little bit before, a little bit. Anyway, these other people just come in, scoop it up, and then all the crazy stuff happens there. SR-71, all this advanced technology. So I got to do some research this week on who went and bought that company. And why did it go out of business in the first place? Did it get forced out of business? Was it a hostile takeover? What's the story? But we got Yeah, that's more, yeah, exactly. Like why, if they went out of business, was it because of the end of World War II and the government or a, a private group? part of sort of government ambitions bought it up so the government could funnel money there to run black programs, which would be like this, you know, the various, you know, um, spy planes that came out in the sixties and seventies where there weren't many. There was like two of the, uh, I forget the two black. Well, I mean, uh, there was a U2. Yeah. And there's SR 71. Yeah. 71. Yeah. Yeah. And they're both designed by Kelly Johnson at Lockheed and, uh, amazing. Like Kelly Johnson as a creator at Lockheed, started in like world war one 1914-ish flying so the goal was 200 miles an hour hmm. so when he's when he gets in the industry the goal is fly fly 200 miles an hour by the time he's done they've flown over 2,000 miles an 2, hour 000, yeah. all because of his innovations in between Crazy. so yeah fascinating what they'll do to spy on other countries Apparently now they just hand places. out smartphones. It's like, <laughs> yeah, they're like, instead of like going through the trouble of like spying and other people detecting or playing, why, why don't we just get people to do the spying for, for us by convincing them to upload their personal data? Oh, LifeLog turns into Facebook the same day. It's like, oh, it's what a coincidence, great Tony. You know what we could do? We can make like a, a trivial pursuit game, but it's just all coincidences. Called coincidence theory. Yeah, man. Question mark. <laughs> The, the problem is the only people that would play it are people that are smart enough to already know the answers. <laughs> so I scratched yeah, that one off my list. I was like, that's not going to sell to the public. It's not gonna work. We want to we sell to everybody, not just half the audience. Actually, we have a movie uh, coming up. It's a short film. Um, there's a 1976 article. I think it was the, the, four, the four or five laws, four laws of stupidity. Hmm. And uh, 
is an interesting paper. And so we might have that video for you in the intermission tonight. Oh, good. Instead of having uh, an intermission picked up. Yeah, it it's looks good. like we've got a couple things that are short. So we'll have more pieces in the intermission to give a big picture of the flavor of the intermission. Perfect. It's like nice. a longer form learning session that we do at the end of the episode. You know, it kind of may address ideas in the episode and it may not. Depends on how good we are at uh, organizing that which exists. All right. So uh, the other clip I wanted to get to tonight, we talked about the Nobel Brothers oil monopoly. There's also like so that ties into the British syndicate. And at the same time, the British syndicate was all up in a place called Iran and Iran and Russia you know, might have had uh, something to do with the last hundred years of history that's like off our radar because it's not part of our history. It'd be like part of British Empire history. This would be because their cousins were in Russia and they're playing the great game back and forth. And until you start to realize like you all, a lot of you have grown up in a time when we've been at war in the Middle East, like for our whole lives in some way, shape or form for the last 20 years, Afghanistan and Iraq. I mean, here. and for what? For what? Did, was it, did they really do 9 11? Is that what's going on? Or ha- have these areas always been British territories of question where they're in there raping and pillaging and plundering under the guise of, uh, you know, providing, they'll provide a Shah and they're like, give us the oil. And then the people are like, hey, give us Mohammed Mossadegh and give it, nationalize our oil. And then they have to go in there with Operation Ajax. <laughs> Operation Ajax, yeah, 1953. What do you got? No, you're right. I mean, you're, you're everything you're saying is 100% correct. I mean, this goes back even before this, but you know, during World War One, in the Constantinople Agreement of March 18th, 1915, that following the start, excuse me, following the start of naval operations in the run-up to the uh, Gallipoli campaign, the Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Savinov wrote to the French and UK ambassadors and staked a claim to Constantinople and the Dardanelles. In a series of diplomatic exchanges over five weeks, the UK and France both agreed while putting forward their own claims to an increased sphere of influence in Iran in the case of the UK and to an annexation of Syria. Have you heard about Syria in the news at all? We don't hear about it much in the news, but there's a lot going on there, including continual bombings and uh, yeah, the control over the oil fields there, including Palestine and uh, Cilicia for France. The UK and French claims were both agreed, all sides also agreeing, with the exact governments of the holy places was to be left for later settlement. Were it not for the Russian revolutions in 1917, Constantinople and the Straits could have been given to Russia upon the Allied victory. I wonder how those Russian revolutions took place. And if you want people who are interested in finding that out, watch out the, the World War One documentary that Corbett did. You can find out why they took place. Well, I was just watching at the, the end uh, of World War One in regards to the Germans. You know, I was watching right before the show. The Eastern Front. What did I have to pause? It's called Gulag: The Story, Part One, Origins, 1917 and 1933. So it just shows like after they have their communist revolution, their people's revolution, it was just a, it's like a 20,000 X system to enslave their people that free populations and free countries can't even like think about doing right. Right. The communism that they installed. And I believe it's for the first time, right? That experiment. And it's funded by, by the bankers the first time, from the top down. Correct. They brought Lenin in on the secret train through the war zone. And that's that's my point, because they put pressure on in Germany. Switzerland. Just like Klaus. So, so think about it. And Sykes Pico is before they owned any of that territory, just mm-hmm. like the Balfour Declaration. So they're say, sitting there basically saying, we have to win the war. So how do we cripple Germany or force Germany's hand? So one of the things they do is put pressure on Germany. Germany's like, yeah, 
um, I forget the general, but they through the secret train ride, they get Lenin into Russia. And from there, you have the overthrow of the czar, right? And the communist revolution. And that actually aids in their agreement because now they don't have to honor their agreement with Russia. And so they they get like a win-win out of it. I mean, it's just unbelievable when you look at the fact, like what a- actually happened historically and how much it aided the UK and French or the quote unquote allied forces. Side. We're just talking about World War One here. And we're talking about what aided in their redistribution or cutting up the map for land and territory to be able to rape resources from those various territories, Syria, Iran, uh, um, Iraq, modern day Iraq, so forth and so on, Palestine. First off, when they take Russia under the communist revolution, right? So that's all external forces going in and using that place like they're using Ukraine right now. But it was a bigger project back then and easier to manage. Big. So they take yeah, over and there's another revolution to take out the people who took over. So now they got a clean, insulated group of people and that runs for like 60 years. Right. Yeah. Good point. That's a good point. That's a right. part of their process. If you help them attain power, they will kill you first or kill you last. I forget which one. So anyway, they get to the point where they're now in power. So what are they going to do? Well, they're like, uh, we got a lot of people who would uh, overthrow us if we gave them any time. So they're like, we got to get rid of those people. What are we going to do? So they took 20 million people and they're just like, ship them off to gulags. And what do you, oh, you work uh, a 14 hour day cutting down trees. And if you don't keep the pace, they shoot you. And you do that for 10 days and you get one day off. They don't feed you very well. The average life expectancy is like eight months, right? Some people can survive that for years. Other people survive it for minutes or days. They just had a system of quietly exterminating people while they built some infrastructure, made some logs and all sorts of other stuff under the communist way. So that's what goes on like internally is massive wealth reappropriation from the many to the few. Right. And then it's used by Western investors to go in and put a bunch of infrastructure in there and do the mining and the coal and the oil and all the extraction of these natural resources. Now, you might have families like Al Gore via Occidental Petroleum that got their wealth from Russia. Or you might have like the Koch brothers. They're Republican funders, right? Their dad was in there dealing with Joe Stalin while he's killing 30 million people in the Hall of Domor, right? So that's not cartel. That's not capitalism. That's cartel capitalism. That's monopoly capitalism. That is survival of the people most ruthless type of capitalism. People above the law that even while the Soviet wall is up and stuff, they just fly right in. Armand Hammer could fly right in. Nellie Rockefeller could fly right in. All these industrialists, internationalists, it's part of their project. Of course they can fly in. Ford motor cars all, all used throughout Russia up until the Vietnam War, where like we're fighting in Vietnam against Fords on the other side. How's that go on? Because these people like are internationalists. And Tony brought up the Sykes Pico Treaty. This was an agreement that helped to uh, set up the later uh, the Balfour Declaration, I think comes right after this. Following, oh no, actually, yeah. Following the outbreak of World War One, Zionism first discussed the British cabinet on 9 November 1914, four days after Britain's declaration of war. And then they go through. So this is prior to the Balfour Declaration. And it starts to uh, appropriate and move positions around on the future of Palestine, right? Which had already been in colonization at that point for almost 100 years. So it's kind of obvious what pieces on the board were going to get moved, but it wasn't obvious that they would pick a guy like Hitler to lead the way. A little, a little over the top for them, but they're like, we want to make it sure we get it through the goalpost. So here's a example of that: 1829 Palestine, 
And then the colonization kind of starts from there. So in that situation, those events continue to percolate up till today in a variety of ways. But these aren't disclosed to you and they're not given to you in school. So you're not going to understand the context. And the mainstream media is not going to tell you the context of these things. International cartels manipulating from the top down because the mainstream media is the graphical user interface of those cartels showing us not what we need to know, but they're showing us exactly what they want us to believe. And that's the gist. That's the gist of the, the big picture. They've been doing it for a long time. We'll look at a documentary by John Pilger during intermission about how they use propaganda and how they've used it since the time of World War One. It's interesting that this internationalism you know, speaking all of which, has like now, a timeline. When you say, what do you got? When you say propaganda, now I have to bring it up because I was not going to say it. But no. So this, this is some quotes from that famous train line. This the way they weaponize propaganda as a little uh, weapon in war. Um hmm. It goes here to say General Max Hoffman, chief of the German general staff, this is during World War I, on the Eastern Front common, quote, we naturally tried by means of propaganda to increase the disintegration that the Rev Russian Revolution had introduced into the army. Some men at home who had connections to the Russian revolutionaries exiled in Switzerland came upon the idea of employing some of them in order to hasten the undermining and poisoning of the morale of the Russian army, end quote. Then it goes on to state this last... Uh, Little paragraph I want to read. It says here, Hoffman claims that the that Reichstag, Reichs, Reichstag deputy Matthias Erzberger became involved in the negotiations, quote, and thus it became about that Lenin was conveyed through Germany to Petrograd in the manner that afterwards transpired. In the same way as I send shells into the enemy trenches as I discharge poison gas at him, I, as an enemy, have the right to employ the expedient of propaganda against his garrisons. So, I mean, that's in regards to the famous train ride the sealed train ride that got Lenin. It was the German general staff. Yeah, they had to Obama him. They had to take him. They First off, they had to take him, and they're like, okay, you're a little rough around the edges, but if we give you some good training, you'll be able to go out there in front of the people, and you'll be able to address them like a professional, right? And then he's like, how am I, I going to get over there? They're having a war. We will insert you. We will locate a train that is armored. We will have the railways closed <laughs> off, right? And they just put him in over there like they put in Zelensky. So what I'm saying yeah, is no, like the right. people, that's a, that's when they're perf- making an oil yeah. change over in Ukraine, right? They did the first oil change it's, back It's all like Trojan horses. Sort of 100 years ago. It's They've been oil change in these countries up, you know. Like, I thought the Trojan horse was supposed to be a myth, Rich. What's that? <laughs> I thought What's the that? Trojan horse was supposed to be a myth. Because yeah. like it seems like they've taken that as a business plan. It's like, how can we just, you know, get the enemy right planted right in the center of all the action no, and Trojan, get them to disintegrate things. Trojan horse is just uh, the, the condom company getting into that. Uh, I, I could have gone to Catherine the great way with it, you know, take it. <laughs> and then you'd be, or maybe it's a condom game for the two girls. One cup, shout out Kurt. I wonder if Catherine the great has letters in Emory university with her fantasizing about <laughs> horse cocks. Asking for a friend. <laughs> I have never worked for the Obamas. I have no association. Is that a sign and we need to go to the next clip? It might be. I, it might be. I did I paste it. I was in the middle of pasting it. We almost got out of there without the Catherine the Great Russia <laughs> joke going all around. All right. So this is this next story. I'm sad to say that our president has been caught doing something illegal and something's gonna have to be done about it. 
Like if you just mugshot at the other guy, how about Pat Pete over here using fake names in these emails? And it's pretty obvious when you're meeting with president Boroshenko or whoever you're meeting with, like that's the, that's, that's a pseudonym for the president of the United States, Joe Biden. And why, in what type of dealings does he have to hide his name? Wouldn't he be proud is- to be on the, on the, you know, can't like make sure that you, they know it's me, hunty. Make sure you know the big guys in there. Why would he hide that? Well, you know what's interesting is now Victor Shokin, um, the former, um, what was it, the prosecutor for Ukraine that was fired, basically because Biden, you know, uh, forced him to be fired and bragged about it. The Council on Foreign Relations. It's interesting that he's coming out and talking about it now. I guess he's been trying to talk about it before, but no one talks about it. Instead, it's just called the Burisma Conspiracy Theory on Wikipedia. But now in what 2023. Victor Shokin gets to talk to someone at Fox News in 2023. We couldn't talk about yeah. it in 2020. No. Couldn't talk about 2019. Mm-mm. You know, we couldn't talk about it anytime around the election then. That but now we can talk about COVID it. too. Yeah, right. Now we can right. talk about it because the next election's coming up and you're about like, <laughs> it's what Carl Rove said. We're an empire now and we create the new reality. And while you study those realities judiciously as you will, we're out there creating new realities and you could try to follow those. And that's the way it goes. And that's what Ron Suskin said about his conversation with Carl Rove. It's one of the best quotes in American history. And yeah, he has one of the best nicknames because uh, his nickname in the Bush administration was turd blossom. That's official. Who is the, he was the mushroom. King, or, who is the stamp collector? He was the philatelist. That's philatelist, the clip. Like MC Rove. Carl Rove wrapped at the congressional like news, whatever dinner that they do circle jerk. And um, they did an MC Rove where he rapped and talked about ripping the heads off small animals. It's not weird at all, man. And we've played it on the show before. It's a real clip. It's out there. LD will be able to find it. it. But first, before we can get to Carl Rove and his uh, predilection for small furry animals, and I'm a gum on Pink Floyd songs. Let's go to Jimmy the door so we can get this story open about uh, Joe Biden, former vice president, current president, using fake names and correspondence. What's that mean? The head of this committee wants the archives for unredacted Biden emails involving Hunter in Ukraine. And. House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer on Thursday requested that the National Archives and Records Administration provide unredacted documents and communications from President Biden's time as vice president as part of the panel's probe into the president's son, Hunter Biden. Specifically, Comer is requesting that the National Archives provide the committee special unredacted access to a trench of emails from Biden's vice presidential records, which includes messages related to Ukraine and Ukraine gas company Burisma sent or received by President Biden or Hunter Biden. Now, Burisma is that company that uh, was being investigated. And then Joe Biden's then Hunter Biden got a job on their board for 83 grand a, a month eh? and he didn't have to do anything. And then Hunter and then President Biden fired the investigator investigating this company, Burisma, that Hunter Biden had gotten a job on their board. OK, so you got that. Comer is also asking for documents and communications in which Biden used a pseudonym. What was that pseudonym? Pseudonym. So, pseudonym? Yeah. I like to say pseudo. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. So a pseudonym. 
that includes Hunter Biden or his business partners, Eric Sherwin and Devin Archer, and all drafts of the speech that Biden delivered to the Ukrainian legislature in December 2015. The request comes as part of the House Oversight Committee's investigation into the foreign business dealings of Hunter Biden and his business associates, with an apparent focus on whether Hunter Biden's business dealings with Ukraine impacted then-Vice President Biden's policy decisions or financially benefited him, or if Hunter Biden received information that helped his business. All those things are true. They did all of those things. Okay, Joe Biden has stated that there was an absolute wall between his family's foreign business schemes and his duties as vice president. So when we know he was lying when he did that, we know Joe Biden's the biggest liar in the country and him and he's bigger liar than Trump. I know that's hard to believe. How else would he be rich from all his great work? I know. Uh, But evidence evidence reveals that access was wide open for his family's influence peddling. We already have evidence of then Vice President Biden speaking, dining, and having coffee with his son's foreign business associates. We already know that Hunter Biden and his associates were informed and then informed of then Vice President Biden's official government duties in countries where they had a financial interest, like Ukraine. The National Archives must provide these unredacted records to further our investigation into the Biden's family's corruption. The White House has previously said that the president was never in business with his son. That's a lie. Archer, this guy, Hunter's business partner, Archer, he testified, but then he also gave an interview to Tucker Carlson. And in his testimony, he said that the president was never involved in their business decisions and that he had no evidence or knowledge that the U.S. took any action to benefit Burisma or Hunter Biden. Wait, that's, what? that's what Devin Archer testified to. But when he, when he, when he went and saw, talked with Hunter, uh, Tucker Carlson, he said completely different things. Archer said that Hunter Biden portrayed the illusion of access to his father when he was vice president, but did not have real influence. Mm. Now, we've already showed you in other videos that, of course, he did have real influence, and we showed you how Hunter did that. Republicans, meanwhile, have pointed to Archer's testimony that Hunter Biden put his father on speakerphone multiple times with foreign business associates to allege the president wasn't being truthful when he said in 2019 he hadn't discussed business with his son. So that's what Archer actually said, that this, he was in on business calls with his son. Was he was an illusion of his voice on speakerphone? It, it wasn't an illusion of his voice. It was his actual voice. Archer said the speakerphone conversations largely consisted of small talk. In the letter to the National Archives, Comer specifically points to a redacted email from May 27, 2016, with Biden's daily schedule sent to Robert I. Peters at a government website email address. And it was sent to Hunter Biden, saying that the committee has identified Robert L. Peters as a pseudonym. <laughs> I keep saying it. A pseudonym for the then vice president. Ah. Robert L. Peters. So that and and do you remember, didn't didn't his daughter in their diary didn't they call him Peter somebody Peter the pedo Peter or Peter the pedo? You remember this? Yes. I don't so that's, remember why. So this is his alias. Where you shower with a girl one time. You shower your with your daughter one time. <laughs> the schedule for that day includes a call with then president of Ukraine, Petro Poroshenko. Huh. 
Comer said that it is concerning that the email was sent to Robert L. Peters' address, but did not elaborate on why. It was reportedly common for high-profile elected officials and appointees in the administration to have secondary government email accounts, but an oversight committee spokesperson said it is concerning that Biden had multiple email accounts with fake names. Were they all as good as Robert L. Peters? (laughs) Comer also requested emails that were sent or received from Robin Ware and J.R.B. Ware, two other pseudonyms. Yeah pseudonyms that the New York Post previously reported President Biden used, one of which is a Google email address. So there you go. The uh, uh, pedo Pete. That's right. Did he ever use that email? I, <laughs> I wonder if you, Pete email. I didn't his his daughter. Could you Google? Did, I'm looking it for it right did now. His daughter accused. Did, did they re- she wrote in her diary, she wrote in her which diary. she left at like a rehab. Yeah. About. Uh, how it was weird it was that he had inappropriate shower- that I sh- uh, showered with showered my dad with when she was pretty old, like like uh, like she wasn't four years old when no. that happened. She was much older. She's like thirty two. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> hey, come. the annual radio and television correspondence dinner with special guest President Bush. There'll be entertainment featuring White House advisor Carl Rove. I love this bit that you guys did pulling Carl Rove up out of the audience. I had no intention that he was actually going to come with me up on stage. I knew where he was sitting because we were sitting at banquet tables. Let's see, who do we have? Who do we have? And I uh, went over to him I said, oh, I'm going to ask him to come stand up and go with me. He'll say no. And then a Secret Service probably person will go, nah, nah, nah. And then I was going to ask Wolf Blitzer, who was near him. Uh, but at least that'd be sort of funny. And he just jumped up and waved his arms and followed me to the stage. And then the rest was viral internet uh, history. You, you have to expect that you're taking someone that is a lay person. Carl, the reason we brought you up here is that who's not even good at karaoke and you're bringing them up on stage to try and make a funny, awkward, magical moment. To debut a rap song together. And uh, this is going to be your, your... And I think that's part of the key when you use audience members is, is you know they're going to give you less than a trained theater person. And, uh, and we need to come up with a, a rap name for you. Do you have a nickname that you particularly like? President? Do you have a, 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 a nickname for this fine gentleman that you love? He's fired. He's fired. <laughs> Excellent. Woohoo! All right, well, he's looking for work if anybody... Uh, he says he has a resume he wants to give Mrs. Pelosi. Uh, <laughs> right after this, yes. So then uh, we'll just have you have uh, the nickname. Uh, we're going to make up a rap name for you. Do you have a nickname that you like or wish you had if you were a rap star? No. No. All right, okay. So then we're just going to call you MC Rove. And it's your goal to turn their awkwardness, their nervousness, and their silly non sequiturs into something that's fun. Cruelty! He's a man, he's a treasure trove. Tell me, what is your name? I'm MC Rove. That's right. He can't be beat because he's so white from his head to his feet. But he will rap it when you give him a chance. Look at him move, doing a rapping dance. That's true, he's a dancing resident. He is a sidekick to the president. He's going way above. Tell me, what is your name? MC Rose. That's true, he's crossing his arms. He's rapping and a chilling and a showing his charm. He will do it without fail. 
Get out his gun because he's shooting quail. This man will never stop. Look at him jumping up and down and ready to hop. He's got so much to prove. And tell me you never saw this man move. Doing the dance, the car roll dance. Doing the dance, the car roll dance. Dancing and talking and dancing and talking and dancing and talking and dancing and talking. Now it's time for a little shock with the Colin over there doing the old beatbox. Alright, so excised from that clip not included occulted you might even say is the the setup which was uh, a whole bunch of uncomfortable carl rove telling you about his hobbies and then you hear he's a philatelist and that means a stamp collector and then he did literally say that he likes to tear the heads off small furry animals so of course when you search it's youtube they don't so want you to find that because that's a little uncomfortable to hear someone in his position of power to describe things like that so what they leave out there is like a bunch of, oh, look, he looks like a you know nice old man who's uncomfortable on stage. Like he's at a wedding and has to like, you know, get up and say something. But uh, that's not really what really goes on there. And I don't know. It's like when they cut stuff like that out and excise those parts, it's like almost like they're doing the job of the people that they're covering up for. Renfields. Damn Renfields out there. All right. A lot of them. How about that uh, Jimmy Dore clip? What's going on? Bob on Peter, Bob Peters, Bob Peters. Is that what he likes By to do? Way, Bob was... Peters. Is that oh, like an gosh. up and down motion? Is that like one of the new TikTok trends? They, they can go up and down and Bob Peters. Like, cause that's the that guy's soid in them. That's his soid in them. And, uh, if he's using that, you know, and, and then his, and in Hunter's phone, he's listed as another type of Peter. I don't know. How many numbers do you need to add up to something before you start making transactional decisions? Speaking of which, I should have researched that, but in the diary, I mean, it was yeah. quote unquote inappropriate showers, if I remember correctly. And that was when she was a teenager. So she was yeah. still, that's makes no well, sense that he would. Maybe he had some real important, because wasn't he a senator before he's vice president, Senator Joe Biden? That sounds bad. Right? Maybe Senator Joe senator Biden Pence. had some important senator stuff to do. And at the time, they only had one bathroom and shower. You know how teenagers are always using it for a long time, Tony. So he just had to hop in there for get a shower with his dog. Maybe. No. No, you don't think so? Because there's the sniffing kids, too, right? There's like a whole bunch right. of those things. It's not like one thing out of context that like might be misconstrued. There seems to be a lot of evidence that is not being misconstrued. They just don't care to prosecute him for some reason, which is interesting. You know, if they prosecute Trump, it kind of says they don't have any blackmail or leverage. They got to go to this other thing that's very uh, public, right? Whereas these other guys, they, they just get kept. I think that's most positions in government. That's a requirement to get there. To get those, those big checks from those donors with boners, you got to play their game. Pretty sure that's how that works. That's why they don't want Epstein's client list. Like you don't see a whole bunch of Republicans or Democrats getting together saying, Hey, let's get that list out there. They all kind of agree. It shouldn't be on TV. What do you got, Tony? <laughs> Anything good? I mean, it's just uh, the exact diary entry. So this is alleged January, 2019 diary entry by Ashley Biden. 
this is what happened, I guess. From this, now, this was delivered to James O'Keefe. He tried to give it to the FBI. They didn't want it. Then they came and raided him. All sorts of crazy stuff. Le- lawsuits, jail, all sorts of stuff happened from this. But this is a transcript from the diary. Is that what you're reading? Yeah, exactly. And this is from a local news affiliate, WTRF.com. So let's see. Uh Shocking sexual allegations are emerging from the reported diary of Ashley Biden, President Joe Biden's daughter. According to DailyMail.com, Ashley Biden, a drug addict, left her personal diary under a mattress in a Palm Beach, Florida halfway house where she stayed during a rehab stint. The diary reportedly details her drug abuse, sex addiction, and her being, quote-unquote, hypersexualized. By Bob Peters. Bob Peters. So Biden's innocent, Um, then. It was Bob Peters who did it. (laughs) Well, you know... I'm just coming up, you know, to be the real I'm thing. offering his defense team some strategies. There you go. Say Bob Peters did that. <laughs> Leads to the same result, but go ahead and try. Alter ego. Yeah, alter ego. I didn't ego. say it was Let's good go strategy I was giving him. <laughs> A strategy. We'll, we'll leave it there. Yeah. Ashley Biden also recounts time she showered with her father when she was young. Something she allegedly wrote was, quote, probably not appropriate, end quote, says DailyMail.com. Here's the quote, unquote. I remember having sex with friends at a young age, showers with my dad, probably not appropriate. The diary reportedly came to light after a Florida woman who stayed in that room, Ashley. So the way the English works, the things that go earlier in the sentence, like if she's speaking in chronological order, she was having sex with friends and then showering with her dad. Asking for a friend. I'm just curious how that reads, how it's supposed to be interpreted. I remember how, yeah, it says, I, let me put it back on the screen, but it says, I remember having sex with friends at a young age, semicolon, showers with my dad. Hmm. hmm. It, she didn't say That's showers with her dependent dad. independent clause. Led to her really... sex with friends at a young age. Correct. Yeah, Correct. semicolon right. breaks it up very awkwardly. But, you know, rehab writing is not always in chronological order. Let's take that there. Uh, you know, that's what happens to children who have been abused. Um, it goes on to say Project Veritas founder James O'Keefe and his and one of his journalists were targeted by federal agents who reportedly raided their homes in November 2020. We all remember this. We had it on the Dude, show. O'Keefe is like Church. Scooby-Doo in the mystery machine, foiling all these criminals <laughs> who have like, you know what I'm saying? It was always silly how this group of kids in a van were foiling the like billionaires plans and stuff like that. You pesky yeah, yeah, kids, sure. you discovered Bill Gates is taking over food or, you know, whatever. So O'Keefe's like that character. You can't, you know. Yes. He, he should play he Fred. Is. And actually, when it comes out, when it comes with the whole Scooby-Doo motif, like what are they're always like ruining like ghosts and the like, people dressing up as something and trying to make it seem like it's not what it is. Like it's some sort of stage psyop event, every single Scooby-Doo episode. And then they, you know, foil the plan to the person who's trying to get people to believe in things that aren't true. So they vacate their property. Or, I like know, to think we have to explain want. Scooby-Doo to y'all because you're intellectually above having watched Scooby-Doo but think in, about in the it. 70s but, and 80s. So, good. But they're just, uh, you know, it's just a little bit of uh, irony to what Scooby-Doo is <laughs> portraying. It's all about Scooby snacks. That and like, that and about, you know, the the billowing cloud of smoke. Mysteries don't get solved without Scooby some Scooby out. snacks. That's what you learn from that. That's what you know. Get out of the, right. the mystery. So, machine. uh, <clears throat> I can't wait to see what Kyle Dunnigan does with these uh, these latest <laughs> episodes in the Biden trilogy. I know he's a little behind on keeping up on the fresh press, but uh, there's a lot of banger material there. No pun intended. Yeah, Sorry. Sorry. That was poor placement <laughs> of that word in particular. Uh, again, I was just inquiring for friends. I don't have a personal interest in, in any of these topics. 
So I just don't want to see you guys uh, know. Warren Buffett and Nancy Pelosi sort of on the next press press for DC. Press press of DC. Well, let's just Bob Seeker and turn a page over to Trump. He's got that uh <laughs> that manly photo. Do you think that dude practiced? Here's what I think happened. He had a three hour a long photo, photo shoot. shoot. Dude, he they yeah, had a three hour long too. photo shoot. They narrowed it down. They got to the jail and they said, What we have for you are three options. Which one would you guys like? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. You know what I'm saying? Really even nothing to chance. Right. That's I'm so sure corny that was, craft. Yeah. I'm sure, you know, and he's like, I'll sign one for you. How about that? Right. You know, who who's got the first print <laughs> of of the shot? You know what I'm saying? The mug shot. Um does it, is his star still at, in Hollywood or did they take that out since he became president? I don't you know. know. This because uh, like it, it sort that, of alludes that, to Nancy Pelosi lives on the street there now? Or no, I'm sorry, I was seeing the future again. I gotta put the crystal ball down. Not a homeless person. <laughs> you mean the talent here. You know. Surprisingly, the though, they're both homeless. Uh Paul and Nancy don't live in the same area of tents on uh on the street of broken dreams out there. No, they just have the hammer come. Oh. I heard they had the hammer come building him a house. So bringing the hammer back. Okay. <laughs> we got, we got to stay on track, man. That we got to okay. get to this Trump story. It's, so, it's a comedy show. It's a comedy show because the, the stuff we cover, you can't talk about seriously. So Trump pre-taped the interview with Tucker. They probably, Oh, we're going to release it five minutes early. We're going to get them, right? And now next time, Fox is going to be ready five minutes early, and these guys will do something else, right? So it's like they're just going to be – so it's like cat and mouse watching the mouse or like the cat chase the yarn or whatever. Laser. Trump and Carlson have the laser, and like Fox is the cat. That's the meme that I'm thinking of. <laughs> so they 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 blew it out. They had this interview. yeah. yeah. There's some clips from it. We don't have to see those clips because there's a lot of other stuff going on this week. And then they also had uh, the debate where everybody wanted to take. Oh, they, they all want to take a swing at Ramaswamy. Want to talk about Kabuki theater? And he yeah, loves he it, man. He's like he anti-fragile. It, yeah. Like you can't go after that dude like he's that. Like, Chris Christie like tried to go Donald after Trump. Him. Like he's not like Donald Trump, but he is in the sense that he likes the banter. He likes the back and forth. He likes to take the shit. You know, he has that element to him. Where's that? I'm gonna make a note. So Alex Stein did a post debate video because you're not allowed to use the Fox clips. There was this thing. You can't use clips. So they couldn't find the improv it. And uh, so he had various people play, you know, here's this woman who she plays Nikki Haley and here's this, you know, and Alex put a uh, inflatable suit on. So he played Chris Christie at uh, Krispy Kreme and it was good. (laughs) I don't know if we have time on the show to play that, but I'll point that out. Like that was funny. Um, (laughs) <laughs> the, the debate, yeah. I mean, it's a bunch of people that you wouldn't ever want as your friend on that stage, probably. I mean, Vivek aside, the rest of those people are kind of like, there's uh, Mike Pence, and he was giving you like the, the Mr. Freeze version of here's what's going on, right? Because I liked it, Trump Pence. It was like Heat Miser and Frost Miser or whatever. Like they were a good team. And then they split up. Mm, yeah. <clears throat> Went rogue. That Trump guy trying to overthrow the country. So we're back trying to put the country Pence together after under Trump tore it apart. Right. Hopefully this mugshot will heal the country. Everyone now has something they agree on. That's a great mugshot. <laughs> he didn't go with a smile. 
you would have thought maybe the smile like Jenna Bush went with a smile on hers. <laughs> I no comment. And now they've all got tri- they've all got trial dates out through the uh, the campaign. So it's like, sorry, you can't go to the debate and can't do these things because you got to go to trial for a whole bunch of nonsense run by the people who stole the country. And I'm not talking about Democrats. I'm talking about the deep state industrial globalists. They had their eye on America. They weakened the immune system, which is the American mind. They got you all soft on Netflix, all seasoned up with little Amazon. And now everybody's like uh, having at it. They just like, they love their ignorance. They want more, please. You could tell them there's something going on. Like like if you told them the house was on fire, they'd be like pretty lights. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like you, we're at the point where we have to t- teach people like fire is dangerous. It, it, you know, it's something you want to smoke and actually can burn you. Dude, we're at the point where we're trying to like convince someone that objective reality exists. That's when you know it's it's a uh, uh, civilization on the decline. So when you have to actually convince people that the reality that they experience in front of them actually exists and is outside their own conscious perception of it. Well, I think it was Washington who of said their own conscious perception of it. That's where we're in a bad place. What was it? Fire is da- fire is dangerous servant and uh like even worse master. Or mm. it was something like that. Look, you, you won't get you guys won't even remember everything word for word. That'd be boring. Then you'd have is to be like, Prometheus? is that AI or is that Richard Grove? But when I make mistakes <laughs> like that, that's the I'll, AI. I'll think of, of it. Yeah, it's like a dutiful servant and a fearful master. Fires a dutiful servant and a fearful master. That's still not right, but at least sounds more like something Washington would have said. Better aphorism. Yeah. Aphorisms. Jesus Christ, man. You're really getting the fifth grade words out for this show tonight, man. Which uh which week of the spelling book are you in? I'm still in the one where it says Anglo-Persian oil company. I'm trying to figure out what that means. But (laughs) we will yeah, BP. <laughs> they're the green euphemized. company there's another yeah. there's another big word euphemized i'm just saying BP. the people that ruined the Later world come up, they came up with the plan to save the world and you're not in it so that's that's well they ruined they mill you it. in so which they, you're swimming but rich didn't they set up a situation where they create this sort of materialist culture and this uh these um what do you call it the the uh woke irrationality life cycle uh, well oh, that too, oh, pre- but, premature obsolescence yeah, the obsolescent manufacturing. Well, you got to go back to people like Thorsten Then they, then they blame the humans and yeah. say it's because you're wasting so much. You're the problem. It's not us. It's like, you know, they... It's not the quote, people like that we, send you the disposable plastics and sell them to you and make you pay for them. It's you for throwing them away because they're disposable plastics. <laughs> you're the bad person in the thing. <laughs> and recycling is a scam. It. None of that stuff's getting recycled. They made Take a symbol trans, that looks just like the recycling symbol that makes people believe stuff. That's not true. Was just, and didn't we play that in the episode Reduce, as well? Reuse, is, we're always trying to educate you guys. Not, on what's is that going a war on. council slash ad council campaign? Reduce, reuse, recycle. I don't say it is. Oh, I think it's a trilateral me. commission logo. If you check it out, like the, <laughs> I mean, if you want to get down to it, the recycling logo is the trilateral commission logo. And you might look like when lore. it was created and recycling became in vogue. And they started like getting people on that opiate of I'm. Have you ever seen the garbage cans with the two holes? It's like trash and recycling, and they both go the same thing. Like that's as obvious as they can make it. (laughs) Like, look, it might be a scam, but we're telling you it's not a scam on the lid. You know, you can you believe the lid and don't look underneath. Shame on you. Right. That's right. Yeah, we can get the meme version of that too. But um, 
All right. So other clips I wanted to hit. Well, let's get to this mug shot. Uh, who do you think had best coverage on mug shot situation? Cause I know Crowder was doing like a live stream that night and I think they <laughs> did play the mug shot. Well, they were playing a drinking game, right? So there's a lot of mugs oh, and a lot right. of shots going on that night. And they got to the point where I think they covered it and they thought it was fake. So they didn't show it, but then they said, here's, Oh no, it was Tim cast. Cause that's, I took a screenshot. So I'm like, this is history. And it was actually on CNN and you see this picture that looks like maybe that's AI generated. Is that even a real photo? Right. You got to ask all these questions, but then you look at like the single lighting source on the right. It's very, you know, it's, it looks very police stationist from the lighting position. Yeah, for sure. Cause that's not yeah. how photographers no. light a face. No. Do you think Trump said if you look at other, give me that, uh, like Elvis, you know, she's like, what are you thinking for your mugshot? And he's like, well, I'm thinking like more of an Elvis or a Jimi Hendrix mugshot type of situation. And they're like, mm. okay, did you practice your scowl? And he's like, yeah. And they're like, show it to us. And he's like, Argh. she's like, okay. But a little bit more like you're trying to like take a dump. And he's like, okay. And he's like, <laughs> and then they took that picture and <laughs> no, then it became so I, little... iconic. 76 or 77 year old. Well, he's the opposite of Biden man. who's trying not to take uh, a dump all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. He's not always successful in that regard at that endeavor either. So uh, either the Tim cast. So I have or... Paul Joseph watching or Tim cast, but there's other PJW I want to get to later. So I'd say Tim cast, but both right. of them are fine. Either Let's or. do the Tim cast link. And can you pass that to LD please? Oh yeah. Let me get it real quick. Is that in the, it might be in the show card. Let me pull it up. Oh, 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 oh. Also, uh, his not, name's so not Oliver Anthony, everybody. His name's Chris. So stop calling him Oliver Anthony. There will be there will be an Oliver Anthony song later played by Hank Hill. I heard through the, the production chain. It might be a thing out there. Which means it's like Mike Judge. Which is pretty cool. Were you able to find that? I got Tim Cast for lockdowns. I got Tim Cast for couple other things but i didn't find the one i don't i, I can't find it either i just pulled Paul just i was so blown away while i was seeing that type of thing go down i forgot to add it to the list shame on me it's probably under his other channel not the tim cast but the other tim tim cast irl or something here the, i'm just good as paul just lost one iconic there you go thank you pjw like for minute, bailing this out video. thought we were going to hit the ground before there. we built that parachute we gotta get faster all right, here's Paul Joseph Watson from Bandai Video. NBC News appeared to edit Trump's mugshot to make him look more orange, but the photo still looks completely iconic anyway. The original image is on the right, and the NBC version is on the left. Seems someone within the network got a little bit overexcited with those contrast and saturation sliders. Again, this is the original from Getty, and this is the version NBC is using. This is by no means the first time we've seen a similar stunt pulled by news networks. As Chris Menahan points out, back in 2012, numerous different networks editor George Zimmerman's mugshot to make him appear more white. More recently, during the whole horse dewormer scandal, Joe Rogan accused CNN of editing a video of him to make him appear sick and in poor health. And turns out I got COVID. So we immediately threw the kitchen sink at it. All kinds of meds, monoclonal antibodies. But don't worry, fact checkers put this one to bed by claiming the video wasn't edited in any way at all by CNN. Prednisone, 
everything. Don't believe you're lying, guys. Fact is, they could have turned Trump's mugshot green or purple and it wouldn't have made a difference. In its arrogance, the regime just handed Trump on a silver platter. Perhaps the most seminal and effective campaign tool in the history of American politics. A defining symbol that will generate millions in advertising and activate his base like nothing else. They've also inadvertently launched an endless supply of based memes. Revenge. Retribution. We are going to win. For all his flaws, they've only succeeded in ensconcing Trump as a titan of American folk hero history. Unintentionally coronating him as an icon whose courage will reverberate down the generations. After everything they've thrown at him, the phony impeachments, the fake indictments, the fraudulent arrests, the overt brazen weaponization of the justice system merely to prevent him running for president again. As this photo broadcasts at top volume, Trump remains unfazed, unmoved, indignant, strong. A store of hope for hundreds of millions of Americans disenfranchised, demonized, deracinated in their own country. Everyone warned them for years that a Trump mugshot would only spectacularly backfire. But blinded by its pomposity and hubris, the regime didn't listen. And this image will only serve as a rallying cry to make America great again. Want to they made him more orange. I mean, they did. That's pretty funny. That's it's pretty like they funny. they're like, ah, oh, you showed up without makeup. Let us put makeup on you, like they do to everybody. I mean, Halloween's right around the corner. Maybe they like candy corn, and candy corn kind of orange, a little bit of white speckled in there. So clown's gonna clown. They're like everybody needs to put the clown face on, and uh, stuffing up the O face. Maybe it's not the biggest deal. They made him a little bit orange. I mean, if you don't, they might not recognize him. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> if there's not enough orange in his melanin, then it doesn't trigger people the way he needs to. But when you see orange man, the, you know he bad. Orange man bad. And the progress of the favored races. Um, the subtitle to Darwin? The Origin of Speed. Yeah. Well, you were would, just talking about conspicuous consumption. Like, and Thorsten Veblen yeah, wrote about yeah. conspicuous consumption, but he also was in charge of the Journal of Race Relations, which later became the Council of Foreign Relations Foreign Affairs Journal in 1924. So there's a lot of that eugenics subtone. You know, it's like they got a subtract of base. It's just like all eugenics and population control, but people can't hear it, you know, because they're listening to like the high notes. But it's been going for like a century. And they've been improving it. And they, now they get everyone in the experiment. The mRNA is not at like, it's not like mRNA is over here and eugenics is over here. It's like, they're right together. Those are the same thing. They're in the same Venn diagram. You're not getting stuff out of the mRNA end of the production line that didn't start with the eugenics and population control funding and financiers at the beginning of the planning and the blueprints for that production line. So... They're creating a world where it's, you know, it gets a little bit harder to navigate because what you're told from schooling is here and what's going on is actually up here. And you got to you got to close that gap with some education. It's the only way forward. I want to go next, LD. Uh, I want that Jimmy Dore clip where Congressman confirms RFK's targeted bioweapons claim because they remember he was like anti-Semitic because he brought up the name of a study from NIH. Remember that a couple weeks ago? And they're, you know, I think a lot of times when they get upset, it's because you're getting close to being right. Remember when you're a kid and you're playing a game, it's like hide and seek or something, or like something's hidden. They're doing hot and cold. 
and their voice changes a little bit as you're getting closer because they don't want they got to say warmer they got to say warmer or hot right they don't want to do that i think they're doing that with this um shakespeare said it in Macbeth, right uh, Methinks thou doth protest too much about these things and come to find out only a couple weeks later there's a lot of credence in what rfk jr was observing and then got slandered dragged through the mud for observing and it's that when they make any ethno-specific bioweapons, they always make a vaccine. Every bioweapon needs a vaccine is the title of this episode. That title comes from the quote in this clip from Jimmy the Door. And let's open the door to this problem and solve it. Thanks, Jimmy. Craig Pasta Jardula here filling on in for Jimmy Door. Kurt Metzger in the house, the big guy standing by. So um, since we're on the subject over here, synthetic bioweapons are coming. No. Wait. Synthetic. Hold on. Synthetic. What conspiracy, it's just like the drugs. Uh, what conspiracy site is this? The U.S. U.S. Naval, Naval Institute. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey. Pause it for a second. <laughs> Look, the title could have been The Age of Natural Bioweapons Has Elapsed. <laughs> Synthetic bioweapons are coming means that they're no longer just going to use the natural bioweapons. Isn't that comforting, Tony? That's a yeah, real no win for humanity. Chimeric processes through serial passage through humanized mice. They can just say gain a function again. Degraded. Say it again. Say gain a function one more time. I dare you. All right. Let's I'm go back to pasta. Shut off. Holding it down over there, man. He's he's doing really great. Yeah, let's go back to the clip. Bioweapons testing has been going on for quite some time. Now it's even more advanced. It's almost like when we talk about fentanyl. Fentanyl is kind of like a synthetic CRISPR. thing, right? CRISPR. Fentanyl is invented? No, it's like a synthetic yeah, it's type a of drug. Of heroin, it's not versus right? like opium, yeah. you know, opioids. Oh, so it doesn't come from nature? No. no. It's all oh, synthetic bullshit. No That's kidding. why. Yeah, How it's they, manufactured. I didn't know they could make... It's what it synthetic is. heroin. That's exactly what it is. We why have to they... keep making stronger, yeah. stronger things because of the breakthrough pain of the other ones. Yeah. Well, why do they keep... So why do they spend all that time growing poppy seeds and transporting it? Why don't they just make it synthetic? Well, well they are. The only problem is people are dying a lot quicker and killing dead. people. And is that a problem? <laughs> I, they they die know, happy. Yeah, you make a fair point. So the COVID-19 pandemic has revealed critical weaknesses in the human domain of warfare. At just the moment, technology has emerged... That gives bad actors new oh. power to exploit those oh, weaknesses. Oh, we're not doing it. We have to worry about, you know, Who are the Cuba? bad actors? Cuba, probably. Cuba. This is another Cuba bad syndrome. Actors. Iran. Havana. Death Ray. Boy, if Fauci's the good actor, I'd hate to see the bad actors, right? Developments in synth synthetic biology will create next-generation bioweapons, human domain fires, that will fundamentally change the strategic environment and create the threat naval planners must consider now before it is encountered at sea. Wait, what? Mm-hmm. What? I don't, they... I don't understand. I, I don't mean, either. I don't... This, what? This story seems... What? <laughs> what are they saying? Okay. Let's read it again. Should we read it again? We want to read it again. Thing? Developments in synthetic biology will create right. next, next generation, generation bioweapons, human Ooh. domain fires that will fundamentally change the strategic environment and create a threat naval planners must consider now. Before it is encountered at sea. Before what is a humo, human yeah. domain fire? Wouldn't that be a, in port you would 
discover it, not like on the open sea. I, what, no, what? I, I'm I'm assuming that it can use it. They're saying they can use it as a weapon or something. It's I don't know. I can't yeah. understand this yet. Is, is this a thing that I don't know? They've maybe been working on a while, perhaps in <laughs> one very important country of Ukraine, and now we're going to pretend we <laughs> oh. have to do it because the other people. If we the don't do people, all the crimes first, first these right. madmen, they're going to beat us to it. They're all madmen. It sounds like we are the madmen. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like that's what I've been trying to t- tell people is that we're the terrorists. Actually, go ahead. Sorry. So good from uh, the last American vagabond, T Lab. What's up, buddy? They're now weapons that are designated or designed. Excuse me, designed to target specific people. Remember no, we talked about this. Doesn't you can sh- actually take someone's DNA and target a biological weapon that will kill them. But I thought the entirely uh, the entirety of excuse me of MSM. Just got done telling us this was an anti-Semitic lie that RFK That's right. Jr. spread. Remember when he was talking about this? And people talked about this for quite some time. Yes. They've been talking about bio- biological weapons that they can use to target DNAs. And I think that's why China, a lot of people said that's why they freaked out, because they thought it was a bioweapon designed to go specifically after them. So that's why they went for the crazy lockdowns. I think that's why the Cubans did the same thing. When they locked down the aisle, they thought it was a, a bioweapon okay, designed quick, specifically I for like that. The idea. Quick question. <laughs> Don't we have, um, you know, treaties that say you're not allowed to make bioweapons? And the kind of places... We do. The rogue countries, how would they possibly afford to make this stuff? The, the people that would be making it would probably be signatories to that treaty, wouldn't they? They would, would Kurt, but there were some avenues, some loopholes of sorts, some little wiggle room in which they can get by, and we'll explain that. I'm sorry, Senator, you don't know what you're talking about. Yes. (laughs) That is, it it was not being done, but if it was being done... It was done legally. ...in North Carolina. They are not doing gain-of-function research, and if they are doing it, they're doing (laughs) it in the way it's okay. It's okay. (laughs) It's not technically gain-of-function. Even so Obama clear, put a stop. One of the things we're talking about here is that there are now weapons under development and developed that are designed to target specific people. Wow! Right, that, that's what this is, uh, where you, so you can actually is. take someone's DNA, take you know their their medical profile, and you can target a biological weapon that will that will kill that person or take them off the battlefield or make them inoperable. So you can't have a discussion about this without talking about uh, privacy. Uh, in, in commercial data, privacy. in the protection of commercial data, because commercial expectations data. of privacy have degraded over the last 20 years. You, uh, you know, young folks actually have very little expectation of privacy. That's that, what the polling that's and the, good, right, the data show. Is that good for you? Uh, and, and people will very rapidly spit into a cup and send it into 23andMe and that, get really interesting uh, data about their background. And guess what? Their DNA is now owned by CIA. a private company and can be sold off without very with very little uh, intellectual property protection or, or privacy protection. And we don't have legal and regulatory regimes to deal with that. So uh, we have to have an open and public discussion, and this is going to have to be a political discussion about what does the protection of healthcare information, DNA information, and and your data look like, because that uh, data is actually going to be procured and collected by our adversaries for the development of these systems. Can you pause it? I just think it's it's adorable that he thinks we're going to have an actual genuine conversation about any of this stuff. He knows we're not. They always say that. I know. That's what they're saying. Jason Crow, Colorado congressman over here. You know what I'm saying? I I have a feeling he's going to lose his next election. I just have that that feeling. You know what I'm saying? So, so, do you think he really thinks we're going to have a genuine conversation? I think he's trying to hope or just kind of. You ever hear you the know. thing, everything I learned uh, when I was five and all I needed, you know, like to put the candy in your mouth and then ask for it? Yeah. Same with those 
headphones that nobody seems to care about that that can read your thoughts. They present this. They go, you ready for this? <laughs> Everybody goes, no. And they're like, they go, well, it's, well, it's here. So we're probably going to have to talk about it. Shouldn't we have talked about it before it was yeah, here? Yeah. Well, no, too, after. After. So it's it here. don't matter if you talk about it. Screw you. The toothpaste out of the tube. Now. So that he just. So the big I think the headline is the congressman confirms RFK Jr.'s bioweapon theory. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's the headline for this segment. And then the other segment is, is that guy, is that guy really give a, does he really care? Or is he just give a lip service? Of I see course. you have, you have Tucker coming up uh, with Tucker with RFK. You think he'd be oh, invited to yeah. the Aspen security forum if he was bullshit? This is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying, Kurt. This guy. Yeah. If it so, has Aspen in the title, you know, it's you bullshit. know, it's that's bullshit. a good rule of thumb for you. I got invited to their comedy festival. Right, that that yeah. wasn't bullshit. That was actually for real. <laughs> Look, I, I just am very happy when we have these, these, these conversations like out loud now, right? That it's okay to start talking about these things more where they were brushed aside. You wouldn't even be talking about them if certain politicians weren't bringing them up. So that's I think right. it's a good thing that about this. And that's I mean, why I like yeah. about the RFK clip over here. If you haven't seen this interview with Tucker, it's great because he explains a, a lot of stuff about what's going on in Ukraine, the lead up to it, but also the bioweapons industry and how it was kicked over to certain people. Take a look at this real quick here. This is with Tucker, RFK. This is a great clip. Victoria Newland kind of blithely announced during congressional testimony last Remember year. This? That, oh, by the yeah. way, we have these bio labs in Ukraine. Yeah. And that was like kind of ignored and the people who covered it got attacked for covering it. But the fact remains there are U.S. bio labs in Ukraine. Why would we have bio labs in Ukraine? Um, we have bio labs in Ukraine because we're developing bio weapons. And, <laughs> you know, and those bio weapons are using all kinds of new synthetic uh, biology and CRISPR technology and genetic engineering techniques that were not available to previous generation. And they can make frightening, frightening stuff. Um, what happened was, and uh, you know, when when we walked away from when the Patriot reopened the bioweapons arm race in two thousand one, the Pentagon go. began putting a lot of money into bioweapons, but they were nervous at that time because if you violate Geneva, the Geneva Convention, it's a hanging offense, and they weren't sure that that provision in the Patriot Act would actually hold up as a loophole to treaties that had been ratified by Congress. So they were nervous about actually going full force into bioweapons development. So they transferred the authority for uh, biosecurity to one agency in the, in the HHS uh, called the National Institute for Infectious and Allergic Diseases run by Anthony Fauci. So Anthony Fauci got all the responsibility for bioweapons development. He got at that time a 68% raise from the Pentagon in order to do that work. So, and that's why he was the highest paid official in American in the American government of you know four four million people in the American. He's the high. He gets more money. He got more money, four hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year than the president. That any Supreme Court judge, any, any member of Congress, he was the highest paid, and it's because he got that sixty eight percent raised from the Pentagon to do bioweapons development. Now, when you do bioweapons development, every bioweapon needs a vaccine. So you develop them side by side because uh, in 100%... You want to say anything real quick about that? Or you wish like keep let it roll? Because I know it's a great clip. Yeah, keep it going. But yeah, let's go. In cases when you deploy a bioweapon, there's blowback. Your side also gets sick. So in order to deploy one offensively, you need a vaccine. To um to counter it, so you need to vaccinate your team before you deploy it. 
Wow. So, so that's how bioweapons work, and that's why Fauci. That's the whole, the whole, the whole. It seems like the whole future is going to be uh, paved with uh, the 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 road to the future is paved with vaccines. Well, that's why we don't need to worry about nuclear war, I guess, <laughs> yeah. because it turns out those are kind of hard to use. But now yeah. we we've been working on let's call it bio defense, which is I'm sure what they yeah. call it. Yes. But see, like this stuff, like, you know, I hope he goes further with this because there's not one presidential candidate who's talking about this stuff. This needs to be banned for real on day one. Gain of function needs to go away completely. It could wipe out the whole planet. They keep at doing one it. point. So they did it, it. There was a Boston University or Boston lab that did more gain of function on the coronavirus, and they bragged that they made it five times more deadly. We covered the story here. Do you yeah. remember that, Kurt? And then they were all they were all also uh, criticized for doing that. Like, why are they doing that? Did they get a six to eight percent raise? I hope. Yeah. Yes, probably so, more money. And uh, you know, nothing happened to those people. Nobody got in trouble for real trouble for doing that. And they're all patting themselves on the back that they gain of functioned up the coronavirus. Anyway, so Ooh, got, the public needs to be needs to be screaming about it. I, like, you need to stop this. We need to hang somebody if yeah, you don't stop so, gain of function testing. It sounds like white supremacists. All talk. right, we'll take a look. Just this is the little clip. And once again, remember what we talked about, and this is a big. I think it was a big reason. Oh, this is it. This is yeah. Well, um, I only have a minute left. Let me ask you: um, Does Ukraine have chemical or biological weapons? Uh, Ukraine has. Uh, biological research facilities, research. which, Why? in fact, we are now quite concerned Russian troops, Russian forces may be seeking to uh, gain control of. So we are working with the Ukrainians on how they can prevent any of those research materials from falling into the hands of uh, Russian forces should they approach. Well, and so what? Again, great question, Kurt. Why would we be afraid that Russia is going to get a hold of our cool bio cures for things, yeah. or are we doing bio weapons? Boy, I, I have to say, I'm not at all at all disturbed by the idea of Nazis having access to <laughs> DNA weapons. That's right, Nazis. Yeah, yeah. You, and their research facilities until the Russians get there, then their bio weapons lab. And it's and, and I'm on a kill list from that government, by the you way. You are. They could DNA target me. They I'll got stay you. away from pizza. I know you like it, but it's, <laughs> it after seems... months of denial, U.S. admits to running Ukraine bio labs. Ah, uh, there it they is. They had to admit it. They were all funded by the Pentagon. Labs. You know, if they, if they do come up with a special uh, thing just to kill me, it it is less impersonal. I mean, it, it seems like they really care. Washington has been urged to come clean over its biolab program in the Ukraine after the Department of Defense admitted to its existence. The Pentagon said on Thursday that it had it, ha it has operated 46 biolabs in Ukraine handling dangerous pathogens after previously dismissing, dismissing the charges as Russian propaganda. They admitted to well, it. Okay, was this they after she already, she already This was after it. that. Yeah. They had to admit to it. Yeah. That was after her speech. Okay. Because they kept on and they found the funding. You know, and it was the, the the Pentagon's fingerprints all over it, so they were operating these ba these bio labs on Putin's border. So what choice the that because people talk about it all the time. I think that was the straw that broke the camel's back. He's like, that's it, because shortly after going in, they eliminated these forty six bio labs. Ah. Oh. Well, do you think they got the data though? 
<laughs> the valuable data. The valuable data. The last clip of this segment. This is just brings did, it all wait, together. You know that they did that. What's that? They eliminated those bio. Yeah, they, he talked about it. He it was like two, three days after I they went in there. I should hope so. By yeah. the way, no, they said they were taking out the 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 bio labs, and that's why they were questioning. This questioning came to Congress, and then you know Rubio had asked her. I don't think Rubio was expecting he, that answer. Rubio did he not, was not expect, expecting that answer. Man, he did not expect her to yeah. tell the truth like that. No, and it it kind of threw off his narrative. If you played the whole clip, yeah, which I remember it but yeah he, it kind of he's like wait a minute what the f you know yeah he goes i'm Remember sure that? it would sound crazy if that was so that yeah, yeah. Oh my yeah. God. He was it's trying, almost like when they he asked was about to debunk the, the conspiracy yeah. theory, but it wasn't the it conspiracy wasn't. theory because the she truth. admitted it. Yeah, and they've been doing this shit for a long time, all over the place. He just talked about it. So those two things are are developed through a a, a field of science called gain of function science, where you take infectious where you take an infectious microbe and you amplify its infectivity. Or you make a jump species, so it may kill monkeys, now you make it kill humans. And you adopt it that way, and there's all kinds of methods. And then you make it immune to antibiotics and to therapeutic drugs and to other therapies. So it's actually the inverse of medicine. For 2,800 years since Hippocrates, doctors have been trying to figure out how to make microbes less infectious and less deadly and develop antibiotics and therapeutics to do that well this, the guys who are involved in this there's thirty-six thousand what are called life scientists but they're actually death scientists um, who are now employed full-time in developing you know microbes that will can be used to kill people but and, given the experience we just had three years ago yeah where a virus from a bio lab yeah. upturned. So, so let, let me just finish this brief history about what yeah. happened. In 2014, three of those micros escaped. You know, yeah. but, um, Fauci built labs all over the country in Galveston and Boston and everywhere. There are BSL-4 labs. We don't even know how many there are, BSL-3 and BSL-4. We have no idea how many there are. There's, um, you know, We've counted them. I have a new book coming out that goes through the ones we know. But there are many secret ones that people don't know about, and they're doing it here in the United States. But in 2014, three bugs escaped from three different labs. And they were high-profile breaks, and they were very dangerous things, smallpox and, uh, and a couple of other uh, bad, bad, bad microbes. The public learned about it, and there was a lot of publicity, and Congress held hearings. 300 scientists wrote President Obama and said, you've got to shut down Anthony Fauci because he's going to create a microbe that will uh, that will cause a global pandemic. And he did. And so Obama signed a moratorium that shut down the 18 worst of Anthony Fauci's experiments, where most of them were taking place in Galveston and in North Carolina. Uh, by a scientist called Ralph Barrick down there. Uh, and uh, and instead of obeying that law, Anthony Fauci shifted a lot of his operations offshore. And those operations ended up, most of them in the Wuhan lab, which is a military lab, and that the Chinese run, the People's Liberation Army. And uh, and then a lot of them went to the Ukraine. So a lot of that Ukraine. science now and ended up funded, in Ukraine. Uh, you know, Fauci was funding lots of it but then the the other government agencies began to get confidence in you know their ability to get away with it and most of it is being funded by the department of defense the most of all the biggest single funder is usaid which is uh, you know a cia cutout yep which is 
American taxpayer dollar, baby. And guess what? It's still legal. It's still going on. So don't sit here and tell me that this crap is over. It isn't. It's not. And it can all start up right back again. And just of course, like that. And it's and it's amazing that uh, Bobby Kennedy had to uh, bring us this news because the news media is never going to let us know that that about the, the those labs that already spilled that Barack Barack Obama put an end to Tony Fauci doing that, and he went around him because he's more important to the military than Barack Obama was, so he could do whatever he wants, and that's why he did that. Didn't and he'll Trump never be prosecuted. He's I never going to be prosecuted for that for doing that because he's doing the bidding of the people who own the government. Go ahead. Okay, so I mean, it's a lot to process, but didn't Trump come in and say, "Okay, you can do gain of function"? He was the one that took that moratorium off. I'm ninety percent sure. I could be wrong. I don't it turns off there turns out there was no there was never really a moratorium. It was never really a moratorium. They, they never stopped. Elsewhere. He just shifted it offshore. Yeah, yeah. They never stopped. And, 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 and he lied know. about it. And he lied to Congress twice. Uh, Dr. Fauci lied to Congress twice about funding that. And he should be prosecuted. Yeah. But just like the people who ordered a torture program aren't going to be prosecuted for it, it's because they did it at the behest of the establishment. And so he did it at the behest of the military-industrial complex and Big Pharma. And so he'll never be prosecuted for well, he's that. He's a secret agent. That's right. <laughs> Would you prosecute James Bond? They didn't prosecute one person for torture. The only guy who did any time for it was John Kiriakou, the guy who, blew, who exposed it. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah. Or the 90% uh, civilian kill ratio with of, the drones. Of the drones, right. The guy that ratted him out. That's right. The, the guy that's yeah, like yeah. drill what, rap. What's his that's name? Daniel Hale. Hale. Daniel Hale. Daniel yeah. Hale. Yeah. 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 It's very hip-hop of our government. This the, is don't a, snitch. Yeah. yeah, don't snitch. Look, then they need to... Yeah, listen, they need to say this. Is every single candidate, anybody who wants to hold the presidency down, and gain a function day one. Done with it. Like, this thing is a threat to humanity. It well, really gonna, is. They're not going to listen to you. I know they're not, but I mean, we should be. Just say whatever you want, it turns uh, out. You know. Hey, come. All right. So there's a lot of points that we're hitting there. Uh, this this trend of bioweapons that picks up after 9-11, right, in the Patriot Act. I asked the question, why would it pick up after 9-11? What did it have to do with 9-11? And then I was like, oh, the anthrax letters. Remember those letters that were like, death to America, America, you know. It was like written in like little kids scrawl and sent to like Tom Daschle with like an Islam or Islamic. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. Right. Like, right. Uh, so like to it. Yeah. It was very strange. Straight out of Mossad. Here's how to do an impression of your enemy and set him up. Right. It was well, just probably like, my six. Right. Because that was important. Now that was out of her. What was the uh, well, connection with? So 9-11 goes down. And then in the weeks after these letters get circulated, and it's a little bit of them jumping the shark. Like you already got the thing, and then you had to send these death to America letters that were yeah. very not believable from the get-go, right? Yeah. But it puts everyone on the panic. There could be stuff in the you know. So those attacks, when you trace them back, they go to five eyes intelligence agencies. Could they be behind the thing that's going on now? Well, they have a lot of tentacles to it. And the gain of function that they got, let's see. Press that. The anthrax attacks, which were not just Fort Detrick, but porting down, right? The MI6 side, right, I could add into yeah, this, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. Met the needs of these PNAC people who would be quick to frame up some Arabs for like, you know, can we get to, can we get some propaganda going? Like, this is what they do. And then you get the, the Patriot Act, 
Right. And, and then that one was there. not as sophisticated as 9-11, obviously, but they're layering it on at that point to see when people are in a heightened state of fear. Because well, they, they want could... it in the Patriot Act. So they're like, hurry up, send those letters yeah, yeah. so we can get it in yeah, the Patriot the Act because they wanted to open up the bioweapons, right? And from there, you, you get it, yeah. this gain-of-function prohibition, which didn't really go on. So, and you had so all these experiments let me, let going on. So they, they lied to Trump to get him to turn it back on, by the way, and do whatever, yeah. right? That dude was not told the truth about anything. Fauci said he was going to face a pandemic of unparalleled proportions. How do you predict pandemics to not stop them? Right. Maybe we should ask. And him. that was in 2017. And like th- this has been a, a point of confusion. And or one, last, one, last, this, but... one last point on that real quick. Uh, in the anthrax attacks, Jerome Howard told the White House to go on Cipro a week before, right? So I have I have another point to make about the vaccines. But when you're handed like here's the antidote before the event even happens, I would ask why Jerome Howard of Kroll Associates and possibly of uh, a, a dual citizen would have knowledge and the authority to put top White House people on Cipro a week before the anthrax attacks even happened. So anyway, that's just one of those questions. Go ahead. Go with what you got. No, and that makes total sense compared to what RFK said. He's like, you developed the vaccine alongside the gain of function. But what, whether you're dealing with a, a viral agent or some other toxin, you're going to develop some sort of therapeutic alongside the, the toxin itself. So that would make Cipro would make total sense. Of course, Curl Associates, um, one of the most dubious organizations in history in regards to uh, <clears throat> consulting services. For yeah, <laughs> private. They call them security. the Mossad of Wall Street. The, yeah, there you go. I mean, they security call them the CIA of Wall Street. I mean, you want to talk about as abstract as you can get. And then they brought the up uh, Wall Street. They brought up James but, uh, Bond. Oh, did you make your point? I'm sorry. No, go ahead. You have that. Well, let me sorry, let me make a point real quick. So here, the point. This goes to what you were saying real quick, because there's a lot of confusion about this. And we we're talking about life about it. And she mentioned this as well, that in 2014, there was the moratorium. There was a moratorium. But it did not ban all gain of function. So according to this is uh, from science.org. It says here, let me make it bigger. U.S. halts funding for new risky virus studies calls for voluntary moratorium. No grants for flu, SARS, or MERS while government pursues one-year risk analysis. Mm-hmm. And it says here, and I'll just read the first paragraph here. The White House today stepped into an ongoing debate about controversial virus experiments with a startling announcement. It is halting all federal funding for so-called gain-of-function studies that alter a pathogen to make it more transmissible or deadly so that experts can work out a U.S. government-wide policy for weighing the risks. So it's for basically uh, you know, risk analysis, cost-benefit analysis. Federal officials are also asking the handful of researchers doing ongoing work in this area to agree to a volunteer moratorium. This is the kicker. The quote-unquote pause on funding a White House blog states applies to, quote, any new studies that may be reasonably anticipated to confer attributes to influenza, MERS, or SARS viruses, such that the virus would have enhanced pathogenicity and or transmissibility in mammals via the respiratory route. End quote. The government also, quote, encourages those currently conducting this type of work, whether federally funded or not, to voluntarily pause, voluntarily pause oh, it's a voluntary research pause. while risks and benefits are being reassessed. So in other words, yes, there was a moratorium, but no, it did not necessarily shut down the ongoing research. Plus, as from the fine details in the moratorium itself, which she actually read, um, it goes into details essentially about on what if there's ongoing research happening, you get to voluntarily shut it down or not. And you don't necessarily have to rescind or give back in any capacity the funding received from the federal government. So, yes, there was a moratorium. 
in, the, in, in regards to the moratorium, that just gave an incentive, a small incentive to outsource that. And certainly they did, but they didn't have to. Anthony Fauci and team didn't have to. They just decided to. And that was alongside um, that French um, company, Biomilieu, I believe it's called, that helped to set up the laboratory at Wuhan Institute of Virology, where they're transferring most of a lot of the research that was conducted really in America and maybe Canada as well. Some of it was that Stefan well. Bonsell from Moderna, who's been working with DARPA since 2012 to make the mRNA that was stuff? part of that was Sanofi. That was part of Biomedia, oh, right? I believe. Yeah, but but you're right. It's part of like Sanofi is part of Biomedia. So and like that's like a huge like healthcare uh, biomedical conglomerate, biomedical technology conglomerate that sort of owns a bunch of stuff. So it, it is. I just wanted to clarify that point because they're right. The moratorium, but the moratorium did happen. It just like had a bunch of loopholes in it where they could and still continue to work on pathogens. Um, I thought that was an important. And also they mentioned, uh, isn't there, I think Pasta mentioned this idea of a treaty and Rich, you know, this one, uh, but this goes back to Francis Boyle and this one, the uh, biological weapons, anti-terrorism tact of night terrorism. Act oh, I actually, uh, we're reaching out to professor Francis Boyle to get him as a guest. Cause he's the author. Oh, really? That. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. That'd be yeah. awesome. Cause this, especially if they want to do lockdown too, COVID boogaloo. We need to learn more about lockdown one real quick. And he was the first one to call it. And uh, I think he'd be a great guest. Yeah. I'm looking for the original report where Jones said that lockdowns were coming back. Uh, Like a couple uh, weeks ago. The one where he reports from the exclusive new Intel, new lockdown hit in October. I think we're going to share this link right here with LD and we're going to explore it because it looks looks long, but I'm sure he has some ads and call to action and stuff so we can find the, the gist. But um, yeah, I wanted to cover that. Now that we know that these people are lying about the lab, uh, maybe we should look you a little closer point about at vaccines. Fauci and his position that he's had. You had a point about the vaccines too you wanted to make. Um, oh yeah, I got a couple points here. Yeah. First off, yeah. DNA-specific bioweapons. Well, how would they get everyone to know about that? Well, they make oh, have well. they make plenty of mo- movies about bioweapons, but most specifically the latest James Bond movie where James Bond dies. That's a DNA specific weapon. Now they use nanobots, but they could just as easily have killed him with inhalable mRNA. Is my point, right? And mRNA has been developed as a platform for a long time. Universal flu vaccine, something they've they've wanted to get out there. So my last note that I made on this clip was, <clears throat> what if we're thinking about it all wrong? Right. Everybody's like that whole story is focused on the development of bioweapons. Right. But what what did the RFK tell us? Every bioweapon needs a vaccine. So what if the question was, how do we get everyone to take something or to do something? Right. In this case, how do we get everyone to take a vaccine? This new mRNA vaccine that they want to get into everybody. How do they get everyone to take it? Well. They need a bioweapon. And in the face of that scary bioweapon wreaking its havoc, everyone runs to get the product, right? It's Chimera and Bellerophon from Mission Impossible 1. That was the plan of a pharmaceutical company. Like, these people aren't that creative. They just, like, take pieces of Hollywood scripts and they're like, okay, let's do this. You know, like, Bill Gates isn't a cool nerd, right? But these people that they're hanging out at these meetings, they are, they're not the cool kids, the popular kids. These are probably, like, the, the nerds that were made fun of in school. Right. Sorry if you made fun of nerds in school, but nerds are cool. And I think that these other bad nerds are giving the good nerds a bad name. We need to step up 
and fight back. So we do that by uh, looking into these claims carefully. Because when I heard Jones say that they're bringing back lockdowns, I was like, come on, man, they're not bringing back the lockdowns. They're not bringing back maths. Like we're all past that. Right. I mean, I know they wanted to, but like for what, like, why would they call do it ahead of time? Like it's scheduled on their agenda. Like even if the bioweapon hasn't emerged yet, we have to start doing these things in preparation for the bioweapon to emerge. It's like they're launching a new marketing campaign. And we'll go to the clip after this. We'll go to the clip of uh, the guy from Pfizer and the board of directors on TV telling you to take the new vaccine. It's like, come on. It's very transparent. It seems to only trick the people who aren't aware of what's going on, though, which is usually how those three card Monty shell game type things go on. Right. So uh, I don't know. So let's go to uh, this is a backup. What you're saying real quick. I mean, this comes from February 24th, 2021. China wants your data and may already have it. Just to remind people. When all those uh, P- PCR tests were being used, oh, yeah. the DNA, tests baby. as well, they were just yeah. collecting. As it says here, as, this is from NPR. So as COVID cases begin to rise, began to rise a year ago, a Chinese company contacted several U.S. states and offered to set up testing labs as a byproduct. Yeah, they're the, they're the Comvar of this situation, system. right? Yeah, Nine Eleven, you had Infosys and Comvar and those other yeah, companies yeah, that yeah. had all the telephone data, and now the Chinese yes. got all your DNA data from this latest thing, man. You are commercial data. Like when they talk about selling commercial data, like that's us that they're selling. It's a slave market. Data is, yeah, the digitized not slave the new frontier, market. but the most important, the the most important commodity right now is data, all forms of data. So. Well, all right. So uh, this clip's going to come from Bandai Video. It's thirty three minutes long. We're not going to watch the whole thing. I'm thinking he's going to have a teaser at the front, a little, little stinger, and then he's going to break into how some TSA people went through some training. And they said, huh, we're going to call Alex Jones. And Alex got several calls, like over a 48-hour period. And then uh, it leads to this story, which then got verified in the media like a couple days later because colleges started like implementing these lockdowns too. And so uh, the question is, is Alex Jones right again? That's being asked out there. I'm asking for a friend. Let's check out the clip. And then we'll be back to uh, to see the Pfizer executive who's on the board of directors acting like he's your best friend on TV. Take the jab. How many times have I told you we have sources? How many times have I told you we have the intel and it's 99% right when it comes to whistleblowers? These are people that stick their necks out to talk to me that I know personally. I'm not going to go any further than that. But they've been told new lockdowns are coming. They've been told how it's going to be rolled out. And, 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 and what they were told by their superiors is exactly fitting in with the larger UN plan. this excited ever oh, yeah, mug club, baby. Wow. the replatforming begins now join mug club and get one month free with promo code alex at jonescrowder.com we are not helpless worms we are not legless spineless jellyfish we do not have to sit here and take the same criminal UN, global, WF, New World Order regimes, second rollout of lockdowns. 
and attempts at forced injections and travel restrictions and being told you're not essential. We don't have to lay down and die. And for the third world, but they'll lock them down again under IMF World Bank control. It is a literal death sentence. They estimate over 80 million people starved to death the last three and a half years because of the COVID restrictions. Ladies and gentlemen, I got a call yesterday. An individual was in town and they wanted to meet with me that I know well. And they are a high level manager in the TSA. And I went and met with them and had a cup of coffee with them. And they said, you got to warn people. Tuesday, we got called in, the managers, and told that by the middle of September, that the new policy is being written, that this is done. They were told this is happening. This is not hypothetical. You will all have to wear masks again, and so will airport employees. Then by the middle of October, they are going to say that everyone flying has to wear a mask. And in the meetings, people began to ask them, well, I mean, why is this happening? They said, well, because of the new variant in Canada and because of the WHO, they may you know, declare this. But regardless, we've been told this is going to happen. And then they were told, we expect by December a return to the full COVID protocol of 2020-2021. And I was given many more details. I wrote down notes on it. Then I left. Called the first federal connection that I was thinking of. Didn't answer. Called the second. Answered. Told them what I've been told. And they said, what day was that? I said, Tuesday. They said, yep, we were told yesterday. This is yesterday was Thursday, so it was Wednesday. Expect COVID protocols to begin rolling out middle of September. And I said, what else were you told? Basically that they believe this new variant super bad and that they're doing the testing and that they should just get ready for a whole new rollout of what happened before. And this was Border Patrol connected people I was talking to and testing at the border again in the whole shooting match. That's two federal agents that told me this yesterday. And then I went and looked at the news, and there they were saying Canada's looking at new restrictions again because of the variant, and so is the EU. And what did the Russians just put out three days ago? U.S. is plotting another pandemic. Russian head of the defense ministry warns. Now, new lockdowns will starve the third world. New lockdowns will destroy small businesses. New lockdowns will take the average person that's already $5,000 in the hole, and their paycheck is 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 just on time, we'll put them into full bankruptcy. And the children in the mask and the 
the, the attempt to push a new shot for the new variant, and we're right back in the same hellhole we were in just a few years ago. And why is it perfect timing? Because you go into the election year, they had the last crisis go over two and a half years. They'll bare minimum run this through the next election. It's only 14, 15 months out with mail-in ballots again. And we have all the eyewitnesses and testimony that they'd get the mail-in ballots. And in some cases, they were 99% for Joe Biden. Who believes that? U.S. Postal Service whistleblowers, USPS, poll watching witnesses. I have it all here. We'll play it next hour. Trying to outlaw questioning an election, indicting the, the, the front runner, total election meddling. Not even the right word. It's, it's, it's stealing an election preemptively. So Trump can't campaign is unable to campaign, and, and, and then you've got right in the middle of all of this a new COVID rollout. And I was very specific with both people. I said, to be clear, did they say this was hypothetical? No, we asked that. We said, how do you know? And they said, well, we can see with the testing, it's going up. It's already really bad. I talked to Dr. Stella Emanuel yesterday about this. I said, are you seeing increases? She said, yeah, it's the COVID shots. We're actually seeing record death, record illness in Houston, where she has a huge practice, medical doctor, compared to the height of the so-called last pandemic. So you have 20 million people dead from the shots. You have all sorts of illnesses. It's all going to be blamed on COVID, the heart attacks, the myocarditis, the blood clots, the strokes, because it's all kicking in now. Some people die in just a few days or a few weeks. Most people die years later. That's what the studies show in mice. Mice, most of them don't die right away. They die in a few months. Well, in mouse life, that's a few years in humans. We've had scientists on, prestigious. You've seen it all. So we're going to have major death this winter when the vitamin D goes down, the viruses that are already in them kick up. You've been implanted with a cocktail, as Dr. Judy Mikovits exposed a few days ago, of hundreds of these viruses. When your body gets overwhelmed, just like herpes, keeps coming back over and over again when you're stressed. If a man or a woman has had herpes and then they're in a car wreck or their mother or father dies or their kid gets hurt, what comes back? Herpes 10 times worse. When you're under stress, the viruses that are already in you come back. They've implanted you with herpes, SV40 cancer virus, Lyme's disease. That's in the shots. Gloomy. Scientists call for people to start wearing COVID masks again as they sound alarm over new variant AB16 that has lots of new mutations. Print that for me. That's from a few days ago. I hadn't even seen that. See? And that's what they told them. AB16 is the reason this is going to happen, and they know they can set the PCR test to show it's that when it's really all the other viruses causing it. So are we going to sit here and take this? Are we going to sit here and lay out of this? and let them put the narrative out and use the fear-mongering, and then it's the concerts, and then it's the grocery stores, and then it's the fear, and all the same thing. Are we going to go through Groundhog Day again? I don't tell you this is coming, so when it happens, everybody thinks I'm amazing. I'm telling you this so that we can stop them. Then they'll say, oh, look, Jones said this is going to happen. It didn't happen. I don't mind being the bad guy. I'll dance a little dance. 
if we can stop this. You know they're arrogant, though, and you know they got to steal the next election. So we'll work hard to expose it. It'll get us ahead of it. But I got a sneaking suspicion we'll be sitting here very soon going, Alex Jones is right again. Bittersweet. Exclusive. Biden administration preparing to bring back full COVID restrictions roll out to begin mid-September. They may change the plan. They may speed it up. They may back it off. They might cancel it. That's what I want. But this on my children is from federal whistleblowers. Just like I was told by my sources in Ukraine. We're told the Russians, if they're going to invade, it'll be by late February because the ground starts to thaw a month later and they need time to invade. And we believe we've been told they are invading. I came on air and said, my sources say they invade by late February. They invaded on February 24th. I wish we could have stopped it for everybody involved by doing that. That was my intention. Let's not fail this time, folks. Please, please. It'll kill hundreds of millions of third world people. It'll break them down. They'll flood us more. We'll have mass suicides, more families broken, more small businesses shut down because they're not essential in the name of the globalist. And all the forced injections and all the PCR tests and this slave dance they want us to do. We woke up. We said no. We got them off our back. They gave us a rest. They're coming back again. Go to Infowars.com. Get this article. Share it. We've added the live show feed to it. Share that. Like your life depends on it because it does. Do it now. You're not a spectator. This is not entertainment. This is fighting for our lives. Tell everyone, tune in now. I'll break it all down in hour number two. Stay with us. Discover a wide variety of products at InfoWarsStore.com. From shirts, books, hats, and virtually At Jones Crowder. Hell, but first, here's a clip. This is the end of everything. It's never coming back. The prosperity's never coming back. It's all over. And they're going to, by increments, put the pressure on, get you to give up more rights, and then they'll take a little pressure off. And then they'll tell you, give up more rights, and then pressure will be taken off. But then always it'll be put back on even tighter. That's the psychology of this takeover. So they're going to hit us with different waves of bio-attack over the years, locking us down tighter each time. And they're also going to squeeze us through the educational system. Our jobs are going to tighten down the restrictions, loosen them by the summer, and then release new strains immediately that aren't even as bad as the current strain. They'll say they're worse fear-monger, and then clamp down even stronger. Emergency broadcasts on this Friday, August 18th, 2023. Federal officials raise alarm that the Biden administration is preparing new rollout of COVID restrictions. Let's read the article right now. Exclusive, Biden administration preparing to bring back full COVID restrictions roll out to begin mid-September. TSA and Border Patrol whistleblowers have alerted InfoWars of a Biden administration plot to unleash a full COVID lockdown that will only begin with an incremental rollout in September. I wrote that. We probably changed it to 
lockdown that will start with an incremental rollout in September. We can stop this. Never let the establishment control the masses with fear again. Whistleblowers from TSA and Border Patrol have raised the alarm to InfoWars that the Biden administration is setting the stage for full COVID lockdowns that will begin with incremental restrictions like masking TSA employees in mid-September. The first source, a high-level TSA official confirmed and also known to InfoWars, reached out to InfoWars and cited a Tuesday meeting in which TSA managers were told new memorandum policies were being completed that would implement masking starting with the TSA and airport employees as early as mid-September. After hearing from the TSA manager, InfoWars reached out to our trusted Border Patrol sources, one of which is also a manager. This source confirmed the same directives were being given to Border Patrol. They were told it's not a matter of if, but when official COVID numbers will go back up because they control the PCR test, and they expect by mid-October to return to forced masking policies that the Biden administration previously only reluctantly ended after mass pressure. And again, I wrote this with one of the writers right before the show. I'm going to read the rest of it, but now that I'm reading it here on air, this is a rush this morning. We need to add the point that in mid-September, they're being told TSA wears masks again and airport employees. And then by mid-October, they go back to the pilots, the stewardesses, the flight attendants, and everyone at the airport, everyone on the planes, mandatory masks. So, so that, that's the key here. And then it just continues after that. Both whistleblowers were told this rollout will be in tandem with the new COVID variant hysteria that MSM has been reporting on this week. InfoWars analysis is clear. This new rollout timing is perfect for the embattled Biden administration to put the country back in a state of civil emergency slash martial law and to further divide and confuse the public and move forward in the greatest election meddling we've seen in history. Many times Alex Jones has warned that the system will bring back biomedical tyranny and the launch of this new crisis in September will allow a buildup of control that would allow the use of mail-in ballots for the next presidential election that was critical in Biden's stealing of the election. We now know that COVID lockdowns were an international psychological warfare operation run by the psychological warfare agencies of the Ministries of Defense and the Pentagon. We're adding all that because we ran out of time before the show. We're adding more of the article right now. Countries worldwide implemented fear campaigns for political purposes and to push experimental shots. But this time around, the masses have awakened to the globalist playbook of conquest and may not be as receptive to MSM hysteria. Simply put, the deep state is getting desperate as behaving like a cornered animal. We're breaking it all down right now. So we'll add the key point, though, that I forgot to get in there, that mass for the TSA and airport employees, middle of September, they told them by next week they're going to get the actual guidelines and rules. And by mid-October, everyone wears them. And obviously the Border Patrol and the TSA are like, the managers are like, well, how do you know? They're like, it's going to happen. Then they'll start the banning of public events and it'll start voluntarily. Oh, the rock concerts are closed and 
Remember how it happened last time Big Tech did it? Google closed its offices. You're going to see a repeat of that. And then by the late winter, I would estimate, because they didn't go any further, but we know how to track the trajectory. This is not speculation. It'll be the horses running over people in Germany and people getting shot with rubber bullets and LRAD sound weapons in Australia. And, oh, but don't worry, you're all going to get a check and the central banks are going to print more money and just stay at home and limited menus and QR codes to buy and sell and everybody from Panera Bread to full paycheck, Whole Foods, are putting in hand scanners to buy and sell. It's here. This is round two. They've told the feds it's happening. But that is all just one part of the equation. The PCR testing, the lines to get the shots. The bigger issue is we are seeing massive increase in death from the shots. And now they're saying, no, 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 not the shots. COVID's causing all the heart attacks. So let's play just a short little clip here of Biden as candidate and president saying, take the shot, you're protected and you can't spread it. And then uh, the prime minister of New Zealand also saying the same thing. I mean, I can play the, the Italian leader saying it, the German leader saying it, but, because it's all a global script run by the UN, by the Rockefeller Foundation, Operation Lockstep Event 201. By the way, when I say these words, it doesn't sound fancy and smart. Write them down. Look them up. Look up Event 201. Look up Operation Lockstep. Look up Go ahead, pause SPARS 2025-2028. Look up Crimson Contagion. You know, and if you watched last week's episode, you already know again about lockstep and the Rockefeller Foundation and all that good stuff. But uh, the masks aren't effective against tyranny. So I don't say why we're all going to put masks on. What do you think, Tony? Should we store up uh, like stack, stack store, like stock up on beans? Jeez. At this do we, point, do I we mean, need to I, prep for this, this lockdown. Who, who the fuck knows? It's, it's kind of, it's, very interesting, but also very terrifying, right? It's foreboding and the implications as to what can emerge. And but this time they know ahead of know, time. This is why. Communicating, I... Yeah. Right? And they didn't do that last yeah. time. TSA got no. no early warning last time about anything, right? It's almost like uh, the exercise went live in October and they were kind of quick to react. This seems like if they're making these plans and it's rolling out like this and you saw stuff pop up, like it's going on. Like I've that's seen a lot more concerning. That some um, some institutions have already begun the procedure, but I forget which ones. And against anecdotes, and it was from I don't know if it was Kim Iverson I was listening well, to. One or, was a university the show in card. Georgia the next day. Oh, maybe it was like, a university. Well, yeah. that there was that one, but then there's a couple. Yeah, I mean you're right, and then there's a couple other institutions, private institutions, I think. But there's it's sort of it could be a confabulation, but I think there's a couple that have already begun lockdown procedures. The first you would see it in would be the medical establishment. So if you know you have to go to the vet or you have to just go and get a routine antibiotic or something like you well, know, they're gonna keep they that open force. as long as they can. They need their money over there. In fact, we'll yeah, go to the right. Pfizer guy telling you about how they need their money in a second. But uh, uh yeah, the, I mean the scenarios for the future of technology and international development, the the you know, with the lockstep scenario in there amongst the other uh, scenarios. I mean, these are, it's game theory. we talked about John Nash a little bit earlier. He's right? Nobel prize winner. Uh, the Nobel prize winner. Right. But this, these are sort of, they're, they're, they're gaming out the various uh, potentials that can emerge as insofar as what they're going to attempt to do policy wise. We're going to attempt to push these international bodies are going to attempt to push policy wise 
for nation states, but in this case, it'll be the WHO, right? The World Health Organization, Bill and Melinda Gates, and the Chinese, uh, uh, the CPC, uh, will be international um, authorities is what they needed in america because yeah. the americans were feisty and though historically you don't invade in the winter you can lock a lock down and do a coup in the winter and by spring but that's like, right but that's actually a type of so like when um or protect the Hannibal, coup that's already gone on sorry i forgot which page of history we were on well already. the fabian strategy well the fabian strategy right one of the elements is like can you one of the best ways to win using that strategy is actually to starve them out in the winter, particularly one cut off their supply lines where they even get to winter, make people not prepare in time and then cut them off. And it makes it much more difficult. So in this, and capacity, then they'll be weak and pliable by spring. You got it. And so in this capacity, it's, it's a reverse of the traditional, like you don't go and invade in a conspicuous fashion, you know, send like your troops in during winter because the conditions are not amenable. But what you can do is make it very difficult sort of asymmetric warfare style and then in a historical context to make it difficult to even be able to fight in the first place, break their will to fight by breaking their ability to meet their basic needs for survival, cut off you know the food, cram them in the cities, which more disease is about is bound to emerge and uh, proliferate. So it's just one of these situations where maybe we should hope for the best, prepare for the worst, because we society has shown that it can unfortunately degrade itself to a level and manifest a level of stupid that is sort of unconscionable like head up its and unimaginable. Level. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, head up its ass, like, and then out its mouth and back up its ass, sort of oh, thing. Geez. Like, it's how, how how does it do it? Now you know, you're going you, you to the human the centipede movie. Come on, man. <laughs> keep keep this show floating. All right. So there might be one or two of you out there. It's saying, floating on its own shit. Why it's don't okay. you invade in winter? Yeah, I just stepped around that. Why don't you invade in winter? And Brown I'd say snow. you need to learn the lessons of Napoleon, Hitler, and the Soviets in Afghanistan. Like those are three good examples of why you don't invade in winter, and uh, why Alex was right about the Russians waiting for the thaw to happen so they could do the uh, re- reclamation of the area around Ukraine that was in dispute for a long time. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, it's been going back and forth. And, then, for and a even long today, time. that's still an issue, right? Even today, like modern mm-hmm. warfare still oh, yeah. has to abide by the laws of nature and the climate until global and the ter- warming and the terrain. I mean, world boiling or whatever they call it now global boiling (laughs) yeah the earth has sweaty balls we have to help it give money to the globalists they'll fix it some of those like people that print the money out of nothing can't fix it with that money but if you work for that money and give your money back to them they can fix it then it totally makes sense man if you're in kindergarten we have a good solution I mean, that sounds like a circular. That's, that's a patinio principi. There's a good fallacy for The problem is the people who believe it, Tony, they can't fallacy. even look up principio. principio. That's because well, that's because their head is up their ass, out their mouth, and back up their ass. See? Yeah, yeah. It's hard to see the keyboard. That's, and, and, that's screen, a, and that's a circle. Time. That's yeah. that's multiple circuits. It's like a circular fallacy just you know, in the biological realm. So now we're going to get to uh, eyes. radians and theta next with Tony on advanced trigonometry. <laughs> Uh, and you know, biological take the triangles processes. and the circles and go someplace else, man. <laughs> what you talking about well, what you talking about? The circle. That's what they're trying to do to us. Triangles penetrating circles, you know. <laughs> All right, <laughs> that's what they're doing, everyone. Let's circle the square here and see if we can get to this next clip. Now, <clears throat> this clip is pretty priceless. Now, when I started 
Tragedy and Hope in 2009 with my wife. We had a magazine. You guys have heard about the magazine. One of the articles in there was about uh, GMOs. Another article was about Vandana Shiva's work. Another article was yeah. about the revolving door between Monsanto and the FDA with Tom Vilsack. That guy's still doing the revolving door thing all these years later, man. It's like a lot has not changed since back then. So when you see this Pfizer board member on the news shilling, so you get the next vaccine in your body so he can pay for his yachty, well, maybe you'll know better now. Because I'd like to think the audience of this show in particular is knowledgeable in advance of a lot of the events that roll out and that other people who wait downstream for the bigger audiences to tell them about it, they're already being adversely affected by decisions by the time they get that trickle down. So uh, I, gotta, life, I have a quick share question. the show we, with friends. What do you got before we go to the clip? What do you think? You asked me at the beginning of this commentary from the yeah. last clip, what do I think? And like, you know, I have a pessimistic attitude. What do you think is going to happen in regards to the possibility for lockdowns? I'm curious. I like, think they're going to try the same old, same old, and people will have adapted, evolved, and maybe lawyered up at this point to, mm -hmm. to have some things to make store owners and other people say, look, here's a lawyer's note that you're going to be personally responsible. I don't care who's telling you to take away my human rights. I can't get to them, but I can get to you with my lawyer. Thou shalt so. not, yeah. not deny someone else their human rights, or thou shalt be yeah. held accountable for that. I think that's one of the 11th commandment, maybe. That's the tablet he dropped in the Mel Brooks version. I present to you the 15, the 10, the 10 commandments. That's my Mel <laughs> That's Brooks great. impression. There you go. First time. That's great. We'll have to uh, make fun of him more often. I actually want to do well. If I could do <laughs> Mel Blank, he does all the cartoon characters. That'd be a good guy to do impressions of. But now we have AI. Well, I hey, hope, uh, I real you... quick, before, before we get to uh, the serious stuff about the revolving door and Pfizer, we do have an AI cartoon character here tonight to serenade us. Now, we're not going to play the whole song because you guys probably all heard it. And I had just gotten it out of my head when LD did the sound check before here and played it. So, uh, but you got to hear just enough to know like how good the AI is at what it does at this point. And uh, if LD, if you have that clip, again, just like 30 seconds of it, people will get the gist. And if they haven't, like you're so behind the times, even if you're watching this in the future. Like, this is like a thing now out there with Chris, the guy with the guitar. I've been selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours for bullshit pay, so I can sit out here and waste my life away, drag back home and drown my troubles away. It's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me. Just wake up and it not be true, but it is. Oh, it is. Living yeah, in the new. That guy sounds really sad about selling his propane. Not sure it's who he meat, is. Not the heat. He should have his own show, though, that guy. It's the meat, not the heat. <laughs> I'm a charcoal guy myself. <clears throat> Sorry, that's Hank right. Hill, but, that's right. Know. I'm a charcoal Gotta guy myself. Yeah. Do it the old school way. Yeah. Only two things come from Texas steers and people who like wood charcoal. That's what I heard somewhere along the line. <laughs> All right. Let's go to uh, Texas blood in me then. Let's go to get your vaccines. And that's got a dollar sign at the end, not a plural. It's just got dollar sign. 
Jab, jab. Get paid. It's a breakthrough. Let's see what hats do. I feel like you just made a song there. Jab, Don't jab, songify that. It's a, it's a breakthrough. <laughs> kind of like conflict of interest. Mr. Campbell talked about it too as well. We showed a picture of this guy over here. You know who this guy is here, right? Who? Mr. Scott Gottlieb. Dr. Corey friend of the show for sure. I love that the U.S. gets its COVID information and guidance from a Pfizer board members, giving uh, primetime spots on national television. I would recommend checking it uh, out the COVID-19 uh, critical at COVID-19 critical instead. FLCC doctors, all those other guys, all the guys you want to follow instead of this guy. Because you know why, Kurt? Why? Because Scott Gottlieb is not reliable? No, he's not. Just not the fact that he's just not reliable. It's the fact that he's going to make money off you getting as many jabs in his arms as possible. As he should he for a great a, product exactly. that helps us a lot. Yeah, it's business of America. He's got a financial incentive. So this is him. Listen to what he has to say, too. And listen to the buzzwords here, because there's so many tells he has that he gives away in this little interview. And you could just smell what's coming, God's baby. God's Gottlieb coming at you. For a look at some health concerns on the horizon as we approach the end of summer, including a rise in COVID cases and questions about are. updates to vaccines. We're joined now by former FDA Commissioner Dr. Scott Gottlieb. Mm. Former FDA Commissioner and now CEO of Pfizer. Wait, New conflict of interest. Did they, say that, did they say that, Pfizer? I, I no, no, he's, he didn't say You're it. saying it? I'm saying it. Oh, they, so they, okay. they didn't say it. Okay, about yeah. updates to vaccines. We're joined now by former FDA Commissioner Dr. Former. Scott Gottlieb. He also sits on the board of Pfizer, and it's great to have you here in person. Oh, thanks a lot. They say it out loud. Wow. I they, they tell you know. right there. That You know what that should be? Like, anybody in America, okay, honey, click. Because you can't listen to anything this guy says. People you sit can't on boards. believe anything this guy says. He has a financial incentive to sell oh, shots. That doesn't That's mean, why. That doesn't Even though the mean. shot is safe and effective, says the FDA. Why can't he, someone make money doing a good thing that helps people, Craig? Uh, you're right. Bill Gates, we love you. I want to start on some news we got Thursday. Uh, the CDC announced a highly mutated strain of COVID has just shown up in Michigan, BA 2.86. How concerned does the public need to be? Well, right now, I, I've talked to a number of virologists who are usually pretty staid, and they're pretty good. <laughs> Did you see him spot? I talked to a number of virologists, the virologists that will give me the information I want to give. Yeah, Spock, the Scott Peter Hotez is that will play ball. Yeah, like Scott, Scott Lieb. Uh, here's my questions, which I bet you will not be answered. Uh, okay, how contagious is it? How deadly is it? Yeah. If you get it, you know, like Omicron, they would say, oh, it, this is even more contagious. Yeah. That's the one that you're not, you, of the ones. No, I, I never heard anyone die. They would from tell Omicron. you it's more contagious, but they wouldn't tell you it wasn't as deadly. Because if I'm not going to die from it, I'm just going to get sick. Then I'd rather not. Much like how I've never gotten a flu shot because I'm not that old. Yes. And I, I don't see the point if it does. Okay, whatever. You know, it, it's you know the, this. It's the best my boy used to say back then. They want to rearrange society because of the case of the sniffles. <laughs> Well, concerned about this. Right now, it doesn't appear to be spreading widely. There is um, seven strains that have been identified and sequenced in five different countries. So the UK, Denmark, Israel, and now in the US. We don't know whether or not this has been spreading quietly and we just didn't detect it, or it's something that's spreading very quickly. The concern is that when you look at these different strains that have been identified, they're genetically very similar. So that suggests that it's probably spreading simultaneously in multiple countries. Whether or not this it is going to be more transmissible than what we've seen before. That's the key question. Certainly at this point, it doesn't appear more pathogenic. So it doesn't appear to be more dangerous. 
but it may oh. be more transmissible than the strains that are circulating now. And in that case, it could overtake them. It's too early to know. Um, the testing's underway. I think we're going to know a lot more in a week or two. But to, again, put this in perspective, this new variant is as genetically different from Omicron as Omicron was from the original strain that emerged in Wuhan. So this is a highly mutated variant. Yes, that's how viruses work. I, if you're saying it's not as deadly, he just said not as pathogenic. But so, it's more yeah. conta contagious. It he spreads more, sure. though. He said we're not sure yet. Okay. So it's not even more contagious. It's also not as deadly. Why are you bothering me? Because I have more product to sell. If it's quietly been saying. spreading that you guys didn't Public pick it up. Public health, Kurt. Wait, wait. If, you, if it's quietly spreading, as he said, they're not sure. Maybe it's just been spreading the whole time. We didn't know. Yes. Um. That mean okay, then who cares because it means it's not deadly. Then he goes, this is the thing to hang your hat on. But this one has been mutated up to seven times more mm -hmm. like a cold. That's why I was always told they can't cure the common cold. Because it mutates. That's probably mutated 80 yeah. billion times over the course of human history. Who cares? Because, Kurt, I don't think that you are, are really taking it in that we are at the raised eyebrow stage of this whole situation. <laughs> and that's oh, why yeah. we have to have these discussions. And Scott Gottlieb has to go he on does TV. Have a, we do have an eyebrow connection a little bit. I probably should have looked at him. But I, I was just listening to the thing he said. And it, yeah. it just seemed. And uh, maybe Scott Gottlieb is upset that Moderna got a 10-year fucking contract. Did you say McDerna? McDerna. <laughs> Moderna. I want Moderna got Moderna. a 10-year contract, so maybe he's looking to give a 10-year contract in Australia. So get on, uh, face the nation, and start pitching it out there right they away. They should change it. They should shorten it to just F the nation. F, <laughs> F the nation. And that set off some alarm bells at that time. So we will watch this. But for people at home who say, oh, my gosh, I've heard someone has COVID, the strain that's causing most infections is not this one. Right. So right now, the two strains that are circulating causing most of the infections is what's called EG5. People have probably heard about that. It's called the Eris strain. And this other strain, FL151. They both have a very similar mutation in them called the 456 mutation that allows them to pierce the immunity that we've acquired from prior infections and also from prior vaccinations. So people are getting infected with that. The good news is, is that where we are right now, relative to where we were last summer when BA5 was spreading, is a lot better. So there's far fewer infections. We have probably roughly about 600,000 infections a day happening based on the modeling work that's been done, looking at oh, wastewater data. And there's about 10,000 people that have been hospitalized in the last week. And to compare that to last year, last year at this point, we had 40,000 people hospitalized and we were running probably about 1.2 million infections a day. Well, for those strains... There is a booster shot that I know Pfizer right. has talked about coming to market soon. It's still not um, available. When what? do we? When it does become available, it'll be too fucking late. Can you rush it? Right. Hey, I will speed it up. Operation with this new one. Warp Speed, baby, part two. When it comes to market, Kurt, it's going to be too late. It's going to well, be playing whack a mole. It, you know, I'll get it anyway just to be caught up. Just be yeah. Just be careful. Expect it, and does it protect against these? Variants. Right. So the data looks like the new booster, which is based on BA 1.15, <laughs> which was the strain that emerged last spring, looks like it will protect against these new variants. Now, my guess is these new variants, this I infection guess. rate from this wave of infection from EG5 is going to be coming down by the time the new vaccine is available, which is going to be mid-September. So September 12th has been the date that they've talked about, but it's going to be some point in mid-September that these will be widely accessible in pharmacies and other health departments. And so people can go out and get it. There's studies underway right now, what's called neutralization studies, basically laboratory studies, to look at whether the new vaccine also covers this BA286 variant that you talked about at the top of the show. 
and we'll have that data by the time the new vaccines become available. So by the time these are out in September, consumers will know how well it covers that new variant. We'll also probably know whether or not it's spreading. And Moderna has one, and perhaps and Pfizer others. and Novavax as well. So, so everybody's yeah. got one. I, I mean, this is like the bat. This is like that was just a commercial pitch. There, that's all that and, was. And think of that. That's a, of course they always are. But think of how much of a commercial that that's not a good commercial. Like it's all a bunch of we don't know and it might and this and that. And this is your paid promo hour. You're saying this. You know, this is purely for the the Branch Covidian devotees. Yeah. And they'll probably, all the things he just said, now I'm just going off of what he said, or telling me I don't need to worry about it at all. Not even to sweat it right now. But I'll bet you a bunch of freaks are going to, who watch this, somehow they're going to take, like, I should be scared now? Yeah. Of course. And uh, for another conflict of interest, we have another guy from the medical board chief who wanted doctors delicensed for misinformation in bed with a PR firm tied to who? The CDC, Pfizer, and Moderna. So can a guy get laid? <laughs> yeah, the head of the National Medical Organization who publicly called for doctors to lose their licenses unless they supported government narratives on COVID-19 treatments <sighs> and vaccines concealed his relationship with a public relations firm whose client list also included Pfizer. Moderna and C and the CDC uh, as well. So he's connected to all these companies. Well, because connected, he, and, and yet he he wants these other doctors to be deplatformed, delicensed because they're not going along and playing ball. Well, Pazda, it's because he knew you were going to client shame him. Well, he deserves to be client shamed. His name is Dr. Richard Barron, president and CEO of the American Board of Internal Medicine. His nickname uh, is the Dick Barron. He is a client of Weber Shadwick. An investigative journalist, uh, uh, Paul D. Thacker, reported on Wednesday <laughs> in late 2021, Barron publicly pushed for doctors who spread misinformation. But by the way, you spread malinformation about COVID-19 and vaccines to lose their licenses and certifications. You mean cancel culture? <laughs> mal, mal, is it mal, uh, malinformation, right? What's That's that? not Malinformation is not disinformation or misinformation. It's just information that hurts the narrative. So it could be true. But it's malinformation. Right. It's, it's not good for our cause. Barron said uh, then that putting out flagrant misinformation is unethical and dangerous during a pandemic, saying that all these doctors that were talking about pet therapeutics, talking about their research, their science, all these doctors that had great ratings with their patients that are now quacks, they're putting out dangerous information and they should be delighted. They're putting out the info. Like, this is what I understand. I'm putting out the information that I literally just watched you say five seconds ago. Yeah. And then suddenly don't say the thing we just said. Yes. Say this new thing. Yes. That's the thing that blows my mind. It's not like we don't get the the news for this. We get it from like mainstream sources. They just keep changing it. And you're supposed to be a good citizen and not even watch them say it in the first place. Parent said that uh, said then, and I, we talked about putting out flagrant misinformation is unethical and dangerous during a pandemic. Uh, Weber, uh, the world's second largest PR firm, has branded its team as misinformation and disinformation experts and said it provides clients with services to help manage any perceived threats posed by spreaders of such information. And I just want to show really quickly, too, we talked about this before. They're all connected over here. The guy used to be with the FDA used to work on the left is the former FDA commissioner in charge of regulating Johnson and Johnson on the right is the current member of the board of directors of Johnson and Johnson. So he used to be in charge, Mark McClellan, 
McClellan, whatever his name is. McClellan? Yeah. McClellan. Say that name right? Yeah. Okay, so he used to be with the FDA now. He's current board member of Johnson & Johnson. Here's Scott Gottlieb on the left. The former FDA commissioner is now in charge of well, regulating I Pfizer. I trust them more if they come from a great background like the FDA. We also have Stephen Hahn on the left as the former FDA commissioner in charge of regulating Moderna. On the right is the chief medical officer of the flagship pioneer, the venture capital firm behind Moderna. So he once was there, now he's there. It's kind of like Lloyd Austin, right? You know, he used to be part of Raytheon or or one of the other ones, and now he's part of our, you know, mm. our military decisions. Uh, James C. Smith on the left is the CEO of Reuters in charge of informing people about the COVID-19 and vaccines. On the right is the current member of the board of director of well, they Pfizer. Got, they got, you know, I'd like it to be a little more diverse, but yeah. otherwise, other than that, great, great team. And here the Fouch, you know, NIH, and then all of a sudden, uh, He's at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, the Money Eco Health Alliance. It's all connected. This is the last clip of this section. Take a listen to this. Dr. McCullough talks about it real quick. Let's ask our next guest, cardiologist and internist, Dr. Peter McCullough. Doc, how about it? Do you think with all of the research, all of the studies now that the lockdowns hurt our kids mentally, that the mass did not stop squat? that the lockdown six feet mandate, all that stuff, when you compare Florida to California who opened up after eight months, we were locked down three years, they had more deaths. When you compare everything we now know compared to how they scared us to the ever living ends of the world back in what, March of 2020, do you think the majority of Americans are going to comply this time? I think Americans are gonna reject what's failed. We know that lockdown, social distancing, masks, they've all failed. Americans will do what works, and what works are nasal sprays and gargles. So the iodine, xylitol, colloidal silver-based nasal sprays, uh, scoperlistering, gargles started immediately uh, as as symptoms uh, develop, uh, are really effective. Every four hours, Dan, we need to do this over-the-counter nutraceuticals and supplements, zinc, vitamin D, vitamin C, curcumin, uh, famotidine, they're all fine to use. Uh, This is part of the McCullough protocol. Uh, We are having an upswing in cases, Dan, no doubt about it. Uh, The variants are the EG and FL variants. This is not XBB 1.5. So actually the new vaccines coming in have already missed the target. That's wonderful. Well, you know my opinion on the vaccine. There'll be none of that garbage going. I like that game they're playing where it's like FDA to Johnson and Johnson and Merck or, you know, company to over here. Cause it's like, when you see them doing a comparison like that, it makes one think like, Oh, that's how it works. Other places too. Like uh, the Mar-a-Lago warrant issuing judge used to work for the U S government prosecuting Epstein. And then he went to work for Epstein. He's one of those or James Comey for the FBI was prosecuting HSBC, one of the world's biggest drug money laundering and narco traffic laundering banks. And and then he goes to work on the board of HSBC as part of like keeping an eye on them. He's got to be on the board. And then they gave a hundred million dollars, HSBC, to the Clinton Foundation. So there's like this laundromat type thing going on board, out there. Yeah. The other thing oh, I yeah, th- a couple of weeks ago. Oh good. good. Sorry, good. I'm sorry. I was going to, I mean, uh, go ahead. Sorry. All right. So the other thing I was going to say is, uh, Gottlieb, he's talking about this September 12th launch for the new product. I thought that's interesting because, uh, 
who is Scott Gottlieb? How did he, how did he come up into this position? Right. He's like, uh, he, he's Pfizer board member, but he's also a doctor, like giving advice to Trump back in the COVID days and stuff. Like, so who, who is he? So I had to go over to, uh, up oh, spoiler alert. That's not what you're supposed to see. You're supposed to see this page. We got to go over here to the, uh, the browser, go back a couple pages, probably somewhere right here. All right. So this guy, Scott Gottlieb, right? So, yeah, 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 yeah. Early life and education. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Alex Brown and Sons. Oh, what's that? That's interesting. He is a physician and investor, and he worked at this banking company. So I said, who is Alex Brown? I know that name from He's someplace. Healthcare analyst. I mean, that's pretty dubious right there. Alex Brown and Sons was the first investment bank in the United States. Founded by Alexander Brown, 1800, down in Maryland. It was acquired by Bankers Trust in 1997 to form BT Alex Brown and then was integrated into Deutsche Bank. Right? <laughs> Hold on. Sense. Don't laugh yet. <laughs> oh okay. My God. Along the way, they do business with Brown Brothers, Brown Brothers Harriman. Right. This is all part of the company, Tony. Right. So we'll get into who they are in a second. But also, noted alumni. Alex Brown's chairman in 1998 was A.B. Buzzy Krongard, who was appointed executive director of the CIA in 2001. (laughs) Also in 2001, this bank was involved in early speculative trades on what later became the terrorist events, showing the investors had prior knowledge and traded on it instead of warning people. So that's Buzzy Krongard, and uh, there was another guy involved in that. So when you trace that back, who who made the exec, who made the trades, uh, the put options a week earlier before the event on American Airlines? On the airlines on and the Marsha air- McLennan, where the airline allegedly hit Flight Eleven, allegedly went in there. So that's interesting. And then I clicked open Brown Brothers because that's part of it too. Oh, this is the Skull and Bones family. That industrialized, you know, railroads and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, but the kids Harriman. of E.H. Harriman went and funded the Nazis and the communists, right? So this whole uh, Wall Street and FDR, Wall Street and the Bolshevik Revolution, Wall Street and the uh, Hitler, the whole Anthony Sutton trilogy, all these yeah. people were involved in that. And these people also were involved in the the what they wanted to hide what Kennedy probably was going to show people and why they would have killed Kennedy and put a good man like Alan Dulles who was fired by Kennedy and uh, make sure that he oversees operations. It's almost like there's a self-sorting self-sorting function, like the probiotic function, but for in the corporate world, it's like, Oh, people who have like morals and ethics, <laughs> they get what your treatment, the treatment that you, Oh, I'm through. sorry. I was showing and I was, Dr. Scott I was, Gottlieb. Got to tell me if the history blueprint's not on the screen. My point was that Gottlieb is working for a bank that helped, like the bank helped to fund the Nazis and the communists, and that bank did insider trading on 9-11, right? Those aren't accidental things. So the fact that Gottlieb did some time there and now holds this prestigious position on Pfizer Board of Directors where he goes on and he's the ad pitch man with the uncertainty which if you didn't have it like a uh, insulated, like people have to buy this product, he'd be, they'd have a better salesperson up there, but they're like, look, people are going to take it anyway. 
put Kotlieb up there. So his connection to and September, th- the fact that he brings up September 12th, it's almost yeah, like it's the launch dates. Homage, like, dude. Yeah, exactly. yeah, it's the new world the on September 12th. So I'm just saying he works for the people who have done those things in the past. Or has worked for those people. Like he climbed to power, With- not on the anti-Nazi train, right? The people who are like, "Hey, we're going to expose the Rockefellers and the Harrimans and all these people as funding the Nazis." Like those people, they don't seem to rise to power so much. It's a self-sorting function. That's the reason why you're not in the corporate world anymore. Either. Well, maybe so it's the pro-biotic function. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's people with more on ethics, they don't get promoted in those situations. You got to take the most ruthless of but them, and they promote. If you learn to speak slow, with a certain cadence, then people. <laughs> will listen to what you have to say. And they will say, wow, he is a great speaker because he looks over here and he reads the words and he looks over here and he can read the words. These fools out there. Stuff uh, That's, you know, the language or the science of language, linguistics, and also sort of speech. There's whole like speech coaches and people conduct, you know, psychologists behind, quite literally, because I remember studying this in college during my speech course where they're talking about various focus groups where they talk about should we call global warming should we call climate change how do you look at the audience when do you pause how do you like use certain accents i mean these are all things you study in classical rhetoric too but i mean they've they tailored it to science in order to create emotional um that's why hillary clinton spoke with a southern accent yeah right yes quite yes that's absurd but absolutely true 100 percent that comes from like data analytics and like how you can manipulate people on a sub- subtle subconscious level. Now, why would they have to uh, manipulate people on a subconscious level? Oh, because uh, like, hashtag you don't have to do to that if you're just being real with people. That's what I'm saying. Right. Exactly. Hashtag you so only do that about- when being real with people doesn't get you what you want and you want to take other way other people's freedom away. That's a longer hashtag, of course, but seems like it's a lot there. of energy to do that. Seems like it'd be a lot of work and energy to have to go through such absurdity. The same. Um, yeah. Two two takeaways. The one point one five, like the vaccine associated with the variant one point one five, which is more closely related to the alpha strain. The fact that this is so many mutations away from even Omicron at this stage, but it's not. It's just more infectious. Maybe they can't even guarantee that, and um, it has no indication that's more deadly in any case. Just they're making up stuff at this point, and it just reminds me a little bit of Geert Vandenbosch, who was actually on the show on Del Big Tree show last week as a major section with, I think, Peter McCullough, uh, where they detail sort of like what happened over the course of this vaccine rollout, because he's the one who made the the the, the ominous sort of uh, argument that unfortunately the vaccines are going to put selective pressure to create variants that are become more and more and more virulent at the very least. Um and so it seems like that may or may not be a case, or they could just be making the whole thing up, which wouldn't surprise me. Alex Jones made a good point. How do we know it's not just from the vaccines, heart attacks, you know, all sorts of different conditions that are emerging? They're just going to lump all these conditions together, not look at etiology and just say it's all part of the this whole new BA2 or BA.2.86 variant or variants of that strain. So this is all just first off, like there's a bunch of problems with the whole thing. They've cranked out something to inject into people. They're just waiting to slap a label on it to figure out like what the, what to say it treats. There's a problem with that. All these new variants, they weren't what they put in the bottle of those vaccines. Those new variants just came out. Vaccines were put in the bottle. It was planning production line, a whole bunch of bureaucracy has to go on. Takes It's not, it's not the quantum leap. What do they call it? Operation warp speed. It was different. 
or a sci-fi show. That's Star Trek reference. Warp speed. It takes time. And they usually in the past, this year's flu vaccine would have addressed last year's flu. It wasn't effective against this year's flu anyway. And there's a high prevalence among people who take a flu vaccine and those who get the flu. Yeah. So I don't know what that's all about. Um, and then simultaneous emergences or eruptions of these all over the world, various places. The fact that Gottlieb can't tell you if it's fast spreading or slow spreading. Like, what are you doing on TV? What are you doing handing out a vaccine for that shit? You don't know anything about it yet, it seems like. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know. But he's all into healthcare analytics and uh, investment banking. In fact, his special right. niche in investment banking is healthcare yeah. analytics. Then he went to school yes. for, to become a doctor or virologist right. or whatever, or epidemiologist. Right. After he was already right. an investor. That's what was on the, the page. Yeah, he's, like, he's, it's just, he's playing some angles. Of Somebody gave him a tip <laughs> like, hey, dude, with an education like what you have, if you went here and here, you could do X, Y, Z. And he's working with a bunch of skull and bones, Nazi funding people, which is ironic. Because I believe he's Jewish, so it's ironic to work with yeah, the people is, and yeah. the investment bank that helped to fund the Nazis and cover up the Nazis and you know er, insider trading on 9-11. And that's not my claim. We just now. read the Wikipedia page. We learned that together tonight. I didn't know that. Like the Buzzy Krongard was. I mean, that's. Well, I knew about AB Buzzy Krongard and Mayo Shattuck. Well, I mean, with third. the with that um, investment bank, so, you know. Yeah. Anyways, but the insider trading, that's a like lot that's a of real... overlaps. So no, they were just real. they it's just it's just a coincidence tony that the former executive director of the cia who works at an investment bank happened to be involved with uh you know the the trading on the early knowledge of the guys with the <laughs> box cutters what? who used to work what at military this? bases in the united states yeah. Mohammed Atta's venice flying circus act we should uh consider playing since we're on this topic right now, either the Paul Joseph Watson, which is a shorter clip, it's like eight minutes long, that sort of details fully what's going on, or the the Jeffrey Jackson, which is a much longer clip about. All right, so we're gonna play. We're gonna play the clip I just sent to LD, and then we're gonna play Paul Joseph Watson. We'll put those two together like a sandwich. Now, Watson's gonna have a British accent. Don't let this video that we're about to show you have an adverse influence on it. The purpose of this video is, well, it's a couplefold. It's going to close a lot of loops we opened earlier in today's episode. It's going to educate you on another oil cartel called the Anglo-Persian oil cartel run by uh, a good ally of ours who speaks the same language uh, and what they are willing to do before the Americans even got into the great game. Because back then, the British Empire, the most powerful empire on the planet, was playing against their cousins in Russia. And they'll leave the guy out with the short arm, the inbred guy that's their cousin from Germany till World War One. But this starts before World War One. So it's Britain playing with Russia. These kids are playing with the world. These are all grandchildren of Queen Victoria. They're playing with the world. They're setting things up. And then you could start to piece in. Oh, America comes into the picture. There's already a whole, like, there's already been a movie that's been playing. So when America comes in in Act 3, it's not like, we were the originators of the movie. You see? All right. So let's go to this clip. It'll start to unfold. You start to realize, uh, you know, August 19, 1953, Operation Ajax. Wait and see. Let's check it out. 
The year is 1906. Perhaps bored of the last century without a major war in Europe, Britain and Russia are playing a never-ending game of diplomacy to pass the time. The Great Game for control over Central and Southwest Asia. I say, Nikki, you seem a bit short-staffed today. Still tied up in Japan, are you? Uh, yes. Just a temporary diversion. I want a constitution. Nikki! What? You muppet, look what you've done! You've shown weakness, now the Iranians think they're in charge. Well, that's no fun. This is our game. What do the Iranians want with Iran? A constitution is what the Iranians wanted with Iran, and a constitution they would have, as well as a parliament. Gentlemen, I congratulate you all. With a great victory for liberty, we have brought democracy and the rule of law to Iran. I believe this is the beginning of a new era of freedom in the Middle East. Ah! Hands up! This man is your king now! All your oil is belonged to Britain! In a gallant display of heroism, the British and the Russians returned law and order and authoritarian monarchy back to Iran. Parliament wasn't gone, though. They managed to muscle out the king, or Shah, as he's properly called, and install a new one. That guy was sort of a nothing burger of a ruler, and the government pretty much stopped existing for 10 or 15 years. Trouble is, a British company had paid the Shah for rights to pretty much all of the country's oil before it was actually discovered, and if there's no central government, who's going to protect all that oil? I mean, for heaven's sake, Russia could just as well come in and annex the country. So the British helped stage another interview. Everybody on the floor! Get on the floor! New Shah's in charge! Don't forget about the oil, old chum! Actually, I wanted to talk to you about the oil company. Uh-huh. Well, given the concession was by a non-democratic government under duress, we're not entirely satisfied with our current arrangement. So, the oil won't flow. The oil must flow, Reza. If the deal were made today, we'd have asked for 50-50 at least. The oil must flow. So, you'll settle for giving us 21% instead of 16? For now. For now? What could possibly change? In 1941, Germany invaded Russia and was about to learn just what happens when you poke a sleeping bear with a stick. World War II was the largest and deadliest war ever fought, and Iran was a happy neutral country. So happy not to be war-torn. Look at them, aren't they sweet? Well, if we don't scoop it up, Hitler might take it. No, we can't have that. They didn't even declare war. I mean, for goodness sake, even the Kaiser had the decency to give Belgium a little heads up. We come in peace. We are only here to depose your leader. Meet the new Shah, Mohammad Reza Pahlavi. He was, as you might imagine, not a very assertive leader. Instead, as the Iranians brushed off the dust of their latest generational regime change, out pops a politician named Mohammad Mozadek. He'd been a member of parliament since the 20s, but now he was campaigning for prime minister with plans to make Iran a lot of money. Prime Minister Mossadegh, it's a pleasure to meet you. Businessman McMoneyface, the pleasure is all mine. Your waiting room is very... much. Yes, very much. And never enough, eh? This company is very dear to us British. We even nationalized it. It was such an important stream of revenue. Yes, the company sure seems to bring in a lot of money. Iran doesn't seem to be getting very much, though. I was hoping I could have a look at the bookkeeping. <laughs> <laughs> 
Nationalized the oil industry, you say? Mossadegh vows to nationalize the Anglo-Iranian oil company and wins the premiership in a landslide. And nationalize he does with a nearly unanimous vote. The company is placed under control of the Iranian government in 1951. The British see this as a violation of a perfectly legitimate business agreement, not to mention a threat to their national interest, and so they meet with the Shah. When Mohammad Reza Shah took power in the 40s, his first priority was not letting the Soviet occupation of Iran turn into a Korea situation, and his second priority was living the good life. But he'd started to dip his toes into governance, and now he was invested. Mossadegh was a democratic leader who believed the Shah should be more of a figurehead, and the Shah didn't like that. Naturally, he and Churchill turned out to be perfect allies for taking Mossadegh down. Luckily, we've got just the thing for that. Now your parliament, can they be bribed? It turns out the operation was going to be more complicated than paying parliament to vote out the most popular politician since its founding. Oh, we leave you alone for one decade! Britain places an embargo on Iran, stopping any oil ships from leaving the country. But in the crisis, Mossadegh only becomes more popular. In fact, at one point he resigns and is swept back into office by a stupendous wave of popular demand and is given temporary dictatorial powers. Britain has to change tack. The key to bringing down Mossadegh is to subvert his popularity. Here I need to introduce a couple of key players. Power in Iran was contested by four parties. Besides Mossadegh and the Shah, there was the Communist Party and the Islamists, led by Ayatollah Kashani, a predecessor of sorts to Iran's eventual supreme leader. Kashani supported Mossadegh, and not always peacefully. But the two men didn't really have much in common. The Ayatollah was grateful to rid Iran of foreign influence, but Mossadegh was a secularist who believed in the separation of church and state. When it became clear to the Ayatollah that the man who didn't support Sharia law was not, in fact, going to implement Sharia law, the Ayatollah started supporting Mossadegh less, and the communists began supporting Mossadegh more, hoping that maybe the man who didn't support communism would implement communism. We shall have our agents begin to distribute propaganda. From this moment forth, Mossadegh is a communist who hates Islam. We'll set aside a fund to hire some locals with nothing better to do and get them to attack Mossadegh's opponents. Uh, I don't understand. Why would we want to criticize his opponents? Not with words, with weapons. Some young delinquent will physically assault a priest in the name of Mossadegh. It looks bad for him. No one will like him anymore. Capiche? Christ, this was so much simpler when we had an empire. Mossadegh eventually lost support in parliament, but he was perhaps, um, more committed to Iran's economic independence than Britain had realized. He passed a referendum to dissolve parliament and give himself the power to make law. The ballot wasn't secret, so everyone could see who you were voting for, and some violence in the streets meant that the referendum passed with a 99.9% approval rating. Hooray! If Britain wanted to oust him now, they needed to bring in the big guns. I'm sorry, the Iranians selling their own oil is your problem. But you see, Mr. President, Mossadegh is friends with these... Communists. Winston, I'm busy. Oh, that's my shift. Pleasure working with you, Mr. Prime Minister. All right. So he might not be best friends with the commies, but... Commies? Commies? Yes! Commies! 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 That's it! Go get him, boy! All the pieces were in place. The Shah sends a messenger to Mossadegh's home with a warrant for his arrest. 
Mossadegh arrests the messenger, and the Shah has to flee the country. You know, sir, our reports show the communists aren't really commies! Commies, 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 commies! Lucky for Churchill, the Shah wasn't the only one in Iran willing to help overthrow Mossadegh. One of the Shah's generals was working with MI6 and the CIA, and when the coup went south, he decided to stay the course. He uses some of that CIA money to pay off enough people to launch a fake communist uprising, just big enough to convince the actual communists that the revolution had finally come. Commies? 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 The general then staged the counter-revolution, too. He paid off a bunch of gangsters to start fighting back the communists in the name of the Shah and blaming Mossadegh for allowing the commies to get too much power. Regular Iranians join the fight, the mob storms into government offices, and Mossadegh has no choice but to flee the country. The Shah was in exile in Rome when he heard the news. They love me! They really love me! The Shah returned to Tehran and happily declared to the masses, Today is a great victory for the Iranian people! No longer will this country be subject to tyranny, and no longer will Iran be forced to rely on the scraps of a British monopoly. I, Mohammad Reza Shah, have struck a deal with the British. The Anglo-Iranian Oil Company is no more! Welcome to your new management! Surely they wouldn't try it again, would they? Would they? COVID is making a comeback this summer. Cases are once again on the rise. Across the country, COVID hospitalizations jumped more than 14%. Quick, hospitals are filling up. Report for duty. The CDC announced a highly mutated strain of COVID has just shown up in Michigan. COVID never went away. COVID never went away. COVID never went away. Yes, it's back. But don't worry, just by coincidence, it's decided to make a comeback right before the rollout of new boosters. The new COVID booster is expected to be approved by the FDA. Updated COVID vaccines are nearly ready as alarm grows over new variants rapid spread. A new shot will be rolled out in the third or fourth week of September. Wow, what great timing. And just in time, too, to reverse Pfizer's near 30% year-on-year stock price plunge. Even worse figures for Moderna. I'm gonna pump those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers in this racket. Pfizer-Moderna shares under pressure as COVID-19 vaccine sales fade. Get your shots, COVID, flu, and RSV all by Halloween. $183 billion COVID boom is turning to bust for Pfizer and Moderna. Moderna did say that we anticipate greater seasonality for sales. With greater demand in the fall winter season in each hemisphere as countries seek to provide booster vaccinations to their populations. Get your shots. Quick, who's got the new scarion? How concerned does the public need to be? Well, right now, I, I've talked to a number of virologists who are usually pretty staid, and they're pretty concerned about this. And who wouldn't trust him? He's on the board of Pfizer, after all. There is a booster shot that I know Pfizer has talked about coming to market soon. Roll up, roll up. Get prepared.
federal government has already begun buying COVID-19 equipment and hiring consultants to enforce pandemic-era safety protocols. Some of these contracts are scheduled to begin in September and October. Can someone please tell them to stop proving Alex Jones right? A high-level manager in the TSA because of the new variant by December, a return to the full COVID protocol of 2020-2021. Get prepared. We're living through some very bizarre times across the board. And in case you've tuned out to latest developments in US economic news, let me be brutally frank. Interest rates continue to climb. Inflation is getting crazy. The American financial system is in a complete and total meltdown. They're saying recession and experts are saying we'll know from watching in four port the tip its way to digital current of gold and silver and it's completely report they're waiting for your call panel we'll get your filling out any fourth please do it today now back to the video cnn says it may be time to break out the face masks again to defeat new variant experts recommend doing all the things that didn't work the first time oh well at least ugly people can rejoice researchers at korea's seoul national university found that people with high self-perceived attractiveness are less willing to wear a mask and vice versa earlier studies found that unattractive people are indeed considered more attractive when wearing masks really makes you think oh but don't worry it's just a precautionary measure for the next 14 days just like it was 50 15 days to stop the spread. Three and a half years ago when it all started. Fool me, we can't get fooled again. The number of recorded COVID cases at the college reimposing mask mandates. And it's a big fat zero. Deaths and hospitalizations are dramatically down from last year. There are more people hospitalized for falling down than are hospitalized for COVID right now. 6,000 more people are in the hospital because they tripped and fell than got COVID. Hollywood's doing its best to ramp up the fear mongering. And a major Hollywood movie studio in California, Lionsgate, is making their employees wear N95s. In Los Angeles, you have a better chance of catching a bullet than a deadly strain of COVID. But top virologist Dr. Chris Smith from Cambridge University says both new COVID strains, Eris and Pirola, are nothing to worry about because there's no evidence that it's linked to any increase in disease severity or enhanced spread. Chris, don't say that. We got vaccines to flog. Get your shot. But despite the new strains being damp squibs, have you noticed there's this bizarre crossover happening where both the die-hard COVID conspiracy theorists who thought everything about it was a conspiracy and the die-hard quadrupled vax don't go out Outside, wear a mask in the shower freaks are both desperate for the restrictions to return because their whole identity is rooted in the fear and paranoia of it all. If you were to push me on a prediction of whether it was all coming back, I'd say almost certainly not. But then again, there is an American presidential election coming up next year and you know how much they love those mail-in ballots. He really needs all the help he can get. This man single-handedly made COVID return just because he's running for president. If President Trump wasn't running for another term, would COVID be back? <laughs> COVID never went away. Get your shot. COVID never went away. Get your shot. COVID never went away. Get your shot.
it's not like Groundhog Day. Okay, maybe it is. Mark Twain said, history doesn't repeat, but it sure does rhyme. I would agree with him. They got different flavors of comedy going on. Did you notice the parallels between Mossadegh and Trump? It's like <laughs> Mossadegh was the Trump back in the day against the establishment. They're like, get him out, get him out. <clears throat> they didn't have some way to like get him indicted four times on, you know, frivolous evidence back then. So they just had to like whack him, right? Just get yeah, these guys out. I mean, Operation Ajax. Yeah. The great game. The new popular. great game. Yeah, so that shows from a variety of angles. The card, like, if you want to understand what's going on in this country, politics-wise, just look at what these people have done in other countries in the past hundred years. Same playbook. They're now not they're reinventing the wheel. They still use Gene Sharp's How to Start a Revolution type playbook in all these various yeah. countries. Rolls Soros. For radicals, right? Soros, yeah. yeah, and Saul Alinsky. And Saul so Linsky, the, yeah. these plans, these chickens are now, these they're coming home to roost. They did it to all these other countries. Like you, you got a group of people that are above the law that print, like they work for the people that print money out of nothing. Right. And they're above the government. It takes a lot of money to do something. Right. And the people that print the money out of nothing, they don't have the time and they don't want to like, they don't want to get their hands dirty. So they give money to people to do stuff that they normally wouldn't do otherwise for all this uh, political activity that we have described here to four. And we'll describe for the rest of this episode as well. So there's, there's a lot to it, but I don't see uh, I don't see Trump exactly like most of the deck, but he's definitely like somebody they didn't want there. Somebody who was smart it's enough to get into power, and they're like, "Oh, this guy is really inconvenient for us right now." Yeah, yeah. he's I pressing mean, on the brakes in that case. Yeah. It's not quite this. It's not a perfect repetition, but it certainly is very much a correlation, a good analogy, if you will, to events of the past. And obviously, the modern iteration of this comes from the British State Department of the nineteenth century. When it comes to the young revolutions that took place throughout the the late nineteenth century, that's all British State Department. So, like, let us not forget um, Palmerston Zoo. Us, we right, uh, I mean, forget I, the history I, of where this comes from. And this, these right revolutionary tendencies of manipulating gullible individuals into believing things that aren't true. Yeah, and getting them to do regime change, basically. And that was before they had media megaphones in front of everybody's eyes, twenty four seven, with repetitive like, "We're going to have piece good of point. intermission that's going to show you about the propaganda and the media, very good, and point. how that works." Yeah. You could not have America buy into World War One or World War Two without precision interchangeable parts. They had to have that. They needed a, a production line, like uh, assembly line. They needed to have that. But they also needed the media to be on board and convince and use propaganda like Bernays and Lippmann style convincing of the public. The attitudes of people are con controlled by an invisible government. It's invisible because they don't want you to see it, but they're not like they don't have superpowers. They're not really invisible. They're real people doing real things. And they should be, you know, I, I don't have an aversion to them. I just think their role in history should be better known. Is that the way you stay, stay alive for a while? It worked for Quigley that, for at least uh, 15 years. That was Quigley that. for a little bit. All right. Uh, yeah, for a little bit. By surreptitious means is the way they conduct their strategy. And what's uh, disturbing is uh, this is the big point of the Anglo-American establishment by Kara Quigley. All right. Is that how the order controls uh, media or something like that? Well, um, how the order like is skull and bones seven. controls education. That's how the order is. Yeah, Anthony yeah. Sutton. That's right. I'm chapter. getting that sort of confabulation. But, but you're talking how about they control like media. this. I got to zoom out. It's all zoomed in from what I was yeah. doing the other day. Go to like the index or not not the index. I'm sorry. Go to the table of contents. Then. L table like, it's, uh, of contents here coming up. Coming right at you. 
the Anglo-American establishment. Right there, see? Checking out the artifact. This has a little stamp down there. Rose to Cliveden. If you know who the if, what those names mean, this is a 1981. This is the first right edition. there. Yeah, the time I mean, you're talking about, like the, the Cecil Block, the Secret Society of Cecil yeah. Rhodes, the owners, Milner's the Times, Chapter Six, like right. the idea the round that they need table. to control the most important and the Round Table, the creation yeah, have, of the Commonwealth. There are the Royal Institute of Master. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Yeah, and the Rockefeller the Times funded, has to do with their control of media, not in its entirety, but they helped to fund it, right? And then foreign yeah. policy, that's Thorsten Veblen's uh, Journal of Race Relations that we talked about yeah. earlier. Right? They say it started... In chapter... Well, maybe they're just talking foreign policy of that group instead of foreign policy, the magazine of the CFR, which is part but of their the group. It could be confusing. That chapter stuff. six, the Times has to do with like the important... They're understanding the importance of making sure they control the various media throughout the, the nation states. So that's uh, it's an interesting chapter because it goes into their... Uh, activity in regards to making sure they at least sit on the boards or have control of some of the editors of some of the biggest publishing houses around these the various commonwealths well many people in the round table like uh lord northcliffe right th these are these are press magnates in the first place so like they're yeah, out correct. there they're out there doing the will of the money power good point right so like if you go top down you got the money power. And I don't mean to make a pyramid out of this, but that's kind of how it is. It's like a pyramid Ponzi scheme. They print the money out of nothing up here. And then like the first groups of people that take it are like the military, the intelligence and the media and all their little R and D tech projects. They all get money right away and governments. And then they have governments hand out the money and, and you know, they do that through going into debt and the debt can never be paid off. And that's what I mean. It's kind of like a Ponzi scheme where the next generation in pays for the last generation's debt. Quite it's an interesting it parallel yeah and that it's being orchestrated and it's an international thing and david rockefeller says he's part of the international thing and uh barry goldwater in his memoirs in chapters 32 and 33 like he tells you all about how the actual and factual things go on and it's like the adult version right and the adult version is not for everybody a lot of people need their cnn and msnbc you know opiate of the masses you're getting it right there Karl Marx's oh, wet yeah. dream, 24-7, repetitive, inaccurate stuff that's just going to fill your head and fill you with anxiety. But if you take the time to understand these things, and, oh, there's a group of people, they're doing these things, here's the evidence of it, here's where they were, here's where they are, you can tell where they're going. You can tell what their next move's going to be. And you can try to not be in their way when they make those moves, and then you can provide some strategic resistance, maybe some civil disobedience. We're going to learn about that during tonight's intermission, too. Because we have to get mentally prepared for what they're trying to do. And if you're not mentally prepared, you're not going to be physically prepared to you know, draw a line in the sand and, and say, no, I'm going to figure out another way to get my X, Y, Z. If you got to, if you prescribe a mask for the, there we go. Just making sure we get that rhyming going on. It seems to be popular today, making things rhyme. You know, got to get the entertainment in there. Maybe, maybe this should be like an entertainment and comedy show, Tony. If we make things rhyme all the time. The way to stimulate the memory is it going to become like a, a truth version of Sesame Street? But for maybe Alex, I'm just trying to I'm trying to rhyme because I'm keeping up with prime time, Alex Stein. Oh no! Okay. See, it was, we need to go know, to the next clip quick. I'm just saying if that's what the kids are doing these days <laughs> to be popular. I mean, I think they're doing the whole NPC trend. I don't know. That's. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, something of a glitch. Hey, what's the what's the trend where uh, somebody's talking and they have the smoke alarm beep go off behind them and they add it to clips? And I've noticed it, and I kind of get like the peripheral what it means, but I'm not sure the origins on that. It hasn't hit you yet. Okay, you'll see it. There'll be uh, some clips. Maybe we'll get to one tonight. And it's you know it's like somebody chirping, like they need their battery changed. I don't know. Maybe it's uh. Anyway, we'll get to that. Uh, LD, uh, do you Jackson have the Jackson report. report clip? It's uh. Did I not spell it right? The Jackson. I thought maybe yeah, there, it is. It is new right, variants cool, cool. trigger calls or returns to lockdowns. Just type in Jackson and the control F and you'll find it there. It's a long one. So you'll just, we'll just virtually just say when you're, yeah, we'll come in and pull it and then we'll get yeah. set up for intermission. And uh, that's going to be pretty educational too. So let's go to Jeffrey Jackson of the Jackson report. This is airing on the high wire Thursdays, 2 PM Eastern. They do a bang up job. A lot of great research goes on over there. Let's uh, draw some water from that well and be well. Last Thursday, we had a huge show, right? We ended up doing a a really deep, beautiful uh, dive and expose on the uh, fires in Maui. Uh, And then we knew that we had Dr. Peter McCullough coming up and Geert Van den Bosch at the same time. So that was obviously going to be long. And right in the middle of the show, we made this decision, my God, this show could end up being four hours. Why don't we cut a piece of the Jackson Report out? So live, we told you we're just going to lose one of the stories we were telling. Friday morning, you called me. And you like this almost never happens. You said, Dell, I think we might have made a mistake. I think we cut the wrong, you know, uh, piece of my reporting. The more I'm looking at this new variant, and that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about the new COVID variant. Uh, you said, the more I look at this, the more the writing appears on the wall to me. I think we're going back in. I think they're going to lock us down again. And I said, wow, really? Well, let's definitely cover that. Uh, this week. And, you know, I thought when we cut that, well, Geert's going to mention it, and we did, and Peter McCall did this new variant. Uh, but that was chilling, the fact that you said, I think we're going to go into lockdowns again. And literally, I think it was like three or four hours later, across my feed came this. I got a call yesterday. An individual was in town, a high-level manager in the TSA. They said, you got to warn people. Tuesday, we got called in, the managers, and told that by the middle of September, you will all have to wear masks again, and so will airport employees. Then, by the middle of October, they are going to say that everyone flying has to wear a mask. Because of the new variant in Canada, and because of the WHO, they may you know declare this, but regardless, they were told... We expect by December a return to the full COVID protocol of 2020-2021. Then I left, called the first federal connection that I was thinking of, told them what I've been told. And they said, what day was that? I said, Tuesday. They said, yep, we were told yesterday, expect COVID protocols to begin rolling out middle of September. And the whole shooting match the children in the mask and the, the attempt to push a new shot for the new variant. And we're right back in the same hellhole we were in just a few years ago. 
obviously pretty scary thoughts and, and an idea coming from Alex Jones. And I want to be clear because I know Alex Jones is triggering for a lot of people, including people in our audience. I'm not playing this to say Alex Jones is always right or that we follow him in the news. Uh, but he, we did a brilliant interview. I had one of my favorite interviews really of all times with Alex Jones, a super interesting, unique human on this planet. And he's, he'd be the first one to say, and he did in the interview, look, I run things as soon as I get the story. Sometimes the stories prove to be true. Sometimes they don't, but I'm out there just planting red flags and letting people know what I'm hearing uh, with his ear to the ground. The reason I bring it up, though, it was, it was four hours after you had just said the same thing to me, and that's what was shocking to me. And so what I'd like to do is understand exactly what you were looking at uh, last Friday morning uh, that really made you think that we could potentially be going back into lockdowns. Yes, thanks, Dell. So I, I saw a lot of data points culminating to one single piece here. And let's take the 10,000 foot view here. Let's go okay. to the legislation. Let's go to like the prime movers of policy. So we have HR 307. This is uh, what is titled, technical titles, Pandemic and All Hazards Preparedness and Reauthorization Act of 2013. So like it says, 2013, it's been going for a decade. And it's up for reauthorization at the end of this fiscal year. And this is at the end of September. And you're going to see a, an ongoing theme in my report here, the end of September, the end of September. And so that's up for reauthorization. What did that do? Among other things, it created a couple of, of offices. One was the HHS office of the Administration for, Strate for Strategic Preparedness and Response. This is an operating agency within the HHS, Health and Human Services. This dealt with the pandemic response, good and bad, um, and all aspects of it. And then also it created BARDA. BARDA is the Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Authority. BARDA invests in medical countermeasures. It gave Moderna over $1.7 billion for boosters. Wow. It gave Pfizer over $4 billion for deployment of their vaccine. It gave AstraZeneca $1.6 billion to finish their clinical trials early on. Essentially, it seeded, uh, it, it was a, a prime mover to seed the global mRNA vaccine technology platform. So no small thing, this is up. Now, if this does not get reauthorized, those agencies are gone. They're mm -hmm. absolutely gone. They are no more uh, legislatively. So that is in the mix. And before we saw these headlines, this, you know, th there would have to be an argument made. Do we really want to have this top heavy agent, these top heavy agencies when we're at, at the pandemic is over? Right. But then we go further. Just last month, literally a month ago, the White House launched a permanent pandemic office in the executive branch of the presidency run by a, a former major general. So they have a permanent pandemic office now, not someone with not something they have to stack with people last minute when this pandemic kicks off. They're ready to go. They have a push button pandemic office ready to go. And that's not all. We have the U.N. with the pandemic treaty. This is in zero draft form. This is the headline looking at this pandemic treaty zero draft wins NGO approval. Compliance will be key. Many, many countries are signing on to this, including the United States. It's in draft form at the end of mid to end of September. This is going to be finalized and this is going to deal with a coordinated response, basically a one narrative response across the world for the pandemic, for misinformation, for vaccine rollout. Again, this is all in the mix for the end of September. And now I started to look over into the UK because this is when I started to see the beginning of it. And remember in 2021, we saw a headline here. 
uh, it was masks were beginning to come off. The, the, the mandates were winding down. We saw this headline, face masks should continue forever, says SAGE scientists. The SAGE is the UK strategic advisory group for emergencies. This is a British government body. And who was a SAGE member? Neil Ferguson was a SAGE member. Remember, he said 2.2 million people were going to die. He was an epidemiologist. That was his prediction. That was handed off to Deborah Burks in the U.S., and she ran basically the COVID lockdowns. And remember, Deborah Burks, she ran the NSC National Security Council. She was the most powerful person in the coronavirus task force, essentially, with her power. And she is a, a army colonel. So... This is this is the, the I mean, when I look at that image, I think, can you imagine if she had been standing behind, you know, Donald Trump wearing that instead of the scarves we saw? Because this is the truth. This is the truth of who this person was. If we found out that she'd been hired by the NSC and put in place to run our lockdowns and lock us in the buildings, I think a lot more people would have said, wait a minute, is this a military operation? Boy, she really threw us off with with the scarves, you know, right. And so that was, you know, could be looked at as a handoff from Sage Neil Ferguson to the U.S. So Sage's government body and what emerged is something called an independent Sage. So a lot of people are saying we need an independent version of this because the government body obviously has biases and, and conflicts of interest. So we have an independent Sage. But we had journalists during the pandemic do some research. And this is what they wrote about the independent Sage. They say the journalist-run intelligence-linked operation that warped British pandemic policy. It says in this article, presented as an independent voice for unbiased scientific advice, iSage provided a channel for media spinsters, spies, and psyop specialists to influence Britain's pandemic policy without accountability. Leaked internal emails show members fretting over its unethical methods. And speaking about unethical methods, just hold that iSage there for a minute, independent Sage. Speaking of unethical methods, we had... In, in the UK, a nudge unit, these are psychiatrists, psychologists, people that understand human behavior. They were using straight up fear to get compliance to these restrictions, the masking, the lockdowns. And the head of this nudge unit, after the pandemic was over, he went, he started doing a, a media tour. And these are the headlines that came out of that just recently. Britain drilled to accept lockdown in future pandemics, says Nudge Unit Chief. He's basically saying we we gave them the drill, you know, essentially like Pavlov's dog. We taught them how to drool and they're ready to drool at the drop of a hat because we trained them to do that. Wow. So with all that in mind coming from the UK, I saw 10 days ago or so this headline. Gloomy scientists call for people to start wearing COVID masks again as they sound alarm over a new variant BA6 that has a lot of mutations. Okay. So we got masks. Now, to be clear, there's three variants going around, we're being told now. And these headlines, at any point, they can run these headlines. These mutations are always happening. And the fact that they ran a headline like that alongside with start wearing masks, the person they're talking about in this article that is suggesting we start wearing masks is from the independent, says member of independent sage in the UK. This is Dr. Trish. And so that that already raised my alarm saying like at that time not a lot of people were talking about wearing masks but mm-hmm. that was that was an outlier why well there's a link there so again just keeping these data points and now bringing it up to to present day reporting neil ferguson is back and what is he saying oh he's saying God. the same thing team of government scientists including professor lockdown neil ferguson worm of new covid variant uh, you know spreading rapidly blah 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 so how is he back? Well, he had he was a SAGE member. He had to step down because he broke his own lockdown policy. Right. So he's part of the UK Health Security Agency, 
this was an agency that was formed in 2021. So another new agency to deal with future pandemics. So you can understand yeah. they need an excuse to really start working hard here. Now, at the same time, all of these headlines are coming out. We have a conversation about speech because during this past pandemic response, American free speech was targeted in ways we've never seen before in this country, all the way from the White House down to government agencies, yeah. attacking individual scientists, even members of the public, priests, it didn't matter. The, uh, the online debate was highly, highly regulated and censored. So during this time, I see this come out. This is the CEO of Twitter, Linda Yaccarino. She does an interview this month and she's talking about some new some new things the platforms are doing. See if you can take a look at what may be concerning. Since acquisitions, we have built brand safety and content moderation tools that have never existed before at this company. And we've introduced a new policy to your specific point about hate speech called freedom of speech, not reach. So if you're going to post something that's illegal or against the law, you're gone. Zero tolerance. But more importantly, if you are going to post something that is lawful, but it's awful, you get labeled. You get labeled, you get de-amplified, which means it cannot be shared. And it is certainly demonetized. Back to your direct point about brands. brands. Yeah. brand safety. So they are protected from the risk of being next to that content. And it's also why uh, it's really important to note that once a post is labeled and it can't be shared and the user sees that 30% of the time they take it down themselves. Staggeringly, they take it down. And that reducing that hateful content from being seen is one of the best examples how X is committed to encouraging healthy behavior online. You know, we talked about her, especially because we've been talking about Elon Musk so much that he really seemed to be this arbiter of truth and transparency and exposure, putting out the Twitter files and showing us all the censorship. And then when he hires Yaccarino, we were all like, what are you doing? This is as deep state, you know, and she was saying then it, upon the moment he hired her, what she's saying right now is brand safety. This is the, what we've said to people. This is the problem. If the sponsors don't want to be next to harmful content or, you know, see free speech is not freedom of reach then we're just going to protect the brand. So now you're protecting industry, corporations once again, over the individuals that are using this space to communicate. And I'll be honest with you, I think we're beyond the writing on the wall. It sure seems to me that this is already taking effect. Just uh, over the last day, uh, we put out, uh, the Highwire put out an incredibly beautiful post uh, pointing out several of the videos. We linked several of the Plotkin videos. This is the leading godfather of vaccinations on the stand being grilled by our own Aaron Siri. Every time we've done anything with these videos, we get massive hits. We know so many people are watching us brand new. It's also a huge conversation out there in the world where we wanted people to say, hey, here's multiple videos of your godfather of vaccines telling the truth when he's finally on the stand. I retweeted it. Let's just bring this up. 
I retweeted it, and in you know over a day, August 23rd, that went out. Um, I just have what is it? I just a few posts, six quotes there on the entire thing. 177 reposts, folks. I have 288,000 followers, 288.7 thousand followers, and only six people made a comment on that post, and only 177 shared. 411 likes. Usually, used to be that when I would post something a year ago, or certainly when Elon Musk was around, you know, it would be like 9,000, 10,000, you know, 2,000 likes, and you know, a thousand or 2,000, 3,000 retweets or reposts. And so clearly something is happening here where as soon as we put out something, only a few people are looking at it. I did a little test just right before the show. I just decided, what if I don't talk about vaccines or anything? So I put out a puppy video. I decided just this morning, try something, enjoy this video of cute puppies. I just want to say I'm trying something and, you know, it's gotten some views. But more importantly is is the comments that I've gotten. I haven't seen these comments. This is the first post I've seen from you in in my for you feed ever, ever. Uh, If this factors into your test, but this is the first tweet. I don't know if this factors in your test, but this is the first tweet I've ever seen from you. And I follow you. Thank for thank you for all that you do. So I've been out there forever. They've been following me, and all they finally see this puppy video. This is the first post I've seen of yours in months. Uh, we're being throttled on what was supposed to be the last remaining free space for free speech on the internet. So Yacarino's doing her job. Elon, wake up, buddy. If you actually did care, if you actually did care about freedom of speech, uh, your ex is Xing us out. It's stopping the conversation that I thought he wanted to have. And we've been down this road before. This reminds me of 2016 again, shadow banning, de-boosting. And she's saying, we're prioritizing uh, brand safety. Sorry, $8 a month subscribers for your blue check mark. We we don't care about you. We're prioritizing brand safety. De-amplified labeling, demonetizing people. And she said, don't worry. She also almost gleefully, almost half the people are self-censoring. They take their own stuff down when we de-label or we de-amplify them. So this is great. Now, right. at the same time, the same month, I should say, all in August here, this is all happening right now, YouTube updated its misinformation policy, its medical misinformation policy. And this is what that looked like. They're calling it a long-term vision. So this thing ain't going anywhere anytime soon. And it says, moving forward, YouTube will stream- streamline dozens of our existing medical misinformation guidelines to fall under three categories, prevention, treatment, and denial. These policies will amplify will apply to specific health conditions, treatments, and substances where content contradicts local health authorities or the World Health Organization. So YouTube is now part of the World Health Organization, at least in policy, what the WHO says or local authorities say goes and nothing else. It doesn't matter if you want to have any other types of conversations. And it's first under the prevention guideline, it's first guideline. Let's look at what that has to say, because that's important. Prevention misinformation. We will remove content that contradicts health authority guidance on the prevention and transmission of specific health conditions and on the safety and efficacy of approved vaccines. So they're <laughs> going to be the watchdogs on those conversations now. This is, this, make is, people... this is like the social media version of when you're out having margaritas with your friends on the deck overlooking the ocean and your neighbor is madly putting plywood boards all over their windows, you're like, uh, what do they know that we don't know? 
I mean, it is pretty scary. All of a sudden, these social media companies are battening down the hatches, preparing for what? The possibility that you may need to spread misinformation about health information. Now. And it's again, it's not like this is 2019, 2020 or 2016. Right. This is a time where more people around the world than ever want to see open conversation, open debate, uh, debate. They want people to come together and have respectful conversations, especially about the vaccine topic. And so this is an article that kind of reflects that. This is Eric Weinsberg. He's a, a prof professor of philosophy at the University of South Florida. He's also a professor of history and philosophy at University of Cambridge. He wrote an article titled, We Need Scientific Dissidents Now More Than Ever. And in the conclusion, he says this, the world isn't simple. What the evidence shows isn't always clear and things are not always as they seem. This doesn't mean we should believe every heterodox thinker that comes along, but it means we should strongly resist the urge to punish them, to censor them, to call them racist, and to evaluate their claims. Indeed, he gets yeah. it. Unfortunately, the Journal of the American Medical Association put this original investigation, they're calling it, out on August 15th, calling it communication of COVID-19 misinformation on social media by physicians in the US. And what did they find with their deep dive? They found these major themes they identified. Number one, they found that physicians were disputing vaccine efficacy and effectiveness. It's they not effective. I mean, it's incredible. <laughs> this is a medical journal and they're still like, it's this month. All right, continue. Right. Sorry. Right. I just, I mean, like, it's, it's sort of what I said last week, which is people are calling me and say, my university is not going to let me in if I don't get the vaccine. The vaccine doesn't work. If your university believes that giving you a product that doesn't work only puts you in harm's way is a good idea, why would you want to learn anything from those people? And why would you ever read a medical journal again that in August of 2023 is still complaining that people talked about the effectiveness and saying that the vaccine wasn't effective? It isn't effective! God, well, if you like that one, you're going to like these next three. So number two, they said some physicians that they looked at, they investigated, were promoting medical treatments lacking scientific evidence and or U.S. FDA approval. Oh, you mean like ivermectin that has science behind it? That the number FDA three, just said, we're not going to stop you from taking it in the future, or at least doctors really can prescribe it. They yeah. say in court, uh, says the Department of Justice attorney. Number three, here's the best one. They found doctors during this time disputing mask wearing effectiveness. It, it, Jesus. It, I don't even know where to go here. God I mean, okay, help so us. in the last one, uh, unsubstantiated claims about the virus origin. I thought what? this was still an ongoing conversation. <laughs> Government <laughs> lies and other conspiracy theories. Let's see how wow. vague we can get with the word conspiracy theories. All right, jam is done. It, Please, just like with every I, copy of your jam, just burn it. There's no point. These people have no mind. Uh, reading this, it's like, was this hung on the shelf around 2019, 2020, and they just took it off the shelf to publish it now? Right. I mean, these are outdated, completely like outdated cold. ideas. This is an right. embarrassment idea. Right. Ripped so, out of the dustbin in the middle of the Xerox. Room. Wait, where was this? Let's publish this. Who published that? It's, 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 Years old. That was what we didn't know anything <laughs> at all. So they're saying some doctors actually question the effectiveness of masks. Well, let's go into the effectiveness of masks. Let's yeah. look at what the science says, because this is a conversation that's now unfortunately coming back around again. So we have the Cochrane collaboration. This was the most yeah. respected independent collaboration of researchers around the world. And this was their most up-to-date 2023 study it, they looked at the physical interventions to interrupt or reduce the spread of respiratory viruses. This was an update of a study. They looked at a total of 78 studies. So this was an analysis and they found this, concluding wearing masks in the community probably makes little or no difference to the outcome of influenza-like illness. 
COVID-19-like illness compared to not wearing masks. And they say the same thing about laboratory-confirmed influenza and SARS-CoV-2. And there's an infographic here that was created with some of the studies they looked at. And you can see little to no evidence masking works. And you can see all these studies here, no, not statistically significant, says one study, did not significantly differ, lacks statistical power. So th th the consensus, there's just no scientific consensus that masks work. This is complete and total lie. And so not only is the science showing this, but this is a headline just came out from Epoch Times, secret letter to CDC, top epidemiologists suggest agency misrepresented scientific data to support masking narrative. In November of 2021, eight top health professionals, one of them was Michael Osterholm, someone we've covered on this show before, are sending secret behind the scenes emails. Uh, these people weren't brave enough to do this in public, so they were sending, or maybe they just know these CDC officials personally, whatever, they're sending them backdoor emails saying, look, the, the, the information you have on masking is not accurate on your website. You're saying this thing stops, stops the, the virus, it stops uh, the nasal concentration of, of uh, the SARS-CoV-2. You're endangering public trust, you're misrepresenting the evidence, and you're giving people false hopes that these masks are working. You really need to, to, to change this information on your website. That's the conversation that was happening behind the scenes when everyone else was getting censored. But now let's look at March 2023. A study kind of slipped by us. Why? Because no one cared about masks anymore. They were off everyone's face. We didn't think we were putting them back on. But right. now the study becomes... And we've even had that conversation, right? Should we cover it? I mean, we're through it. What difference does it make? People feel like they've moved on. But uh, right. so, we, so this one slipped by. Yeah. And, you know, this really is the study. You should take this one. Sign up for the newsletter. You'll get this study in your email. Take this one. If they if they try to reimplement masks, you take them this study and show them this possible toxicity of chronic carbon dioxide exposure associated with face mask use, particularly in pregnant women, children, and adolescents. I'm going to read a little bit from this, but I have to because some of these some of the, what they're saying is really shocking. It says fresh air has around 0.04% CO2 while wearing masks more than five minutes bears a possible chronic exposure to carbon dioxide of. 1.41% to 3.2% of inhaled air. U.S. Navy toxicity experts set the exposure limits for submarines carrying a female crew to 0.8% CO2 based on animal studies, which indicated an increased risk for stillbirths. Additionally, mammals who were chronically exposed to 0.3% CO2 the experimental data demonstrate a teratogenicity with irris irreversible neuron damage in the offspring, reduced spatial learning caused by brainstem neuron apoptosis, that's cell death, and reduced circula circulating levels of insulin-like growth factor one. Del, it goes on to say this. Just, with well, well, just go back, go back, just so it can burn into people's, I'm, I'm a visual person, folks. 0.3% is where you can have issues. 0.8% is the limit the Navy will put you on a submarine. Look at just, remember, 1.4% to 3.2%. Massive, massive amounts wearing that mask. I just wanted to make sure that we really capture that in our minds. They're not even close. It's, uh, you know, other worlds. Uh, when we look at the amount of CO2 we're talking about. After only five minutes of wearing the mask. Wow. That has to be. So yeah. they go on to say this. With significant impact on three readout parameters, their morphological functional marker, this chronic 0.3% CO2 exposure has to, has to be defined as toxic. Wow. Additional data exists on the exposure of chronic 0.3% CO2 in adolescent mammals, 
causing neuron destruction, which includes less activity, increased anxiety, and impaired learning and memory. They conclude, there is a possible negative impact risk by imposing extended mask mandates, especially for vulnerable subgroups. Circumstantial evidence exists that extended mask use may be related to current observations of stillbirths and to reduce verbal, motor, and overall cognitive performance in children born during the pandemic. A need exists to reconsider mask mandates. So when I see these headlines about masking again, wow. not a debate on should we mask, are the merits, are, are the benefits worth the risks, just put them on again. You got to start asking questions. And that's I, what we're doing here. I'm so glad you brought it up because we have tried everything. And I think luckily most of the people watching this show, but when we put out videos for people to share, I mean, I put a mask on my son. We did a CO2 monitor uh, with him. And we even had OSHA say we did this exactly how they would have done it. And ultimately, it was off the Richter scale. And now we're seeing what types of toxic numbers we're talking about. Then I did the experiment we all saw online, right? When you see people wearing masks, you just want to show them this every time. How in the world is that doing anything for you or any of us? This is total insanity. And now you have this study saying not only is it not working, it's dangerous. But I just saw a little video pop across uh, uh, the Facebook page. I want to play for everybody just so we can wrap our heads around it. This is everything like when we when people talk about for the size of these viruses and the size of these particles that were really these masks were only designed to make sure you're not drooling into someone you're doing surgery on. When we think about a surgery mask, that's all it was was to stop spit and snot, not viruses and air and bacteria. Somebody put together this little animation that shows you all of the things that fit through what is really basically the chain leak fence of that mask. Hopefully this gets to millions and millions of people. It's so important. Take a look at this. There it is. When you see people telling you to wear a mask, you see them wearing a mask. It is just an absolute example of either you are a shill, uh, you're a propagandist, or you certainly lack information. I won't go as far as saying you're not a smart person. You just don't know where to find your information, Why? where it's going to be so important. This is why it's so important for all of you people to start sharing the high wire with everyone you know. While everyone's kind of relaxed and maybe the tensions are a little bit lower, get them tuning in. we got to get this truth into them so that we do not comply, so that we don't all go away along with this. We can't be the minority again. We can't allow ourselves to be the minority this time. And so the study we just showed said that there's circumstantial evidence that masks reduce verbal, motor, and cognitive overall cognitive performance in children. So then I see these headlines out of the Telegraph. These are older headlines, but we have to connect these. Lockdown harmed emotional development of almost half, half of the children. And then this one, CDC data, suicides in the U.S. reached all-time high in 2022, CDC data shows. They're saying it's the highest since the dawn of World War II. So just putting that in perspective there, I mean, obviously some of that is the lockdowns of the schools, keeping these kids out of schools, but yeah. masking them, we have to have this conversation. We can't just slap a, a, a headline across the screen and go, okay, guys, mask up again, but let's talk about the vaccine. So we have 
the legislative piece that's happening in September. We have the censorship from X Twitter platform from YouTube happening now in August. We have the 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 JAMA article saying talking about misinformation. Now let's look at the booster shot in in kind of this whole picture of these new virus variant headlines. Right. So. Uh, several weeks ago, we saw headlines like this, NIH flu jabs and COVID boosters to be scrapped for millions. So at that time, they were saying, look, healthy people don't need these things. The government's not going to pay for them for you. Uh, we'll give them to, uh, we'll pay for them, subsidize it for immunocompromise for the elderly, uh, people at risk like that. But the rest of the people, it, it's going to have to go to the market. Let's see, let's, let's see what kind of market forces are for this vaccine. They're going to have to fend it for themselves. You'll have to pay out of pocket for them for really vaccines that not a lot of people are taking. And then here in the U.S., Dr. Mandy Cohen, the CDC director, she went on an interview in July, uh, 20, on July 27th of this year, just, just last month, and said this. CDC likely to recommend annual COVID shot similar to flu, director says. Well, this was a shock because this was way before all the new virus headlines. So people were saying, wait a minute, annual shot. Um, I, the, the pandemic's over. We're not taking these shots anyway. Most people are already up to date and they have the boosters because a new booster is coming out when? At the end of September. Wow. So at that point, when she goes on that interview and says that, the House Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Response directly contacted her, sent her a letter, House COVID panel requests briefing on fall vaccine plans from new CDC head. They're basically saying, look, what you're doing would, would mark a significant change in federal policy and guidance. We need all the evidence, all the emails and communications of why you are even speaking like this, which is great. Yeah. So it's great these agencies are getting out ahead of this. But from my understanding, um, ASIP has just announced that September 12th will be a new regulatory meeting. And what are they going to talk about? COVID vaccines. So we're going to keep an eye on that. These things are happening very fast now. So wow. this is this is the headline on August 14th. So last week we saw new COVID vaccines are on the way as Iris variant rises. Again, the fear headlines weren't quite there yet. They're just saying we got this new vaccine, there's some variants. And then we go in this article, it's very telling to look back just a week compared to now. It says basically for, for people giving these shots, they will be fighting declining concern about the virus, as well as fatigue and skepticism about the merits of this vaccine. Kaiser Family Foundation Director of Survey Methodology, Ashley Kurzinger said. She goes on to say, public health officials, if they want to see a majority of adults get these annual vaccines, they're going to have to make a case, make the case to the American public that COVID isn't over and it still poses a risk to them, Kurzinger said. Well, that's interesting. But then it goes on even further. COVID-19 vaccine makers have pared back expectations for this fall's vaccination campaign with Pfizer, the largest maker of mRNA shots with BioNTech, recently warning that it might need to cut jobs if it does not do well. Its biggest rival, Moderna, conceded demand could be as few as 50 million shots. And Dell, let's look at the headlines now. COVID vaccine stocks jump as new variant emerge head, uh, uh, variants emerge ahead of fall shot rollout. So it looks like <laughs> it looks like they they got that demand they wanted just by the headlines. And then if you go to Substack, you're getting people speaking a little more freely here. Is Jordan Satchel time for your eighth dose? Uh, Pfizer says latest booster won't be tested on humans, but it works great on mice, just like the rest of the boosters. They're only testing them on mice. And then if you go to NPR, uh, it says coronavirus questions and answers. Is it wiser to get a booster now or wait for a new fall booster? And it says in here, the minimum of four months is based on theory. 
However, and not on studies, says Dr. Aaron Glatt, Chief of Infectious Diseases at Mount Sinai, South Nassau in West Hampstead, New York. People who were immunocompromised got the booster not as well, along with guidance to talk to their doctor about additional boosters two months apart. So if I'm reading that right, they're saying, look, as long as you're getting these boosters two months apart, keep on shooting keep on because that's all that. we need. You know, as yeah. we look at this, you know, I, I keep thinking about the interview we did last week with Dr. Peter McCullough and Geert van den Bosch. And, you know, for what anyone thinks, you know, we're just putting it all out in front of you. I'm not, you know, selling one idea or another. We are, uh, we are looking into everything right now as we move forward. But Geert said something that stuck with me, uh, and it was talking about sort of the fact that the vaccine, those who have been vaccinated are at a higher risk, he believes. He mentioned that they should be taking antivirals starting immediately. He is afraid that uh, the virus is about to mutate and get around the protections of that vaccine, which is going to be very problematic for a lot of people. But when I read that, they say, you know, one, you know, one a year is the, the new booster protocol, unless you're immune compromised, unless you're immune suppressed. And I think, Essentially, what Geert was saying, if it's true, everyone that got the vaccine is immune suppressed. Their bodies are not reacting to this virus correctly. And we know that every time you get a vaccine, it's waning faster and faster. Even Dana Carvey and we, you know, we played the whole joke where they said, oh, you know, a new booster every hour in the next 15 minutes, it'll work. You better get to your car. But it's not funny. That's what's happening. But for people that didn't catch it, just listen to what Geert Van Bosch had to say again as we sort of look at this through another lens. My concern is that uh, the protection that the vaccinees, and of course I'm not talking about all the vaccine because I've even launched recently a video message where I was clearly saying people who got one shot, don't worry, you're not primed. So one shot, if you only no. got one, you're probably uh, exactly. didn't do the damage. Uh, people who got clearly the infection before they got vaccinated, don't worry. I think they may, uh, you know, to some extent their immunity may be compromised, but they are certainly having innate immunity that they can further develop okay. and they got primed. It becomes very tricky when you got uh, vaccinated, especially with the mRNA vaccines, early on, before you got infected, okay. and that is primarily the case of all the vulnerable people, right. those who were vaccinated first. The elderly. The elderly, people with underlying diseases, uh, people who were immune suppressed, uh, etc. I'm afraid these people will be without any their adaptive immune response. I continue saying it's not true to say, oh, there will be a variant that is highly, highly virulent. No. This variant will have the capacity to overcome the inhibitory capacity of the non-neutralizing antibodies to prevent severe disease in the vaccinees. Right. So it's not that it's like this no. super deadly. It's not going to be super deadly to the unvaccinated. Not at all. Who have not a perfectly working immune system. So I recognize that. I'm Absolutely. fighting that. Absolutely. It's just going to be those whose bodies will not be able to mount the proper defense. Yeah. And, and they're going to take a virus that isn't necessarily super. It's going to be deadly for them. Exactly. You know, uh, the, there's always a lot of controversy around anybody like Geert that we've brought on. He is still working on, you know, future innate uh, vaccine programs for the innate immune system. Uh, but he comes from WHO. He worked for WHO. He thinks like they do. And which makes me always think more having these conversations. Are we getting a site if he thinks that, that we potentially have put everyone that's been vaccinated at risk? What would our government do? What would the governments of the world that have scientists just like Geert 
Spirit, if they know the same thing he's saying but aren't telling us, what would that look like? Would they say, well, we better lock down, we better match, don't tell anybody why. But the truth is, is we've ruined everybody's immune system. The common cold could kill them this winter. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. And that's why I find Geert fascinating. Is he giving us a vision into what the sort of other side, that pro-vaccine science space is really thinking and knows about what they've done here? Certainly, certainly they must recognize that every time they give someone a vaccine, it's lasting for a shorter and shorter period of time, that the vaccinator now being hospitalized at higher levels than anybody else, and that it appears that when they're being vaccinated, it's increasing their risk of being infected. All of these things, the science is out there. I mean, are they just totally daft and have no concept that this is going on? Or do they know it and they're trying to cover the tracks for the greatest scientific error that's ever been made? I mean, who knows? We, we, we don't know what they're thinking, but all of it is on the table here at the high wire. Right. And so you have the public declining interest in the vaccine, people concerned about long term safety issues, myocarditis. You have Pfizer saying we're going to cut jobs if we don't get these vaccines out. Moderna paring back expectations. We need a, they, they need a, a new group, a new subpopulation to really boost this up. And this comes in. February 2023, we reported on this. CDC adds COVID-19 vaccinations to immunization schedule for children and adults. What's happening now? School starting. And remember, we covered this in 2021 when they were trying to really beat the drum and, and scare people then because they were trying to get an emergency use authorization for the vaccine in kids that eventually yeah. happened in October. But we covered this in May of 2021, American Academy of Pediatrics showing the data, the actual mortality rates, percentage of child cases resulting in death on that far right column, 0.01%, 0.02%, nothing going on there essentially. And so we have this conversation coming into the fold too now with these new variants, these schools can possibly start green lighting this thing. And remember the, the, the issues for COVID for kids is it's kind of a, a non-starter looking at those old, those, those numbers in, we have Rochelle Walensky, the former CDC director. She was asked directly in a hearing, why did you add this to the childhood immunization schedule, the recommendation? Uh, did you look at the myocarditis? Like, show me the science, what was going on? Listen to her, her answer. This is really important. The question I have is in October of 2022, the advisory committee broke public health norms by deciding to add the COVID-19 vaccine, including those under emergency use authorization to the childhood immunization schedule. That includes the, the bivalent booster shots. Obviously, they're not a mandate, but they, of course, are largely followed. So, I mean, how do you view the cost benefit of scheduling brand new bivalent booster shots for this age group? You know, considering the children are at very low risk from COVID-19, 75% of children have already caught the virus, and the, and the vaccine is known to do pretty little to, to prevent transmission in this age group. The important thing I think that's really uh, that we need to recognize is the reason that ACIP recommended and CDC put forward getting the COVID-19 vaccine on the pediatric schedule is not it was only because it would it was the only way it could be covered in our vaccines for children's program. It was the only way that our under, uninsured children would be able to have access to the vaccines. That was the reason to put it on the schedule. It can't be eligible for vaccines for children's program for to be available to the under, uninsured unless it is on that schedule. That was the reason to put it there. I just keep to always be closing. Boy, she closed on that. No, it really isn't about your kids. This is about the underserved and those that wouldn't be insured so that they could get a product that they would never, ever freaking need that doesn't do anything for them. But once it's on the schedule, 
guess what? Every moron across America running a school system is going to say, oh, wait, look. And every doctor, by the way, whether or not it's actually mandated to go to school, will just add it as you walk through. If you don't know what you're doing and you hand your kid over, oh, I just gave him COVID. It was a part of the recommended schedule. You didn't want the recommended schedule? We know where this goes. She knows where this goes. CDC knows where this goes. Our children across America are about to be poisoned for no reason whatsoever. Another way to look at that is it's a marketing decision, a product distribution decision. Bill, I called you last week because I saw some writing on the wall that was concerning. And during the last three years, we know that media organizations were handed scripts completely divorced from reality. The facts that were used to dominate these news cycles have been questioned, are questioned. These dominant narratives that could never be touched have fallen. And as you turn on your TVs now, I ask everybody to just sit there and ask themselves, What are you seeing when you see stuff that looks like this? COVID is making a comeback this summer. COVID cases are on the rise again across the U.S. Across the country, COVID hospitalizations jumped more than 14% in the most recent week. Hospitalizations up 60% in the last month, according to the CDC. A fast-spreading new sub-variant of the coronavirus is raising concerns among health experts globally. The main driver of this is a variant that's relatively newer to the scene, EG5. It's easier to give and get, so that makes it kind of easier to pass along. The World Health Organization and the CDC came out saying they were tracking it closely. A mask can be your best friend. Keep it private. Back in time, we have them in our pockets, in our coats, in our backpacks. Time to bring them out again, especially as the school season starts. We don't want to see kids missing school for things that we could have prevented. One Atlanta college is now reinstating a mask mandate. For the next two weeks, all students and employees must wear a mask unless alone in their office. There will be social distancing and no large student gatherings. Upstate University Hospital putting a face mask policy back in place. So this new requirement is for staff, visitors, and patients in clinical areas of the hospital. Universal COVID testing is also now mandatory for admitted patients. You should wear wearing masks in crowded areas, especially during a surge. COVID at-home testing kits back in high demand. CVS is tracking uptick in purchases. So is Walgreens, a spokesperson telling us, quote, we are seeing greater demand in this category nationwide, which may cause temporary and isolated shortages. Stock up on at-home tests. They do cover that new strain. Keep a mask handy in case you're in a crowded place. And most of all, get your shots. Your best chance of staying healthy. A reminder that COVID never went away. COVID never went away. I mean, that's what we've done to ourselves. Unbelievable. You're right. Wow. And to think, you know, last Friday you were predicting this. You know, I get I, we missed it by that much, but here we are. Here we are with a lot more detail, too. And looking at that, masks are a physical symbol. They're essentially a walking billboard with really more psychological value than yeah. scientific evidence backing it. So when we see those comments and then headlines after headlines that look like this, companies, schools, Kaiser Permanente reinstates COVID-19 mask mandate. Lionsgate, major movie studio reinstates mask mandate, effective immediately. Georgia College reinstates mask mandate and physical distancing. Morris Brown College and Atlanta College reinstate mask mandate. Let's look at the numbers here because this looks pretty scary if you're seeing this yeah. for the first time, especially after, you know, let's say- Something the, the, big the must be going is, on. Something big must be going on. The public's traumatized. Remember, they were drilled to accept lockdowns, so they are being really pushed into this. Let's look at the cases chart. This is all 
world data, our, our world data. This is Europe, Israel, US, China, India. You can see all on the right side there. Not much going on, wow. especially not much going on from the highs that we've experienced and seen. Let's look at and say, okay, those are just cases, whatever, but wh what about mortality? Because this thing is clearly killing people, right? Let's look at the death chart. It, it, not much going on again. Still not much going on. Nowhere near what we saw in the past in 2020, 2021. Let's go to the US, CDC. There's, we're talking about hospitalizations chart. Still a little uptick there. Nothing compared to those previous, previous up, upticks. Wow. And then the death charts from the CDC actually goes down. There's nothing going on. So we have to question, wow. why are these headlines pushing fear in unison? Why are they pushing remasking when their effectiveness is not supported by science? How far are they willing to take it this time? And what are people going to, it's a different world than three years ago. People are awake. What are we going to do? What an amazing report, Jeffrey. Um, just so much detail. And we have all seen those headlines. That's why we're seeing so many people posting about it. I will not comply. But to see all of those things lining up, um, clearly we need to wake up everyone we know right now so that they recognize sooner than later, we have the majority, this isn't happening again. We will vote you out. We will not make, we will not allow this to happen again. Uh, we're too intelligent. We're not that stupid. We're not that stupid, but the audiences of those newscasts that a lot of people probably are. Unfortunately, we're going to learn about the uh, stupidity matrix coming up in a few minutes here in the uh, <clears throat> intermission. I was also, uh, I went over to Twitter just a few seconds ago. I wanted to make sure that uh, this article, COVID-95, uh, the N95 COVID masks, toxic compounds, and uh, to Dell's point, Right here, look, I could see his tweets, and somebody's seen these tweets. They at least got some circulation. But I can relate to uh, being the shadow band person that I am. Let's let's see how many uh, retweets we got on tonight's stuff. Uh, oh, we got fourteen retweets and twenty-two hearts tonight. That's pretty good because uh, last week, what do we have? Eight and nineteen. Like no one sees these, right? I got yeah. look. Uh, what two people retweeted the conference? Wow. By the way, that conference last weekend, that was bang up, dude. That was awesome. That was a good time. It was a good workout. There was lots of people there. And uh, there was way more people there than ever saw it on Twitter, which was nice. <laughs> but uh, right. Right. We, we're going to go to this clip of Deborah Burks first. But uh, I was curious. I thought she worked or got some Bill Gates funding or something like that back in the day. And she is mentioned in this article because if you were to search, as I did, uh, Bill, Deborah Burks, Bill Gates, the summarizer gives you AI. Right. So it says Deborah Burks is a member of the White House and has worked with Bill Gates in the past. Here's three references. Right. Well. National file. OK, I, that wasn't the, it was the second one last time. Fast company. That's where I went. It's not actually mentioned in there. And then CanyonNews.com. I don't trust that. So I was looking for. Yeah. You know, it says uh, Burks has an expired medical license and serves on the board of the Global Fund, which has received more than two billion from Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. That's national file. So let's try to, how do I have to click it like that to get it open? We're going to check out this article. But first, I went, you know, general information. I went to her wiki. And earlier in this episode, we mentioned Jeffrey Epstein and Donald Barr. And it turns out that she does have an Epstein-Barr connection, but it's not what you think. All right. So Deborah Leah Burks, born 1956, American physician and diplomat. She's a diplomat, Tony. Coronavirus response coordinator. 
for Donnie yeah. Trump, right? Orange man bad. Early life education, nothing really remarkable here. Right, go uh, up real quick, actually, go, before you get into that, this this real quick. The second line, Lancaster, very, she, very she grew up near you by. Oh uh, uh, yeah, really close. There. That's kind of terrifying. Yeah. And she was also she's a Penn, Penn State. State grad, so yeah, yeah, yeah we're yeah, both yeah. one, unfortunately. But go up a little bit further. Yeah, right here. to the top again, because it says yeah. here at the very top, it says the second line. Burke specializes in HIV/AIDS immunology, vaccine research, and global oh, health. I mean, that's that. essentially yeah. that's what America has of all of COVID. this stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh I mean, yeah. So she's been in the thick of it for a long time in regards long to time. vaccine research. Yeah. Yeah. For pandemic planning, vaccine development. That's sort of the origins of all this. And that goes back to Anthony Fauci and um, even beyond Actually, that, Bill it Fahey, does. who mentored so Bill down, Gates. Right down here in her career, right? Uh, U- U.S. Army, Colonel yeah. Walter Reed. Okay. Immunology. Oh, from 83 to 80, she, she completed two fellowships in immunology. She worked at Anthony Fauci's lab. Okay. There you go. Uh, she was then assistant chief of the immunology there. So she's like, you know, in so Fauci's Walter image, Reed. little representative over at the military where they might be doing bioweapon testing. And then started working it. on the HIV research, right? Now, yep. you get on here, she became director of HIV research. Right, which gets her even close to Fauci. She well, led the vaccine clinical trials HIV. So she became a board member of the Global Fund to Fight AIDS. And that's where they just said they got to $2 billion in Bill Gates funding. So we'll see about that in one a couple clicks from now. For CDC, she served as director of CDC's division of HIV, right, as part of this global yeah. health. If it's a Bill Gates-funded place, then it's like top-down. Gates has been doing this for a while, right? Under Obama, she's ambassador-at-large for AIDS coordinator, which is interesting given his letters from Emory University. But that's a different topic story right there. Social distancing. Okay, so now you get down to the pandemic. and But where's she at now? Burks joined the George W. Bush Institute in Dallas, Texas as a senior fellow, right? And then personal life, you'll get this. Uh, her husband is a lawyer who held managerial roles in the Carter, Reagan, and Clinton administrations. <laughs> he goes always. You know what I'm saying? Uh, That's a lot of political spectrum right rule. there. I mean, it's like Anthony Fauci. How many uh, executive over you know overturns did he work under? I mean, it was like uh, Reagan, Clinton, Bush. Well, I guess Reagan, Bush, Clinton, Bush. Obama, Carter, Trump. like all these Carter, yeah, maybe as well. This yeah, is a road I mean, like scholar. That's how many, talk about unelected rulers. Or this guy was put unelected. in by the people who funded the Nazis. This guy was put in by the people who funded the Nazis. Uh, Ford was put in by the people who funded the Nazis, and he was on the Warren Commission. Nixon tried to blackmail Alan Dulles and Nelson Rockefeller, who funded the Nazis, and that's how he got to be president after they got rid of JFK, who took it in 1960 when they were supposed to pay off Nixon ten years earlier. Anyway, her awards and honors are interesting because there's the Department of Defense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this International Relations Council, right before COVID, Mm. Tony, I said, who are these people? So I clicked that open and I read that page, right? Now, selected works and publications. Epstein Barr. See, she's Mm. right there. (laughs) Which is, she has HIV and like, this is another immunosuppressed virus situation. Like, you know. That people have so HIV that's interesting. analog sort of idea, yeah, right. 
they could use yeah. something like that as a starter to make HIV back in the day in the lab if they wanted to. So I went over here, this global fund to fight AIDS. Now we're reading this together. It's in, it's in Switzerland. So it's very safe. Yeah. And uh, Microsoft founder Bill Gates, through the foundation, was one of the first donors with boners with seed money for the partnership. I'm sure. I'm sure. So she's in charge over there. Bill, Billy Bob Gates, he's funding it. And this is all world health. This is international essential. Okay. So now that we know that, she's a mouthpiece for Gates. She works with Fauci. It's a whole different angle on the pandemic now, right? Especially when you see where the money's coming from. The global fund. Let's say before before Gates, nope. she's like invested in the HIV AIDS vaccine yeah, yeah, yeah. research. But then in order, like, in order hey, to take it this. internationally, right? He needs the Gates funding. So that's and then yeah, she I becomes an ambassador, how... right? So then I went right. to the place that gave her the 2019 award, the IRC, the International Relations Council. Okay. Now this seems very milk toast. Oh, Kansas City, Missouri. Some people got together at their kitchen tables and they started this thing. Okay. <laughs> okay. Maybe that's what it is. Okay. Maybe that's what it is because that's what they claim it is, right? But then the notable Madeline guests are Kissinger, Madeline Rice, yeah, Connolly's Rice, Janet Napolitano, I mean, uh, Heinz Kissinger, Jesus. But wait, there's Henry, more, as they say. So if you go down through leadership, board members, nothing to see there. <clears throat> Finances, definitely can't see there. Elliot Berkeley Lectures. You see a commonality with all these people? These are all people that are in the Anglo-American establishment, Tony. Right. They're all like CFR, Georgetown oh, University, Stratfor, yeah, CFR. Stratfor. But look at this one. Now, this one just Atlantic jumped out roughly. at me. It jumped out at me. Woo, the Honorable oh Frank G. Wisner, Vice Chairman, AIG. Frank Wisner is a, one of the co-founders of the OSS. The OSS he's he's, like, he's Anglo-American establishment's guy. Now, this is Junior. So his dad was actually, yeah, because this, this is junior. Been it, yeah. his dad uh, committed suicide. He was one of the founders of OSS and CIA, and he had a lot of horrible secrets going on, or he might have been killed and placed like he was uh, suicided. Frank G. Wisner like is the son, and uh, you know he's working at AIG, which also had some of those like not insider trading type things, but similar things going on with 9-11. Other connections, like owning the security group Kroll Associates that was mentioned also earlier in this episode. So you can go down through all these people and you can kind of get a gist for what the IRC does. Like this is like a who's who. If you wanted to get a bunch of people together that were going to like be <clears throat> uh, people that can help you overthrow the world. Brookings Institute, Peterson Institute for International Economics. Yeah, Richard CIA, Myers, Italy. the guy that used to David run the Petraeus. NSA. Carnegie right, Endowment, Myers. right? Yep. Petraeus, Reza Aslan. Yep. You got Madeline yeah, Reza, Albright, yeah. Strobe Talbot, Rhodes Scholar. Right? Oh my God! You yeah. got all. You got a whole coterie. I'm not saying these are the people that did anything. I'm just saying these are people very near to Connected the people that you to would the need. international bodies. Yeah. yeah, that are doing the things. Right? These are like yes. worker bee peoples. And uh, they God. give out awards to people that they're like, hey, thanks for your work. We're going to use it to help take over the world. And she happily takes the money and uh, turns her turns her head and puts a scarf on, apparently. Cause... So that's the the Deborah Burks connection to Bill Gates, Tony Fauci, and this world movement that uh, might be doing the globalist thing. Right. So not saying everything on anyone's Wikipedia is true. I'm just saying we could easily defend those facts. And uh, now let's check this national file article to see if there was any. Oh, what do we have to do? Do we have to like, is that all there was read more? 
How do I? It's probably the it's like now? a publication that you probably have to like. Oh right, like these for. are a couple ads here. Uh, okay, project of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and that comes from Fox. So it's not like they're sending us to the Bill and Melinda Gates site itself, but you can see here's her ambassador. Uh, kind so of she's bio. a cog in the machine of this this global fund through the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and her particular particular niche has to do with AIDS, HIV vaccine research for international distribution. Wouldn't be looking... she was over in Africa for a long period of time. She mentioned it actually when she's on the coronavirus task force. Well, you'd have and, to be uh, doing the world HIV yeah. Bill Gates thing because he's over there right. helping people out. <laughs> sure. Uh huh. Just like he's helping people out in India as well. He's helping those babies. Tony. That's why he got. That's why he got kicked out. You know. Yeah, I mean, they love him over there. They use his operating system all the time. LD, can we play this clip? I want to see what uh, now in context. Let's check out this clip. I've never seen it, but it came up in my search, trying to see if he was connected with Deborah Burks. Now we know she's the head of an organization that got two billion dollars in funding from Bill Gates. So now let's see what she has to say. Do we have enough infrastructure to contact trace the way that we need to? I think that's why the criteria that you can see the gates that are uh, that the federal government has recommended are. Do we have enough infrastructure to contact trace the way that we need to? I think that's why the criteria that you can see the gates that are uh, that the federal government has recommended are. Little Freudian slip there. <laughs> you think she's talking about Bill Gates there? I don't know. What Might do just think? be the gate to enter her house. She's talking about the you know the gated community. Maybe she's, she's talking about, about gatekeepers. You don't know. Yeah, she's using it as a metaphor, maybe. Sure. Maybe she's using metaphors and similes and analogies up there. I don't know. Yeah, she's a very poetic person. I don't know what With we're all supposed the to scarves, you know. About the Deborah Burks. She's very uh, beguiling, right? That's a good word to describe her because she stood up there, was able to kind of be unnoticed. But actually, it was a Jeffrey Jackson report. I think we played or I played when you got when you're at Pork Fest, something like that. I forget. But we played a Jeffrey Jackson report a couple months ago where he detailed how most of the pandemic response was actually coordinated through Deborah Burks. It was not Anthony Fauci. It obviously wasn't anyone else on uh, Trump's coronavirus task force. It was Burks, the one who orchestrated all of it and had uh, direct communication to Nal Ferguson and uh, uh, but the SAGE group and the World Health Organization. And she helped to uh, coordinate most of that. And I forget the details of it, but you can go back and look at our history. It's a very, or go back and check out the high wire because it was a very interesting report just to her connections to the military. Basically, Jeffrey Jackson painted it as this was a military operation. And this was under military protocol when they forced lockdowns. And she was obviously or is a member of the military. And so when they saw when it was when you see that she was the directing authority, it starts to make more sense as it supersedes sort of constitution when it comes to a threat that is supposedly similar to something how the military would respond. And well, she she reps the military, Bill Gates, Fauci, like she's a real connection there. Yeah. And, I mean, I guess uh, she, she, she still had time to do all those press conferences and get the scarves from Hermes. 
Exactly. And that's the beguiling aspect of her because no one would have suspected anything of that nature unless they did a deep dive, which it took a couple of years for people to sort of collate and then present all that information in regards to the general grammar of who is Deborah Burks. There's a lot there. There's certainly a lot there. And so she needs, she's in a way, um, can't say she's worse, worse than Anthony Fauci, but in a way she's much more uh, beguiling, uh, much more um, uh, inconspicuous, inconspicuous. And also I would argue a bit more intelligent, or at least uh, she's able to conduct herself in a way that's much more, that, that that is able to sell a facade of who she and what she's actually doing, who she is and what she's actually doing. Unlike Anthony Fauci, who got exposed and, you know, he obviously utilizes Jesuitical rhetoric to sort of talk circles around it. But you could tell there's so much, so much doublespeak associated with him. He's, but like when you look at Francis Collins or Deborah Burks, you don't see the same sorts of videos, people making fun of them. Right. People are a little bit more. They now they weren't as much in the limelight, to be I fair. I think but Francis Collins time, playing on stage is him making fun of himself. He like does it all in oh, one package. Yeah, that's true. But yeah. Deborah, not He's no not, Bob Dylan. Yeah. That's for sure. Oh, my God. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm not arguing. I agree. Maybe he should have spent more time, not like you know, because like he's in those emails saying we have to squash any anything yeah. counter to the narrative. He didn't seem concerned with like what if my family's in danger because of the bio lab thing. Like he seems to lot the people that are guilty don't seem to be concerned with all the things that everyone on the outside's concerned. Almost like what's going on, on the outside's a distraction, so you don't see them doing Grand Theft World. They're like stealing it right in front of your eyes, step by step. Yeah, that's sort of the revelation of the mess we were talking about earlier. They're they're not inconspicuous for the most part anymore. They're pretty in in, in our face. Yeah, it's like uh, yeah. when they have those riots and people just start breaking in the stores and stealing stuff. That's what they're doing. They're doing it right now. They're not waiting to be like sly about it. They're like everything's up for free for all because they know the system's going to change over. Right. Yeah. It's like musical chairs or something. That's a different metaphor. Sorry for mixing them. Uh, but like they they see the opportunity and they're repositioning and we're like, why are they doing that? Right. And this is like this evidence that we're showing you tonight. This is why they're doing that. They're going to continue doing that. We're going to get to the intermission where they're going to continue doing that. In a few minutes, I got a couple things I have to uh, I have a couple to do's. Let me show you this. <clears throat> I don't know. It was probably a couple months ago. We had John Masaria on. He makes these customized headphones. He gave us coupon code for episode 147. So it's jmaudioeditions.com, jmaudioeditions.com. You click shop, use promo code GTW147, and he gives you a big fat discount because I guess uh, that's called marketing on his side. You know, he's got his own little project. He's got all these headphones he's modded. Now he's looking to move some. So he sends me a text. I appreciate the headphones. I've got, uh, I don't wear them for the show. I wear these. But uh, we've got them for my son. We give them out as gifts. They're awesome to listen to. They do have wires on them. They're not wireless. I actually prefer the wires. And I'm not looking for more wireless stuff to connect up to Bluetooth and stuff like that. Now, on a more uh, timely note, we also have this. Because we we had the Mindset uh, Conference last weekend. We worked on uh, not procrastination, doing it in action, like getting it done live knowing how to get a schedule together, do productivity, organization skills, getting things done, David Allen, all these great things. So it went on for like four or five hours. That was awesome. But the next thing we got coming up is the VIP, the Very Independent Producer Conference. This is the second summit we're having. This one's on leadership. So uh, 
the headliner for the event is Mr. G. Edward Griffin. And uh, all the participants, we're going to do a little q and I'm going to be able to interview each one of them. How do they define leadership? What are they bringing to the table as far as what they knew? When did they become a leader? Now, a lot of these people don't think that of themselves as leaders, but their audiences do, and they are leaders. So it's about time that we actually uh, externalize those magical skills of knowing when to stand up and say something. And here's how to say something, because we need more leaders in the country, and uh, it's going to be really great. We're going to have a lot of fun. It's going to be a fun afternoon, Saturday, September 9th. 12 p.m. Eastern. I'm sure it's going to go to four or five or six o'clock. Universityofreason.com forward slash VIP dash two. That's universityofreason.com forward slash VIP dash two. And is there one more? Oh, there, there's this invitation, but we're still trying <laughs> to see if this is a real thing. This was passed to me. It, I mean, so I mean it, it, we, we did, started looking we this con- up. Right before the show, we did confirm it that, that that is a conference that does exist. Um, as far as uh, the smart city conference aspect of it, it, it is a, it's about systems theory. That's what, yeah, it's all cybernetics, so it's pretty it's close. And those groups and are involved, theory. we're just not sure that it has anything to do with the fires or like 15 minute city planning. But no, like it's in Maui and they're no, planning no. some smart city stuff, and they need a place to Could put that a, up. Yeah, it's the, it could be an interesting correlation. Can't say they're necessarily causally linked, but it's interesting. There is some evidence behind that. I guess I'm trying to find we we did a whole sort of almost deep dive before we got the show started. But let's see if I well, can... and then if anyone thinks I went away from this page too fast, universityofreason.com forward slash VIP dash two is where you can register and uh, get in line for the summit. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's coming up fast, too, because Labor Day right around the corner. Okay, so this is that an actual page up there, Tony? What did you have there? Yeah, yeah. All right, so that let me website. let me compare that to my image. My image is okay. So I had fifty six. This is for the next one that you're showing us, then, right? Correct. Yeah. And where is it located? Yeah, where are they going to have that conference? Someplace other than Maui? No, in Maui. Um, from my has it been updated since the fires? That I don't know. This is for January third through sixth, twenty twenty four. Uh, one of the sponsors did their college of business have a whole bunch. So let me see if I can go back and find. All right. So there's a, the fact that they have one up for the next conference lends credence to this video on screen. I have, or the, the JPEG, right? This looks more and more. It's, I don't think this is an authentic slide or anything. Someone probably no, took the is. web page and then they said, right. these are the companies that are on there. Cause it's like the Photoshop job. Right. You got and it. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's smart city conference. In January, maybe they had a theme of that conference. Maybe we can use the Wayback Machine on their homepage. Can, can so we go back to like, says, yeah, what do you got? Like, what can we do quick. here? So it says, I would finally like to acknowledge this is uh, ManoaHawaii.edu scholar space. Down here it comes with, uh, so this is some of the things they talk about organization, systems, technology, internet, and digital economy, decision analytics, service sciences. So you guys get it. It's all systems theory. But going down here, it says, finally, I would like to acknowledge the co creation of HICSS. 56 by the HIS, HICSS community, uh, 2012 authors of 678 research papers, 2,500 viewers, so forth and so on. Our sponsors include University of Hawaii at Manoa's Schindler College of Business. That's on your um, on the, the picture there. National Security Agency, NSA. Association for Information Systems. University of Redlands and ESRI's Joint Spatial Business Initiative. University of Arkansas, Sam M. Walton College of Business. So it's 
Nothing to see. Well, it's good that NSA is involved. They got to hold down Hawaii because Snowden came through there, right? So they got to be like, and then General Myers, he was just part of the IRC speakers, right? He was a former five-star general that was in charge of the NSA during 9-11? No, no. He was Joint Chiefs of Staff. Sorry. I'm thinking of uh, Hawaii International Conference of System Sciences. That's what the acronym stands for. Hawaii International Conference for System Sciences. And they've been doing it since 2017. What? Oh, oh it's no. it's 404 back then. Look at that. Well, we're gonna have to use yeah. the wayback machine. I got one more. Do, 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 do. Where's that page? Oh, yeah. I, I said it too soon. Let no, me just it do it. I'm gonna do it live. Oh, that page that page was working fine, then all of a sudden it went but what? I got my page. Well, other, my other websites I refreshed are working. Yeah, bring it up. Oh, okay. Hey, coming up in September, we got season 10 of autonomy. We teach it twice a year. It's 12 weeks. You get three bonus weeks. There's also an orientation week. So we kind of, you know, underestimate the number of weeks. You get lifetime enrollment. You get a lot of leadership, entrepreneurial, critical thinking, creative problem solving skills, active literacy practice, uh, getting to know other people, in a friendship, colleague, workmate type of way, finding the others to help you uh, find your way in life, to achieve your goals, to gain the skills, to build the uh experiential synapses in your head so when you go out and do things in real life it's not like it's uh, doing it for the first time we have uh limited seats there's early bird specials going on right now i think they go on for another week or so uh the website is getautonomy.info forward slash ignite and we've added uh various layers of uh new features so even though it was really good People liked it. If we could make it better, we did. So you click a button, you start to experience autonomy, get complete transparency before you have to make a move. So uh, yeah, all the cool things we did. Uh, last season, we introduced masterminds for everybody. So everybody got into a mastermind group. So it's a small work group to kind of go over uh, forming of habits and overcoming of obstacles. But now we've upped the ante and added uh, accountability training, which we had kind of rolled out last season, but it's more robust this season. And we also have a uh, pro media production training because that's something people wanted to do. They wanted project management and they wanted to know how to edit media. So we put both of those things together and that's in the middle package for autonomy. And uh, that does a weekly Thursday night meeting with me and a couple other people who teach you how to do these things. And we all have a lot of fun. So it's like uh, a much smaller work environment on Thursday nights for that package. Get autonomy.info forward slash ignites where you learn more and uh, season 10. I, you know, I didn't even think, you know, I was just concerned about getting through season one. I never thought I'd be doing a 10th, tenth, tenth season in a fifth year. Right. So uh, yay freedom that we're all still open in the market and uh, let's get our skills on before the next pandemic and the next lockdown situation. Cause we're going to need all the skills we can get. Like I said, schooling drops us off here. The demands of life are up here. We have to close that gap with self-education and uh, you're not going to get it at a university or a corporate job, the level of education you could be having for yourself over here at Autonomy. So without further ado, those are my self-obligations to make sure that this show is funded and can stay open. Uh, we're going to move toward intermission. Tony, did you take a look at the clips that I seasoned up? And we got an ingredients list there in the production chat. I was tipping off LD. I'm like, here's where we're headed. Now, we don't have yeah, looks, one long piece like usual, although many of the pieces that we're going to show you tonight do have 
longer you know pieces to it they're all a couple hours some of them so uh we'll go to a couple short pieces and we'll give you a couple short pieces from a couple longer pieces your brain's job is to pay attention put those pieces together in context of this episode and see what conclusions you can draw for yourself because that's the actual act of thinking you observe what's going on you do some understanding and then you make some judgments take some actions and we take our actions within the framework of freedom intellectual self-defense physical self-defense and non-aggression being those principles in those three principles, we can have ourselves some freedom. So let's get some mental freedom during this intermission. And uh, we're going to learn about the, some laws of stupidity. I know it doesn't sound smart to do that, but once you get the idea of what's being laid out, I think you'll see it's smart to do that. And remember, if you find yourself in a quadrant in this uh, video, in the little first part of the intermission that you don't like, you can move quadrants. It's called education and hard work and some activity and you can do whatever you want. So don't don't see yourself. It's not like a caste system that's forever. It might just be your starting point. So don't feel left out. All right, let's go to intermission. And then we'll be right back for uh, juicier topics on this show. This was the slaughter known as the First World War. 16 millions died and 21 million were wounded. At the height of the carnage, the Prime Minister of Great Britain, David Lloyd George, had a private chat with the editor of The Guardian, C.P. Scott. If people really knew the truth, said the Prime Minister, the war would be stopped tomorrow. But of course they don't know and can't know. The British public were desperate for real news more than half the nation flocked to see an official propaganda film, The Battle of the Somme. Cameras were so unusual that young troops would shout, Hello, Mum, as they marched to the front. And they were heard crying for their mothers as they died on the battlefield. This was almost never reported. These days we have 24-hour news. The sound bites never stop. And the wars never stop. Iraq, Afghanistan, Palestine. This film is about the war you don't see. Drawing on my own experience as a war correspondent, it will look mainly at television, concentrating on the most popular channels in America and Britain. The film will ask, what is the role of the media in rapacious wars like Iraq and Afghanistan? Why do many journalists beat the drums of war regardless of the lies of governments? And how are the crimes of war reported and justified when there are crimes? A pioneer of modern propaganda was this man, Edward Bernays. Bernays invented the term public relations. He wrote, The intelligent manipulation of the masses is an invisible government which is the true ruling power in our country. He was part of a secretive group called the U.S. Committee on Public Information, set up in 1917 to persuade reluctant Americans to join the war in Europe. Edward Bernays and Walter Lippmann go to Woodrow Wilson and say, look, man, if you're going to enter into this war, we are going to need to sell this war to the American people. And so Wilson institutes and creates the first modern propaganda machinery. It was actually quite brilliant in its conceptualization 
So that the best way to persuade people is to grab them by their emotions, by their unconscious and instinctual urges. Let's not bother with pumping out facts. Let's scare the hell out of people. A picture of the Statue of Liberty in tatters crumbled into the New York Harbor with German planes flying around it. Um, a picture of the world um, being gobbled up by the bloody hands of a gorilla wearing a German helmet. So, you know, it's not about facts anymore. The facts don't matter. For Edward Bernays, public relations was like a war on people, on bending their will. He persuaded women to smoke at a time when smoking in public was not considered ladylike. He convinced a group of debutantes to parade along Fifth Avenue, holding up Lucky Strike cigarettes as symbols of women's liberation. To his delight, the press called these torches of freedom. What he was interested in doing was creating an association between a product, in this case cigarettes, and the desire for women's liberation. It worked in the sense that it got lots of news coverage. It worked in the sense that women started smoking publicly, and in fact, smoking became a symbol of the new woman, of the emancipated woman. Iraq, March the 20th, 2003. The creation of illusions and the selling of war had come a long way since Edward Bernays. The selling of this invasion depended on the news media to promote a series of illusions, like the link between Saddam Hussein and 9-11. The vision of the World War I poster of the Statue of Liberty in a shambles in New York Harbor is not that different from the image of the World Trade Center, a burning symbol that sort of entered into the stock footage of people's dreams. So immediately you have these associations between the image of the World Trade Center and Saddam Hussein and Iraq. But Saddam Hussein had absolutely nothing to do with it. Saddam Hussein had nothing to do with it, but that didn't matter. Because when you start using symbols that have been separated from their meaning and have sort of taken on a life of their own, the facts don't matter anymore. This is the Pentagon, which spends almost a billion dollars a year just on advertising, recruiting, propaganda, the selling of war. There are Pentagon contracts with news organizations in terms of how to manipulate the news. There are Pentagon officials involved in press releases that go to the, the media in which intelligence is used to manipulate public opinion, which is a violation of the charter of any intelligence uh, organization. Then you have retired generals who serve as press spokesmen for all the networks, and they're, it's never revealed which military industrial firms uh, they work for. Central to this 
is the co-opting and spinning of a media regarded as the freest in the world. Showdown Iraq. If America goes to war, turn to MSNBC and the experts. If we journalists, including myself, had right from the get-go, from the opening pop, had started asking the kind of tough, digging, aggressive questions we should have been asking, and doing our reporting, rather than just being kind of stenographers, go to a briefing, have an official say something, print it in the paper next day. If we had done our job, I do think a strong argument can be made that perhaps we would not have gone to war. The attack on Iraq was sold by these two men. The blueprint for the invasion was this military doctrine called shock and awe, designed to paralyze the country and destroy food production, water supply and other civilian infrastructure the effect would be similar to the dropping of the atomic bombs on Japan. This was terrorizing people on a grand scale, and it would be covered up by deception in massive amounts. But this was not how it was reported at the time. Scores of American reporters have now joined U.S. military units in Kuwait as part of the Pentagon's effort to make any war with Iraq what the Pentagon calls a media-friendly campaign. A new word, embedding, entered media language in the planning for the invasion. Most of the reports that viewers saw came from within a system in which media organizations agreed to certain conditions laid down by the Ministry of Defense in London and the Pentagon in Washington. At the time that uh, our forces crossed uh, into Iraq, we had some 700 reporters embedded throughout our military formations. Embedding was important for that conflict for a number of reasons. Um, one being that we knew we were going up against an enemy that was uh, somewhat masterful at misinformation, disinformation. We have a number of correspondents embed with our troops across the region. And very deeply embedded in a personal way with the Marines that he's traveling with. I love this expression for the Iraq war, the embedded journalists. Well, too many journalists have been in bed with uh, the administration on a variety of issues. I would say 80 to 90 percent of what you read in a newspaper is if officially inspired. If they're covering the intelligence community, for example, and they become critical of the CIA or a major intelligence organization, they're going to lose their sources. If they become critical of the Pentagon, it's going to be very difficult to get into the Pentagon uh, to deal with official military sources. So I think journalists like to be part of the game, part of the inside crowd, and therefore the conventional wisdom uh, is the best wisdom. Twenty-four hour news in particular is a system that is the most easy to manipulate. Twenty-four hour news is a giant echo chamber. So that's why, for example, Basra was reported as having fallen 17 times before it actually fell. And yet, within 24 hour news, when you're reporting it for the seventh time in that chain of 17 times when the city has fallen falsely, the fact that it's been wrong the previous seven times just doesn't matter. 
American armor is moving at will across whole swathes of Baghdad. This is just This is Raghi Omar reporting for the BBC from Baghdad. He describes the arrival of the Americans as a liberation. People have come out welcoming them, holding up V signs. This is an image taking place across the whole of the Iraqi capital today. But it was not happening across the rest of Iraq. This was another illusion. The toppling of a statue of Saddam Hussein was seized upon by the invading force as a target of opportunity. What was not news was a US Army investigation describing how they exploited what they called a media circus. There were almost as many reporters as Iraqis, says the report. It was an American PSYOPs officer who ordered the statue brought down. The resulting TV pictures gave no sense of the bloody conquest of Iraq that was already well underway. You know, I didn't really do my job properly. I think I'd hold my hand up and say that one didn't press the most uncomfortable buttons hard enough. As you described the arrival of the Americans, you didn't tell us the story of how that whole statue was itself manipulated. Mm. Why, why not? The entire live cameras of the world's press were on the balcony of the Palestine Hotel. And that was really the only events that they saw about Iraqis coming out. So it was a sort of made-for-TV moment. And uh, the most telling moment in that whole day was when an American soldier climbed up a crane and put the American flag over the statue's face. Because, in fact, that was a true iconic moment of what had happened. America had taken ownership of Iran. In Britain, Blair and Bush's invasion was applauded as a vindication of them and their strategy. He said that they would be able to take Baghdad without a bloodbath and that in the end the Iraqis would be celebrating and on both of those points he has been proved conclusively right and it would be entirely ungracious uh, even for his critics, not to acknowledge that tonight he stands as a larger man and a stronger Prime Minister as a result. This video was originally uploaded as a membership video available to supporting members. To access over 77 additional videos similar to this, become a supporting member at academyofideas.com members. I must be myself. I cannot break myself any longer for you. If you can love me for what I am, we shall be the happier. If you cannot, I will still seek to deserve that you should. The great 19th century American philosopher Ralph Waldo Emerson believed that to flourish we must be a nonconformist. If we just think as others think and do as others do, we limit our potential and place our health or sickness at the mercy of social forces beyond our control. In this video, we are going to explore the dangers of conformity, what non-conformity meant for Emerson, and how the non-conformist acts as a force of good in a society gone mad. Whoso would be a man must be a non-conformist, wrote Emerson. To be a conformist is to orient our life around the dominant norms, values, and ideals of our society. 
It is to allow the boundaries and templates of our culture to shape our sense of self. Most of us become conformists without reflecting on what we are doing. We see everyone around us conforming, and so it feels natural to do the same. But conformity comes at a price, or as Emerson stated in a lecture given in 1844, I pay a destructive tax in my conformity. In any society, only certain character traits are favored by the trends of conformity, while many others, which may be healthy in their own right, are looked upon with indifference or disdain. In our day, for example, extroversion is favored over introversion, obedience over disobedience, and risk aversion over risk-taking. Some people may find their inner nature fits the mold of conformity, but many will find the opposite. For those of us in the latter group, conformity is akin to wearing a mask made to fit the mold of another's face. The mask of conformity never feels comfortable, and at times it may cause us to feel like a fraud or imposter. Conformity also leads to waste, wasted time, wasted opportunities, and wasted resources. In the need to satisfy others and maintain appearances, we do things we do not value, say things we do not believe, and obtain things we do not need. Or as Emerson writes, Custom gives me no power therefrom, and runs me in debt to boot. We spend our income for a hundred trifles, I know not what and not for the things of a man. Our expense is almost all for conformity. But the dangers of conformity reach pathological levels when, as in our day, a society becomes infected with lies. Politicians lie almost as frequently as they open their mouths. A degenerate education system teaches lies on topics ranging from science to history, ethics, economics, and politics. The media lies about world events while corporations lie to us about the value or safety of their products. With no shortage of lies percolating throughout society, the modern path of conformity leads in errant ways. It encourages us to go into debt to buy things we don't need, to consume unhealthy foods, to be obedient to those in power, to take pharmaceutical drugs that do more harm than good, to eschew our passion in favor of money or social status. And if we ever feel anxious or depressed, the conformist way is to distract ourselves with screens or to numb ourselves with psychotropic drugs. All goes well as long as you run with conformists, writes Emerson. But you, who are an honest man in other particulars, know that there is alive somewhere a man whose honesty reaches to this point also, that he shall not kneel to false gods. And, on the day when you meet him, you sink into the class of counterfeits. If you take in a lie you must take in all that belongs to it. To be a nonconformist in the modern world is to renounce the lies that shape our society and to renounce the self that has been shaped by these lies. This act of renunciation paves the way for self-transformation, or as Emerson writes, the man who renounces himself comes to himself. When we abandon the habits of conformity and stop pursuing its ideals, we clear the way for the emergence of a more authentic state of being. We take off the false mask of conformity and permit our individual personality to shine through. But our renunciation should not be limited to self-renunciation. We should also renounce our affiliation with organizations and institutions that are infiltrated by the lies of our society. For a non-conformist, according to Emerson, must stand under his or her own banner, not the banner of another. 
It is only as a man puts off all foreign support and stands alone that I see him to be strong and to prevail. He is weaker by every recruit to his banner. Along with the act of renunciation, the nonconformist must establish a new direction in life as merely rejecting conformist ways, without replacing them with something new, will leave us in a pit of aimless and meaningless despair. We need new pursuits to keep us occupied, new habits to keep our life structured, and new goals to give us direction. In the process of reorienting our life, we should work with what nature has granted us, as it is by cultivating our strengths and talents and aligning our life around pursuits we enjoy that we unleash our power and pave the way for a great life. Or as Emerson writes, There is a time in every man's education when he arrives at the conviction that though the wide universe is full of good, no kernel of nourishing corn can come to him but through his toil bestowed on that plot of ground which is given to him to till. The power which resides in him is new in nature, and none but he knows what that is which he can do, nor does he know until he has tried. If conformity has led us astray and we don't know where truth lies or what the plot of ground we are meant to till consists of, spending time in solitude can help correct for this confusion. Away from the chatter and distraction of other minds, solitude can help us understand who we are and what we want from life. There are voices, wrote Emerson, which we hear in solitude, that grow faint and inaudible as we enter into the world. Emerson, however, while valuing solitude, did not believe the nonconformist should be a recluse. To flourish as a nonconformist is to strike the optimal balance between solitude and society. We must learn to live in harmony with others without an excessive need to gain their approval or to mimic their errant ways. Or as Emerson put it, Solitude is impracticable, and society fatal. We must keep our head in the one and our hands in the other. The conditions are met if we keep our independence, yet do not lose our sympathy. Many people recognize the sickness of modern society, but few choose a path of nonconformity as the means of escape. One reason for this is fear, and specifically a fear of ridicule and rejection. The nonconformist must overcome this fear or at least learn that constructive, nonconformist action can be taken even when consumed by fear. What I must do is all that concerns me, writes Emerson, not what the people think. This rule may serve for the whole distinction between greatness and meanness. It is easy in the world to live after the world's opinion. It is easy in solitude to live after our own. But the great man is he who in the midst of the crowd keeps with perfect sweetness the independence of solitude. In learning to deal with ridicule and rejection, it can be helpful to recognize a constructive value to this experience. Not only does it provide us with an opportunity to cultivate the courage of acting in the face of our fears, but furthermore, those who treat us with contempt sometimes reveal truths of our character that those who care for us are too timid to point out. But even if the ridicule is not constructive, even if it is based on envy or lies, we can use the disapproval of others as motivating fuel that impels us to greater heights. And as Emerson writes, Dear to us are those who love us. The swift moments we spend with them are a compensation for a great deal of misery. They enlarge our life. But dearer are those who reject us as unworthy, for they add another life. 
and they build a heaven before us whereof we had not dreamed, and thereby supply to us new powers out of the recesses of the Spirit, and urge us to new and unattempted performances. If we learn to conquer the fear of ridicule and rejection, we will possess a crucial skill in the art of nonconformity. But there is another barrier that prevents many from going the way of a nonconformist, and this is laziness. To cultivate our own path through life requires hard work, discipline, and a ruthless persistence of action. For Emerson's nonconformist is not passive. He is an active agent striving to change the world. Once the nonconformist selects a valuable goal, he sticks to it and is not driven off course merely because a bunch of conformists disapprove of his ways. Or as Emerson writes, All men have wandering impulses, fits and starts of generosity. But when you have chosen your part, abide by it and do not weakly try to reconcile yourself with the world. Or as he writes elsewhere, If you would serve your brother because it is fit for you to serve him, do not take back your words when you find that prudent people do not commend you. Adhere to your own act and congratulate yourself if you have done something strange and extravagant and broken the monotony of a decorous age. It was a high counsel that I once heard given to a young person. Always do what you are afraid to do. Following a nonconformist path will make us healthier, happier, and more powerful, but it will also turn us into a force of good in the world, for the inner state of our being manifests the events of the outer world, or as Emerson put it, a man will see his character omitted in the events that seem to meet him, but which exude from and accompany him. Conformists, in living by lies, are manifesting a sick society. The nonconformist, in aligning himself with the truth of his inner nature and the truth of the world, will manifest events that act as the antidote to a world gone mad. In the thought of tomorrow there is a power to upheave all the creeds of the nations and marshal thee to a heaven which no epic dream has yet depicted. Every man is not so much a workman in the world as he is a suggestion of that he should be. Men walk as prophecies of the next age. Learn more about our membership, access transcripts, and the art we use in the videos by visiting academyofideas.com. You're listening to The Voluntary Life, where you can hear ideas for finding freedom in an unfree world. Visit thevoluntarylife.com to connect with the show and hear all past episodes. Here's your host, Jake. Hi, it's Jake here. Welcome to The Voluntary Life. This week, I want to share with you a very interesting idea that comes from an article called The Five Laws of Stupidity. This is a theory of stupidity, and it's a theory about how stupidity and stupid people are the most dangerous people on the planet, and also about how easy it is to mistake stupidity for other things, and how much everyone underestimates the danger and impact that stupid people have on everyone else. This is an article that was written by an Italian economic historian, a guy called Carlo M. Cipolla. And he wrote this article in the 1970s, and he died in the late 90s. And there's very little information about this guy online, apart from the fact that he wrote this article. But I found it a very thought-provoking article. It's one of those articles that is written in 
a slightly humorous way. So the kind of way where the author could potentially claim that this was just them joking, but actually you can tell that he's making a serious point in the article as well. And I'll put a link in the show notes to the article so you can read it yourself. But I want to share with you the ideas in this article. So in the article, Carlos Apollo puts forward this theory of stupidity. And he puts it forward as five laws. So I'll explain each of the laws and then I'll finish by giving some of my own thoughts on the ideas. The first law of stupidity is that everyone underestimates the number of stupid people. And the idea here is that no matter how many idiots you think you are surrounded by, you are lowballing the estimate. And his argument is the reason that you underestimate how many stupid people there are around you is because you're probably assuming that people are intelligent based on superficial and irrelevant criteria, like their job, their education level, their class, their race, whether or not they're eloquent, and other biases that you may have about assuming that if somebody is a certain way, that means they're not stupid. And he's arguing in this article that you're wrong. Those things are all irrelevant. So that brings us on to law number two of stupidity. And that is that the probability that a person is stupid is independent of any other characteristic. So the idea here is that every characteristic that you can imagine, whether it's gender, race, nationality, education level, income, any category you can imagine is uncorrelated to whether or not a person is stupid. And Sapola even says in this article, there are stupid Nobel Prize winners. So you can't predict whether a person is stupid or not by looking at any of these other characteristics that they might have. His argument is that there are stupid people in every walk of life, in every ethnic group, gender, class, profession, income level, anything you can imagine. And he goes on to argue that there's the same proportion of stupid people in any of these categories because it's uncorrelated to any of these categories. He makes the argument that he can't tell exactly how high that proportion is because everyone underestimates it all the time. But the main point is you can't use these other criteria to determine whether or not someone is stupid. And that brings us on to law number three. And this is his idea that a stupid person causes losses to others without gains to themselves. So he's defining stupid behavior as a social thing. And he's saying it's about whether or not you cause losses to other people without benefiting yourself. So it's a social theory of stupidity. And it means that you can still be stupid if you are very good at, for example, mathematical calculations or pattern matching or lots of other things. You could be very good at all of these things, but you're still stupid if your behavior towards others involves losses to other people without you actually gaining. So in order to explain this idea, Cipolla creates this two by two matrix. So you have two variables and two different possible states of each variable, which gives you four possible outcomes. So just to explain these variables. So one variable is, are you causing benefits to other people or are you causing losses to other people? So that's the first variable is your impact on others. Do you benefit them or do you cause them losses? And the second variable is for yourself. Are you benefiting yourself or are you causing losses to yourself? And if you combine those two, we get four different outcomes. So talking them through, first of all, you have people who benefit other people and themselves. And this is 
the win-win outcome where your actions in the world not only benefit you, but they also benefit other people. And you are a net positive wealth generator in the world. And Cipolla calls these intelligent people. So it's a theory of intelligence based on your behavior, your social behavior. Are you engaging in win-win interactions? So that's the first one. What about the people who cause losses to other people, but benefits to themselves? Well, Cipolla calls these bandits, and these are essentially criminals and thieves. If you imagine when somebody steals, what they're doing is they're causing a loss to you and a gain to themselves. So that's the second type. And then if you imagine there's a third type, which is people who cause benefits to others and losses to themselves. And Cipolla calls these helpless people. And there are other words that I've seen used. He sometimes calls them naive people. The idea here is that this is people who get taken for a ride. They benefit other people, but at a loss to themselves. And then the fourth group is what he defines as stupid people. And these are people who cause losses to others without benefiting themselves. And his idea is that a lot of the time, they're just messing things up for other people without any particular benefit to themselves. But they're also really stupid people who not only cause losses to others, but actually harm themselves actively. So stupid people are either just messing things up for everyone else without any clear gain, or even messing things up for everyone else and actually harming themselves as well in the process. And that's his theory of stupidity. That's what stupid behavior is. And of course, since this is four different outcomes from two variables, you can draw one of these four by four matrices that entrepreneurs love. And someone's done this. I've, I've put it in the show notes. So you can see if you have on the X axis, loss or benefit to yourself, and on the Y axis, loss or benefit to others, then in the top right hand corner, you have the intelligent people who benefit themselves and others. Then in the bottom right hand corner, you have the bandits who benefit themselves but cause losses to others. And then in the top left, you have the helpless or naive people, or sometimes called hapless people, who benefit others but not themselves. And then in the bottom left quadrant, you have the stupid people who harm others and harm themselves. I'll put that graphic in the show notes so you can see it. An interesting part of his law number three about defining stupid people is that he also assumes that stupid people are consistent in being stupid. In other words, they go through life constantly causing losses to other people without clear gain to themselves. So it's an interesting idea that he's putting forward that this is not just one-off behavior. There are people who are basically messing the world up through their stupidity and they're consistent about it. So law number four of stupidity, according to Cipolla, is the idea that non-stupid people underestimate the danger of the stupid. And his argument is that non-stupid people constantly forget that at all times and all places and under any circumstances to deal with and or associate with stupid people always turns out to be a costly mistake. And his argument here is that everyone underestimates just how dangerous stupid people are. Intelligent people underestimate it, but so do bandits and so do helpless people. And that brings us on to law number five. And this is the most interesting, I think. Stupid people are the most dangerous people on the planet. And as part of that law, a corollary of that is that stupid people are more dangerous than bandits. And the argument is that 
If you have someone who is a criminal, a bandit, who wants to gain for themselves by robbing you or by causing losses to you, that person is predictable because they are following incentives and they may be unethical incentives. They may be doing something that is fundamentally wrong, but at least you can work out what they're likely to do because they have goals and they follow incentives. So bandits you can defend against because you can work out what a bandit might try and do to rip you off. The really dangerous thing about stupid people is that they mess things up for everyone else without clear gain to themselves. And that means they're not following incentives. They're just causing problems. So they're fundamentally unpredictable. And that makes them incredibly dangerous. Even more dangerous than the people who you would identify as the real villains in the world, stupid people are more dangerous than villains. So that's a summary of the article. As I said, I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to read the original. And I'll put a link to that graphic showing the 4x4 matrix of stupid people versus non-stupid people. It's a very interesting article, and I found it very thought-provoking. I like the idea of defining stupidity in terms of social behavior, because I have met very highly educated people who are very eloquent and articulate, who are also stupid in the way that this article describes. And I think it's really important to bear in mind that if you walk into a room full of highly articulate, educated people, there are going to be destructively stupid people in that group. And you shouldn't assume that just because people are highly educated or articulate, that they're not stupid. And by the same token, if you walk into a room of people who are ignorant, who are uneducated, you shouldn't assume that they're destructively stupid in the way that Cipolla defines in this article, because the two are uncorrelated. You can have ignorant people who are not stupid and you can have highly educated people who are stupid. The idea that stuck with me most in this article that I've really been mulling over is this idea that stupid people are the most dangerous people in the world because of their unpredictability. Cipolla argues in this article that we can do nothing about the stupid. And he, he makes the basic argument that you can't teach stupid people. You can teach ignorant people and they can learn. But his argument is that there are people who cause havoc for everyone else, regardless of learning the facts. And his basic idea is that with stupid people, they just throw a spanner in the works for everyone else. And you just basically have to avoid them. And in the end of the article, he makes some comments about what this means for society. This is where the fact that he was a historian came in. He starts talking about how much impact do stupid people have on the rise and fall of civilizations. And basically his argument is the stupid people are always there. They're not what determines things collapsing. What determines whether or not societies are able to flourish is how the non-stupid people behave. And basically what proportion of the non-stupid people are behaving intelligently involved in win-win interactions with each other and what proportion of them become bandits and start doing win-lose interactions with other people. And he makes the point that once the non-stupid people stop kind of containing the impact of stupid people, everything goes to hell. So essentially for society to thrive, his argument is you've got to keep the non-stupid people acting ethically, acting in an intelligent way, which is win-win. His argument is that although you have villains or bandits, as he calls them, 
people who are out to benefit themselves by robbing others, those people can cause enormous damage because they can lead stupid people in bad ways. Also, they can just unleash the force of stupidity, which can wreck things for everyone else. I don't think this idea is entirely foolproof. I'm still mulling it over myself, and I, I do see some problems with this idea. I mean, you can get down to nitpicking about, well, how do you define whether a stupid person really isn't benefiting themselves? Because, I mean, you could say, for example, that a suicide bomber is doing something completely stupid because it harms other people and it also harms themselves. But then from that suicide bomber's own perspective, they obviously believe that they benefit from killing themselves. So they could have their own subjective gains in mind. And I do see some other problems with the arguments. And as I said, I get the sense that he was partly joking around by writing this article, but that he was definitely making a serious point as well. And it's one that I'm mulling over. I found it a very thought-provoking read. And I think the idea of thinking about the difference between bandits and stupid people, between people who are truly evil and out to cause harm to others in order for their own gain, thinking about the difference between them and people who just wreck things for everyone else without clear gain to themselves, that is a fascinating thing to consider and to consider just how dangerous stupid people are. And also to think about his argument that he provocatively puts forward that there are way more people who behave in this socially stupid way than you think. That's an interesting idea too. So I hope you found that interesting and I hope that gives you food for thought. Don't forget to check out my books. I have two books that you can get on Amazon in paperback, ebook, and audiobook format. They are Becoming an Entrepreneur and Job Free. That's all for this week. I hope you have a great week and I'll be back next week with another episode. Now, a lot of people either try to make excuses for it or they try to talk about how bad it actually is. I'm here to tell you that it's probably not what you think, but it in fact is probably much worse than you think. Everyone likes to make this comparison of China's social credit system to the episode of Black Mirror, where the woman is basically in a dystopian future where everyone has this app and they're basically rated on their popularity, whether people like them, and they're rated out of five stars and they're segregated as such. So, for example, car rental companies won't rent to people below a certain score. People will judge you for being below a certain threshold, not invite you to events. Companies might reject you from jobs. But anyway, all of this is based on the ability of everybody else being able to rate each other. So it's not really the same as China's social credit system in that in China, nobody is rating each other. Another misconception I'd like to get out of the way first is comparing it to the credit system, the credit score system of the US. So think of things like FICO. Most of you are probably familiar with a financial credit score that rates your financial trustworthiness. It's intended to give creditors an indication of risk and how likely you are to pay your repay your loan commitments. However, outside of transactions, a bad credit score does not prevent you from seeing your family or enrolling your kids in public school. In China, an individual's finances, social media activities, credit history, health records, online purchases, tax payments, legal matters, and people you associate with, in addition to images gathered from China's 200 million surveillance cameras and facial recognition software, by the way, do the math, that is one surveillance camera for every seven citizens. So what I wanna to talk to you today about is how actually your social credit score is 
rated, what it means for you, how you gain and lose points, and how the kind of tier system, the caste system that they've created actually affects people in China. A huge shout out to Jordan Harbinger Podcast. I was recently a guest with Winston over on his his podcast and it was super fun. And seriously, before the episode on me and Winston comes out on the podcast, before that's publicly released, go check out his other stuff because he's interviewed some of the most fascinating people I've ever seen and I love his interview approach. And also I've been binging all of his content. So I promise you, if you like my content, you'll definitely like his content. So go check it out. So it's super interesting. I, as you guys probably know, I lived in China for over 10 years. And the first place that China tried to roll this out, or at least test, was in, the, in northern China in, in the province of Shandong, in this city called Rongcheng. And Rongcheng is actually a place I've spent a, a bunch of time in. I've actually thoroughly researched the area, but I also filmed uh, with my friend an entire part of our documentary, Conquering Northern China, in this area. And we filmed it right before they rolled out the social credit system. Thankfully, we've kept in contact with people from there, and we've been able to talk to them about how it's affected their lives. Now, I gotta preface this first by saying Rongcheng, this area of, of Shandong province, it's always been a sweetheart like to the government. So they got the sweetheart status in the government. When we were there, we rode our motorcycles throughout most of the, this area of the province, and we saw it was used, it was being used to test out these wide boulevards, model farms, wind projects, uh, preserved tourist villages, very clean and organized uh, fishing, fishing methods and things like this. It was kind of mind-blowing to see this Potemkin village-esque, almost North Korea-esque level of fakeness being put on because it was almost like this poster child of China was used for its propaganda purposes. The system was being rolled out through the country, but Rongcheng is like fully documented. And I actually found the Chinese documents used to build the social credit system. So no more bullshit about the matrix and like looking at people with big data and like, oh, this person does this and blah, 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 blah. I actually found the, the framework and the documents used by the Chinese government to, to roll out their social credit system. So keep in mind, this is how the social credit system is being experimented with and then eventually how it was rolled out to other areas. So this is in its purest form. The government basically divvied out a thousand points to its citizens and they're kept by local Communist Party officials. This is their baseline. So you can either go above a thousand or you can go below a thousand. But basically, before we talk about what gives and takes away points, I wanna tell you guys how their tier system works. So it's very ironic that in China, a communist country, people are rated based on their credit worthiness, right? So they have this tier system, a caste system basically that puts people really high up or really low. The highest tier is called AAA. Of course, that is the best. It is called model of credit worthiness. If you have 1,050 points or higher, so this means you went above the baseline, you get some benefits, right? The second tier is called AA, or exceptional credit worthiness. This is basically the same, the same benefits of AAA. There's no difference, but I'm feeling like if you are missing that extra A, if you're just a AA, I would feel super subpar to my neighbor. If he's a triple A, I'm only a double A, but then I'd probably throw in like an excuse related to battery size to like make myself feel better. Anyway, the next level is the A credit worthiness. And this one comes in three different flavors. You get A plus, A, and A minus. So this is when you're kind of hovering around, you know, what they divvied out in the beginning. This, these are your benefits. You, you get to be entered on a list to be used as a model in publicity. So, so you give the ability to the government to use you as a model citizen for publicity. Wow, awesome. 
Uh, you get priority in school enrollment and other social assistance. So this is scary. This is a few uh, Chinese, Chinese social pro programs that they actually have. Um, you have to be an A to kind of get priority assistance for these things. And, and school enrollment is supposed to be completely uh, non-competitive in terms of what schools you go to outside of your grades. So now it's changing to that if you are not a good model citizen, your kids don't get to go to good schools, which is terrifying. You get preferential care and employment, social assistance, and you get preference over equally qualified competitors in promotion or retention. So this is in jobs and work and things like this. And by the way, I'm not talking about some like secret speculation. These are the official documents that say this. You're, if you're an A, you're, you get treated as a better person. Uh, next is relatively credit worthy. So that's when you've, you've dipped below a thousand, right? You're locked into it for two years. And what happens now is if you're in uh, a B tier, you're probably gonna get lectures and visits from people, uh, the government officials, and they're gonna tell you how you can improve your score, right? But you're gonna be locked in there in like probation for two years. Now, when you drop down to a C, when you're at like 600 to 849 points, you're locked in there for three years before you can move up to a B even. More visits from officials. Um, they're gonna be watching you, making sure you're on good behavior. They're gonna be scrutinizing you in daily life. You're gonna be on a list now. Now this list won't go to the full public with all of your information, address, age, what you did wrong, blah, 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 but it will go to other government officials. So they said it will go to a limited audience. When you drop to the lowest tier, and this is D, this is called not credit worthy. Basically it's like, if you talk about Indian caste system, it's the untouchables. You're locked into level D for five years, right? So this is, when you're locked into D, you're talking about the officials are coming to visit you all the time. They can cancel any government funding that you have. So not just, not just uh, you know, temporarily suspend it. We're talking about canceling the government subsidies. You go on a blacklist and this is public. All Ds will go public. So disclo uh, publicly disclosing the information on their untrustworthiness. Um, they can revoke all of your titles. So if you had a PhD or scientific discoveries, you'll you'll have that erased, right? You can't get a loan. And you can actually lose your job over this. So if it's tied to what happened, like what you did to, to be untrustworthy according to the government, they can actually completely get rid of your qualifications and actually strip away your job. So you're locked into there for five years. But what you have to understand is that there's all kinds of direct judgment factors. So the, the, government, the Chinese government actually says if you commit an intentional crime, right, this brings you to the bottom of D. It's not like some sort of sliding scale here. If you went out there and did something bad on purpose, you just straight go down to D. But let me make one thing super clear. If you are a political dissident or you speak out against the government, you're screwed either way. The Communist Party of China will just lock you up or disappear you, okay? This is not a country with a rule of law. This is more of a system to coerce and influence future behavior and to standardize it for greater and ultimate control over the population. Good, pull it. All right, we're coming back from intermission. Hold your hold that thought of uh cybernetic totalitarian tyranny that they got over there with the social credit system because it might interweave with clips left to be played in this episode. So first off, uh Stupid people win Nobel Prizes. Glad we didn't have to mention that earlier in the episode. Uh, the caste system, obviously, we didn't need to mention that earlier in the episode. Those things aren't going on. Pay no attention to the people behind the screens. They might be lying to you on those mainstream news channels. Do you see the John Pilger documentary? 
that's 20 years ago now. So people aren't all emotional about the, you know, rack war and Saddam Hussein. You can see it clearly for what it was. These people have been for a century orchestrating population control from the mind perspective, right? Not the don't procreate, let's lower the population. It's control the population with the attitudes, values, behaviors, and beliefs. So they'll support the war machine. And the war machine is like symbiotic with the media machine. Like when Eisenhower tells you about the media industrial, I'm sorry, I blew it. When Eisenhower tells you about the military industrial complex, it's being carried and brought to you by the media industrial complex. Prescott Bush, who worked for the Harrimans and Skull, they're all on Skull and Bones. Uh, Prescott Bush was on the board of directors of CBS, and that was the the main place for news back in the day. So it's like the people that are supranational, international, influence top down on the governments, they've been running stuff to their tune, playing America and the world like a mighty Wurlitzer. That's a big organ back in the day. You know, it goes back to the organs of the Soviet state, the gulags. Gulags were controlled by the organs of the state. It's the same organs that are playing. Although those are mixed metaphors. One's supposed to be innards and the other is like a big pipe organ. Like at the baseball games. What did you think of the intermission, Tony? Uh, phenomenal intermission. I thoroughly enjoyed every single video that was played. John Pilger documentary was riveting. Um, especially because I lived through that as you know, sort of a coming of age um, you know, situation for me in late high school. Uh the other one, so the uh, obviously Academy of Ideas speaks for itself, just brilliant production work, especially very thought provoking, very deep, um, uh, introspective, really appreciate his work, have been promoting it for a long time. And that goes without saying But the one that sort of uh, caught my attention the most was Jake DeSillis from uh, The Voluntary Life. It's a podcast I used to listen to. Actually, I didn't really listen to it that specifically. But oh, that was Jake. Mine. I didn't know that. I didn't make yeah. that connection. But he's a friend of Brett's. Yeah, yeah. Friend of yes, Brett is, is a friend of ours. Absolutely. And uh, he ran the podcast, The Voluntary Life. And I actually it was Gino Denning, my mentor. You know, uh, obviously, and our mentor in a way. And he he pointed me out to him a couple episodes that I still cherished to this day one in regards to the theory of human envy from a sociologist i think from the 1960s really thought-provoking theory i can't remember the specifics or i i remember elements of it but without going into a diatribe about it people can ask me about that in the next town hall but it's really fascinating in fact he always did small snippets so like 10 15 minutes he'd bring up these like very thought-provoking ideas on human behavior on uh, economics and so sociology on ethics um, obviously promoting the idea of natural law and, and voluntarism um, and uh, voluntary interaction, non-voluntary, non-violent, peaceful interaction with other human beings. Really just a introspective, very thought-provoking individual. And the fact that I haven't heard that or heard him in so long just reminded me of how much I enjoyed his perspectives and the way he sort of broke Additional down complex abstract ideas. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that was really neat. And the fact that he correlated or it wasn't him, but the Italian author correlated it with uh, human or social behavior was very fascinating. There's a lot of things you can nitpick about it, but on a general yeah, level, just because I mean, it's, it's in so quadrants doesn't mean it's an equal proportion of smart people, bandits, uh, stupid people and helpless people. Correct. You know what I'm and saying? There is a keep in there mind is an IQ element. 
that like is hard to deny like iq is strongly correlated with lose-lose situations so there is like a measurable component that's you can't necessarily just dismiss um you know so there there are, in other words i would say there are smart people that fundamentally choose to do stupid things uh whereas there's stupid people that literally just don't really have quite the ability to make smart decisions um and so there there's elements where you could in other words we could nitpick but generally speaking he was absolutely right stupid people are the more most dangerous people on earth and oftentimes uh they're they're the ones that unfortunately are usually especially in our case in this context are led by the bandits they're the ones well, that you can here's like the proportions <clears throat> if i had to graph this out i'm going back to math class in high school now if i had to chart this out it's like like something like that <laughs> right that's true that's a good there's some yes. intelligent people Logar it's like a logarithmic spiral yeah you could have this is like fibonacci sequence right kind of, this, yeah. these might be like your politicians these are the people who like sit on the sidelines and these are the people who believe msm and this is like this <laughs> is msm's right. audience and this yeah. is autonomy's audience over here. So if that'd you find be the nonconformity. If you find yourself up here in quadrant one, like we're not looking for bandits. We're not looking for helpless people unless you're looking to use your intelligence to not be helpless anymore. That is an option. Stupid people need not apply. And I don't I think it's pretty hard for them to to apply. We got filters and stuff. So yeah. There, there Unfortunately, the stupid people get uh they end up especially with, you know, like Matias Desmond. And uh, the McDonald, I forget his first name, but when they came up sort of in different places with that sort of uh, the, the psychological theory of yeah, the ma um, mass formation, mass formations, yeah, that's sort of those people who, you know, uh, get manipulated most easily and end up oftentimes in situations such as society in a precarious situation where there's a lot of free floating anxiety. That's where stupid people seem to have the greatest impact on the on civilization itself and we saw that most conspicuously during COVID 19 which they're that's the cops going to you know your local community and telling them to put a mask on or you're going to be arrested sort of stuff it's like it's a lose-lose situation for everyone you could just leave people alone to make their own voluntary choices to go like have their son or daughter maybe on a play date with some kids down this down the road or something and no one's harming anyone it's stuff like that you know that's it's as uh, mark Pascio would say Maybe not so eloquently, but uh, the dogs keep the dead in line. So it's like the idea that you know, the military and the police are keeping the people who have not actualized their inner potential come to a, a state of uh, understanding who they are, what makes them tick, their own behaviors and trying to better that. And they are the well, ones the politician that use the police as the dogs. The dogs control the public. Right. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. yeah. So I also a, would like you know, to challenge the idea different of, metaphors. I want to challenge the idea of stupid people or evil people. I believe there are stupid people and I believe there are evil people, but I believe most people are somewhere like not in that realm most of the time, but we all have this amazing potential as human beings on any given yeah. day. Any one of us, any one of us could be the dumbest or smartest human being who's ever lived. You could come up with some new invention, some new obvious thing that was there and no one saw it and you put a name to it and boom, or you could be the next Darwin awards winner. And like uh, most of us try to live life somewhere in between. I don't need to be the smartest person in history. I also don't want to be the dumbest person in history. Let's uh, right. carve out a niche here in the in the safe middle. <laughs> it's something Peterson talks about um, and had talked about 
quite a bit, especially earlier on, is the idea of the dynamism of the human experience, how dynamic we are as individuals. We have the greatest capacity for good and the greatest capacity for evil, and also for intelligence and stupidity, we could put on sort of that type of graph and with those four quadrants, and you could map it out in a similar fashion. So we have that internally, and it's something that you know we should be constantly const- constantly vigilant of. You know, it, it, in order to preserve sure. freedom, you ha- it requires constant vigilance, not only of ourselves, our actions, but education, intelligence, um, and also participation. You know, Ayn Rand defined consciousness as an active, uh, as an activity, something you are choosing to engage with. Right. And so you can either choose to think. It's like being in a boat two and things, not or choose rowing, not to think. like canoe and right. not, yes. not move. Yes. Like you're going with the river or you're paddling. And consciousness is yes. the act of paddling in a canoe, even though the river's moving. Right. You're, or you're steering. Well, you're active. You're not she passive. Said, she, yeah, she's saying essentially consciousness that can make two things. You can choose to think or not to think. So you're still making that a choice. That is the question that Shakespeare And that's the question. In <laughs> So, but you're, you're, that's a good analogy for it, though. It's like for, for it's an active process. It is, yeah. <laughs> but it's not. It's an active process. I think that's an important element that people don't really consider. Is that you know, in order for a free society to maintain itself, there's a certain level of, you know, the founding fathers talked about this, but the importance of essentially education and constant sort of vigilance of ourselves, our actions, our history. You know, um, thus of, is the burden know, basic, of conscious people. Yes, we think about such yes. things. But the other side. We have to think, correct? They don't. So here's the thing. So I, I painted like a, a wide frame and said, well, I don't believe there's stupid people and evil people for the most part. Like there's a couple, but most people like have a spectrum. But now that I gave them the benefit of the doubt, let's go back to the reality. The person who says, sorry, I can't. I Sorry, sorry, I have to deny you your human rights because I'm just doing my job. They didn't just start doing that. It's a long pattern. It's not like out of nowhere they decide to do this thing, right? It's like a big, long pattern. So even though there's this potential, most people are like comfortable in the thing they're doing. They've been doing it a long time, and it's not a blip on the radar. And maybe you can judge them longer term from that because it's not just like, oh, he woke up and committed genocide of 30 million people that day. It's like, no, Stalin had a big ramp up before you get to those Holodomor numbers, right? Yeah. Habit is the fly. And then Mao said, bro, those are rookie numbers. Just like McConaughey in the movie. Well, it goes back to William James. I mean, there's complexities for which we could pedantically sort of nitpick elements of. I like it, and I like what that Italian author did um, in a general s- standpoint. But there's specifics that you'd have to sort of like, you know, uh, hash out a little bit. Um, like, but because one of the issues is just human behavior is based largely on habit. And then there's the bureaucracy and the compartmentalization, the thousand layers of complexity that Gatto talks about of just uh, a, uh, a specialized economy, which makes it in a situation, which makes it people get into situations where they're makes it necessary bound to produce stupid people and helpless people. for people to compromise their principles. More people that are intelligent, and educated to instantly compromise their principles and go from being intelligent sometimes when it's convenient for them to being stupid. So sometimes they do engage. If you're not helpless, then when they get compromised, they engage in lose, lose. If you're not helpless, are you letting the TV commercial tell you what to ask your doctor about? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's the other thing, the helpless and stupid. You could almost, that's, it's hard to put them in two different quadrants. I mean, those are, ask your doctor about this thing he doesn't know about. Or, Ask your doctor about this thing he's being paid to get you to. 
in a general standpoint, I will say though, you're absolutely correct. Stupid people are the ones that are the most dangerous because you can convince stupid people of a lie, like climate change, like lockdowns worked, like the vaccine is safe and effective. We can go on and on that we should have invaded Iraq because of ma- weapons of mass destruction. All this, these sorts of lies throughout history, they're the ones that then pressure within a societal function everyone else to either conform or shame them in a capacity where they don't get to participate. That then leads us to the final video, which was brilliant production, by the way, by that individual who is uh, outlining how the, so the Chinese credit score system actually works. And so, Oh yeah. That's a longer really video. Too, so oh, yeah, seek it for out. Sure. Yeah, it's in the show. The John Tilger one. Yeah. Now the last, great, great uh, flowed really the last well. one that I had on the, the card here for this evening is, uh, it's a sad story, and I think you should hold that stupidity matrix in your mind as you watch just a little bit of video from this story, which, again, is tragic. But if you think, like, how about this? If they'll do this to her, what do you think they'd do to the rest of us? Because this lady was 98, and we're about to see some footage. It might be disturbing, but you're watching a podcast at 4 a.m., so I think you can handle it. Let's go to... uh Let's go to Pasta hosting the Jimmy the Door Show. You know, that's how you get break things open. I mean, uh, like, so all the people that anybody that has to deal with any real thing and they're not even paying attention to this news, they're on TikTok without seeing this. Like, they're not thinking about that. And that's the goal. So you don't have to think about the excesses of whoever, as long as you hate each other. Exactly. And so what happened this one is not even going to be, I don't think it's going to uh, amount I'm going to play the video, you know, Kurt, but please, it's homeless, not hobo. It's unhoused. Don't you touch any of that stuff. This is my house. You Newly released security video. This is posted by that local Kansas newspaper, Marion County Record. And what you're looking at is police raiding the home of that paper's 98-year-old co-owner and the mother of the editor of the paper, Joanne Meyer. She collapsed and died the day after the raid. Yeah. Get out. Stand outside. You can stand outside that door and still see them. I don't want you in my house. How many computers do you have in the house, ma'am? I'm not going to tell you. Get out of my way. It's all right. I want to see what they're doing. Well, they're working. Police said they raided it over claims that the newspaper had obtained information illegally. The paper has consistently denied that. The search warrant, we should note, that was used to raid the home and the paper's office, it has since been withdrawn and the items seized have been returned. The Kansas Bureau of Investigations is looking at the entire incident. Okay, you know how I know that's a corrupt, that, that area police force is corrupt? Did you see how fat that main guy was? Yeah. Okay, that, there's no, that's like a... <laughs> Yeah. Did you see that fat so leaning on the thing yeah, while they're yeah. reading? Well, his belly was leaning, almost touching the okay. floor. In what department? The only time I've ever seen that was when Steven Seagal joined the Louisiana Police Department to teach them how to fight and shoot. Yeah, and and I'm I'm not even kidding. Steven Seagal was the fittest member of the force. Yeah, and because they're super corrupt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Sorry. No, it's okay. I didn't mean to fat shame that cop. No, no, no. <laughs> I say abolish all fat cops. Uh, personally we got an unhealthy problem in this country across the board so you know maybe a little fat shaming is necessary here and there but um you're right i mean who's he supposed to chase down the street why did the police uh, raid the offices of the small town kansas newspaper the friday raid on the offices of the marion county record certainly looks like a major incursion on freedom of the press with disastrous results for not just the civil liberties 
but also the physical well-being of the newspaper staff. Because what they did is they threw them all outside. The paper authorities on Saturdays, uh, the paper uh, attributes the Saturday death of the 98-year-old co-owner, Joan Meyer, to stress from the raids on her home and the paper's office. Stress beyond her limits and overwhelmed by hours of shock and grief after illegal police raids, which we found out after, Meyer otherwise in good health uh, for her age, collapsed Saturday afternoon and died at home, the paper reports. It adds that she had not been able to eat or sleep on Friday after the raids. So there she is. You saw her. She went through the house. I mean, I look, I know we say this all the time. When people at this age, they're very vulnerable. They can die and fall at any time. I get it. She's 98 years old. But it's obvious that she was so under so much stress that this is what caused her to kick the bucket, right? Because you mean, start uh, saying, I mean, it, this is unnecessary raid? is what I'm trying to say, Kurt. It was bullshit. It was a bullying was tactic. The, yeah, it was like what they did. You know what? You're all right about, you, like, even though none of them probably think about Julian Assange, but it is the same pattern because, like, Matt Taibbi, suddenly the IRS pays him a visit. Yeah. Or the people blowing the whistle on who work for the IRS now, they're going to get police harassment. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, look, you say certain shit, you see the bullies, they come out. Look, we started talking some stuff. My, I don't know if you know this, Kurt, but the combo couch, my network, almost three years of being monetized, demonetized that we yeah. haven't been able to make a dime off of YouTube. And oh, that was yeah. like 66% of our salary when they did that. Why? Because we started speaking against their narrative. You say stuff that the big guys don't want you to say, you're going to find yourself in trouble. Whether they demonetize you, take your channel down, bully you, show up, all these type of things. This is very much well, in they line. They tell you, it, it, like... You know, when I went to China, they all knew the stuff not to talk about to not get in trouble. Yeah. And here in America, you they don't they reserve the right not to tell you what you even did. Yes. Because they're not sure themselves what you did wrong. They just know, oh, these people are mad that we want to be cool with because that's our money. Yeah. So we reserve the right to not even tell you what the rules are, like double double secret probation in Animal yeah. House. But do you, don't you think that's too because they want to kind of have. They want you to believe that the marketing is true, that we're the land of the free and the home of the brave, and we have freedom of speech, and we have freedom of a press. Doesn't mean freedom of freedom, freedom of, of speech. speech. Doesn't freedom. mean freedom of reach. Lawful but awful. <laughs> the roots of the raid appear to involve local entrepreneur Carrie Newell, who reportedly runs a restaurant out of a hotel owned by the brother of the county attorney. And this is where it gets a little hairy. A social media source provided both the record, which is the newspaper, and the Marion vice mayor, Ruth Herbal, with information about alleged drunk driving incident involving Noel. So another third party came out and said, look, this woman over here who's trying to get like a, a liquor license in the town, she has a, pr a previous history of drunk driving and other things. The source said the information had obtained from a public website. Unable to verify this and suspecting the leak has, had occurred as part of a legal fight between Newell and her estranged husband, the paper decided that it shouldn't publish the information. We thought we were being set up, the record co-owner Eric Miner, Eric Meyer told the Kansas reflector in the wake of the raid. And there she is. There's Miss Newell, who has a restaurant, got relationships with people high up in the county. Uh, information was leaked about her and so forth and whatnot. So listen, we'll just read the rest of it. Ahead, but without naming Newell. My Bet that lady put that, uh, the Newell lady, she probably put that other video up on her Instagram. That gets you a lot of hits these days. 98 year old woman gets dragged 
something like that. That'd be a good headline. What do you think? Do you think that's nice that they go into somebody like the way I presented it before I showed it to friends and family who were here for dinner earlier today? I said, picture yourself. You're 98 years old. You've lived a good life. You built a business. Your son now runs the business. You're a co-owner of the business. You're at home enjoying yourself. And the, the sheriff's office comes in and wants to seize your computers because of some political BS. And I mean, that's another example, just proving what Tony's observation was about how police are used. Oh, there's a political axe to grind and you you, uh, you tried to hold someone to the law who has political connections. How dare you? Let's uh, go in and and treat you like you're well, like you're the 45th president of the United States. That's like much like the Mar-a-Lago raid situation level of uh, harassment that they gave her. What did you think of that, Tony? Is that pleasant? Is that America? Is that what we should be doing? (laughs) Those guys were some Amsprock, like follow your orders type of people right there. Like, yeah. Where are they at in that box? You know, it's four quadrants. Yeah. Two and Protect two. And serve or, you know, two they didn't look helpless. Authority. They looked pretty armed to the T. I don't know. They, they might be in those bottom quadrants there. The only thing I can say to that is when the rule of law, when there's essentially a uh, disintegration of the rule of law, that's like one of the tall, you know, the, the telling it's signs. It's like when the, the steering wheel no longer turns the wheels. Yeah. I mean, this I is such a too. level of absurdity. The fact that they are even get able to get a warrant for this. I mean, it shows you the level of degradation of the interpretation of constitutional rights by local judges. So, I mean, that right there should be a red flag for how dumbed down uh, or how tyrannical. I mean, you can look at it from different directions, depending on what quadrant these people participate. I'm glad in. she didn't resist. They probably would have broken her hip, taken away her walker yeah, or mean, something. Yeah, she died and she's feisty day, too. So. That lady's got moxie. Yeah, she was. Yeah. And she ran out it's of tragic, it the day, day after. Right. That is, yeah, that's she, awful. That's, and if you don't think yeah. that arrest situation aggravated her 98 year oldness, you're wrong. Wait until you're 98 if you make it that far. Because very few people make it to the age of 98. Very, 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 very few people. So when you reach that age, and she was seemingly in decent health for a 98 year old, but she's walking you know, around, she's asserting her rights. Yeah. Yeah, in the face does. of an authority, I, I think that is a very American thing to do. And those those guys might have a broken well heart, red coats she's on. Almost, she was almost she was almost a centurion. So in that regard, it's almost like heartbreaking because she's not how like, Americans treat Americans. So you might as well put the red coats on. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> now, it's really unfortunate. And it's uh, yeah, that's it's a super tragic situation. And we have to remember, like. This has happened more than many times. We saw it obviously during COVID, but even not associated with COVID. We've been, you know, you can find any number of news stories since I've started working with you, Rich, back over 10 years ago. I mean, there's plenty of news stories of people essentially getting raided in the middle of the night by, you know, there's a black helicopter flying over and the SWAT team is coming in essentially for nothing. We, we, you could search justifying budgets associated with since 2001. Yes. You got it. So it's, it's unfortunately a truism. And then when it comes to any sort of, uh, uh, grievances or restitution or reprieve, nothing ever seems to get done because of the bureaucracy, the Kafka esque bureaucracy associated with the bureau, the the thousand layers of complexity in this this obnoxious system we have set up. Yeah, and the dehumanizing system we have. Set well, up. a lot of those places are run like the sales room in Glen Gary, Glen Ross. Like first prize, <laughs> you get an MRAP. Second yeah. prize is a set of steak knives. Third prize is you're fired. You know, 
it's that type Wasn't of situation. That famous line, like you see this watch or something when he well, you see this name? watch, Not like ball. This watch costs more than your table. car. Uh, yeah, he has a he has a couple lines in there. He's, oh man, it's so brilliant. That yeah. was a great film. Yeah, yeah. That that shows you you can make a great film. Really. That was back before I mean, he killed budget. people in the open. You know what I'm saying? It was like secret back then. <laughs> so, all right, we don't want to end with the, the dead grandma story because that's that's tragic. But I did want to put it in the time capsule because I think people in the future should know stuff like that's escalating to yeah. that point. I mean, just a couple weeks ago, time. some guy talked shit and he's got 300 pounds as a 75 year old guy on a cane who's like ho- ho- like on medicine and stuff. And they the SWAT team went in and just shot him. Because he he said something yeah. against the former vice president, uh, Bob Johnson. Bob on your Johnson. What was his name? Yeah. Neil and Bob. I forget what his his pseudonym was. Peter something. Peter Gazinia, something like that. Uh, <laughs> but on the lighter side, uh, we did get a leaked uh, phone call. Apparently, other people were making fun of President Obama. The remember when we were talking about stupid Nobel Prize winners earlier? That wasn't mm-hmm. him that we were talking about. Um, no. Former President Obama uh, also, uh, I don't know, he took some umbrage with Jimmy making fun of the Emory letters, and uh, so he actually got got Jimmy's number. Jimmy, can I have a few minutes of your time? So he gives them the the speech. So let's go ahead and go back to uh, man. There's a lot of Jimmy Tour just knocks it out of the park and pasta. You know, obviously hosting over there, doing a great job. Uh, a lot of great clips this week. And uh, we'll try to round Robin it, get more creators in here. But they got the news. They got the Mots over there. So let's go over. Let's hear. He's always what, the uh, most. I have him on the every show card. He's the most popular because a lot of the topics he covers just happen to coincide with a lot of the evidence we have as well. And he covers. I don't most see Joe Rogan top. covering any news for us. Even Steven Crowder, like when I go to his, like Crowder's great, but I went to some of his clips this week. It wasn't much there. Kim Iverson had a couple, but again, it's not, it's not as consistent. You know, you they have readily available clips. That's the other aspect. Of the yeah. That's equation. the other aspect. We, this is a hobby. So we don't have all the time. We have our no, nine but- to five. We have sort of our day job that, you know, so this is something we have. They have a great team that put together meaningful clips. They yeah. highlight meaningful sections that allow us to have uh, good commentary, present some deep dives, that sort of thing. And we, I, I, when we go back in history, we'll find that like there's plenty of times we didn't play Jimmy. But Dorn Obama all, didn't call any other shows either. So this is this, you know, this is the show he called, and he said these things to Jimmy. And uh, maybe, maybe there's some pushback, or maybe he likes it when you push back. I don't know. I don't know. Well, let's hear from former President Barack Obama. He calls into the Jimmy Dore show. About the Emory letters. Hey, this is Jimmy. Who's this? Jimmy Dore. This is Barack Obama. Ah, Mr. <laughs> President. How are you? It's been a while. Uh, yes, it has. It's nice to hear your voice again. <laughs> I haven't been uh, much to report on my end for a while. Uh, my chef died. That's the thing that happened. <laughs> uh, one of my daughters got hired as a comedy writer. No. And I guess he's on strike now. I'm not sure how that works. <laughs> Boy, I bet they hate their little, her little ass. Right. But that's not why I'm calling today. Why are you calling, Mr. President? Uh, sometimes when I need to clear things up, set the record straight about something, I reach out to people like you, <laughs> like I'm doing right now. And that is to say the thing that needs being cleared up today is I'm not gay. <laughs> what? I'm straight. Yeah, I got it. Well, honestly, I don't care your sexual orientation. It's cool if you are. Yeah, well, it's not the part of your legacy that matters to the American people. 
Hano, I get that. And also I say this with all possible love and respect to members of the, the LGBTQ community. You know I love you. But at the same time, if you're not gay, you don't want a bunch of motherfuckers thinking you're gay. You know what I mean? <laughs> That'd be a good Netflix project. It would be. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess so, Mr. President. And this is something that's always plagued me. And it pops up every few years, conspiracy (laughs) theories and whatnot, and flared up once again. Why? Why now? Well, first of all, my half-brother Malik Obama called me the F-word on Twitter. Really? So there's that shit. Wow. Malik said that? Really? Yeah. Yeah. And so now all my enemies are like, well, there's a smoking gun. His own brother said it. Really? Malik is my half-brother. I barely know him. He hates my guts and says all kinds of crazy shit about me online. Jimmy, you've got brothers. Are you actually every insult that they ever called you? I guess not. Of course not. You don't need to answer to that shit. You're going to hold a press conference? <clears throat> Despite what my brother has said publicly, I, Jimmy Dore, am neither a gay wad nor a dillweed. I've never been either of those two things. Get the fuck out of here. By the same token, I don't have to respond to dumbass Malik. Okay. But this all came about because of an old letter of mine that got released to the public. Really? Yeah, I was in college when I wrote it. Wrote it to a girl I had kind of a thing with or, or had. was trying to get it going again, and sometimes you say shit. What did you say? <laughs> I will give you the quotes that were quoted in the media. Quote, in regard to homosexuality, I must say that I believe that this is an attempt to remove oneself from the present, a refusal perhaps to perpetuate the endless farce of earthly life. You see, I make love to men daily, but in the imagination. What? What? And then, quote, my mind is androgynous to a great extent. What? I hope to make it more so until I can think in terms of people, not women, as opposed to men. But in returning to the body, I see that I've been made a man, and physically in life, I choose to accept that contingency, end quote. Was she into it? Whoa. (laughs) Okay. Now, answer your question, Kurt. Yes. If you cannot clearly see that those words are from a 21-year-old smooth intellectual player running game, invincible game, on a white, liberal, artsy college girl, maybe you're gay. (laughs) If you can't see that, you're gay. Do you ever think about that? Maybe think about that. She must have been sliding off the chair. Okay, well, I guess I see your point a little. Of course you do. Every man who knows what's up knows exactly what this is. We all know that type of bird. All you got to say is, I think everyone's a little bit gay, and then you're up in them panties. (laughs) (laughs) The president's very persuasive. (laughs) Yeah. And then you wrap it up in a bunch of meaningless psychobabble and philosophy like I did in that letter. Mm, cancel my three o'clock. Also say spectrum. Nose ring girls love spectrum. They can't resist. Gender's on a spectrum. Oh, you just pick that girl's locks. Jesus Christ. Are you smoother than Clinton? This is, like this is good advice, I have to say. And these types of girls, especially 
with these ideas. And if you're all open to it, you seem sophisticated. They don't want, they don't actually want you out there blowing dudes. They just want you waltzing around the ballroom with these ideas. And it doesn't even mean that any of these types of girls is a freak herself. Funny thing is, seven times out of ten, you're not doing anything but missionary. Interesting. I know, right? So all these losers out there think they finally got the smoking gun, Obama is gay. With these quotes, you are showing your whole ass. You're showing the whole world your ass. Letting them know that you have so little game, you can't even identify game when you see it. You pathetic losers. Enjoy knowing that you have never made a woman happy in your world. You should teach a class. Wow. Well, I mean, I'm sick of this shit, Jimmy. <laughs> I make love to men daily in my imagination. <laughs> Genius. Young Barack, sharp as a diamond. Mm? I wish you had only drone strike weddings in your imagination. <laughs> no, that was real as shit. <laughs> As was a bunch of other shit you don't even know about. Uh, <laughs> and I guarantee you don't want to. But look, I got to go. You know, I'm all charged up. I got to see if I still got it. I need to walk around Martha's Vineyard and flirt. Paddle <laughs> board up to a big song. Hello, ladies. I'm kind of gay. No need for those bikinis. Something like that. Anyway, wish me luck, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. He He's a lot funnier than the current president. You know, that guy. <laughs> a lot more articulate for that. He's got better <laughs> stories. <laughs> Best Biden has is about time. ice cream or pulling hair on his legs. You well, know, the most recent. I mean, there's a in fact. The p- <laughs> there's a John Bound clip. I don't know if we get to it, but it's. Uh, Just thinking about the, the intro to Fresh Press. Fucking- what was this like Joe Biden is a fucking disaster? <laughs> yeah, I, it's just it's a it's a level of absurdity. It has to do with actually the 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 fallout of the Maui wildfires uh, and um, I can't believe we live in a country where they Lahaina. write that about the president and it's like yeah you got to agree. It's like Jesus Christ, what the fuck is he coming back soon? I mean, Jesus Christ, this would seem about the time they got to bring Jesus Christ out in the narrative. They just went through aliens like that, but like it didn't even phase anybody. It's like when you pour like a bunch of water on something, it just evaporates because it's so hot. You know, like, we're gonna need some more water for that stuff. They need the same type of water they're using over there at the the Tesla Motors uh, jet factory, oh, the rocket factory. That's called SpaceX, right? They just had these. Uh, they're sending Starship up, right? All these people they're gonna send up. They had the static test yesterday, which means they fired the boosters underground. Massive amounts of water were wasted. Because I'm sure it's not potable after you wash those rocket chemicals through there. Millions and millions of gallons are flowing through there. I guess there's nobody that has water problems in the world. And they just have extra and they can just practice space launching all the time. Uh, at the end there, it was mentioned the smoking gun. Smoking gun. Like, it's not Obama's smoking gun, right? I think he smoking gun, that's an Alec Baldwin thing, right? And the smoking crack, that's a Hunter biden thing so maybe he was referring to like the euphemism of smoking pole because that's what the topic was about i don't know but those uh those letters are interesting in context like of, an idiom or something smoking well gun. yeah it's or an idiom i think that's what they call it. it's also a, a brand name of a news outlet that used to do investigate i'm sure they're still around smoking gun they publish like leaked documents and stuff like that uh, but a lot of smoking going on over there not a Maui pun. 
not pawning on Maui. I'm sure there's the next place that's going to catch fire. I mean, we had Canadian wildfires in two different places. We got Maui, we got California yeah. fires. Well, spe- okay, speaking of which, I'm gonna go back here. That's we're not playing a place. Which ring of hell had all the fires in it, Tony? I forget. Dante's <laughs> Inferno. Cliff Notes. I'm gonna have Dante's to pick that up this week. The Divine Comedy. Right. Divine Comedy, which actually is a good uh, website, it has a couple different translations available. Hey, I have a Divine Comedy in the other library room, and it's a uh, Gustave Doré illustrated. It's first edition; it's like falling apart, like the binding. Wow. But the pages are good. The print, like the plates and stuff. So we might have to break that out when we have time, but not tonight. Yeah, that's awesome, actually. Um, this clip, Joe Biden is fucking disaster. John Bowen does a really good job of the fallout of the. Oh, Bowen we got to play disaster. that. What no, time capsule just... could be complete when that piece of media is out there I mean, floating around? Brilliant. And then there's also one by Greg Reese, Depopulation, Climate Change, and Weather Weapons. Very interesting. The weather weapons thing. It, he did a good job of researching what is actually out there without getting into hyperbole. Didn't yeah. say the Valley wildfires had anything to necessarily do with that, but just no. he was commenting on all the wildfires, yeah. arsonists in Greece, and how they're blaming everything on climate change. Now, climate change is basically euphemism for depopulation. Agenda. Well, the space based really weapons video. were just in case they started to maintain the infrastructure. And thank goodness they didn't maintain any infrastructure and they could go with the accidental theory of terrorism, eco-terrorism. Sure. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Good point. That's a good but, point. But but here's the both, other kicker to that, Tony. Cause then like if you're at the pitch meeting and they're like, Well, we could use the space weapons, and people are like, Yeah, yeah, use the space weapons. And they're like, But as BlackRock, we already took over the power company and we haven't been maintaining the, the railroad tracks or the power lines or whatever the thing is because it's all owned by the same three companies, right? right and exactly. then the investors are like, but they we're going to have to wait for not- stuff to break and we don't know when it's going to break. And they're like, well, we thought of that next step too. Once we can show that the infrastructure is dilapidated and that the wrong type of grass was pr- planted or the tracks weren't maintained, then, then- we can schedule an event. And like clockwork, we can be there to be like, look, there's all this just cause for the thing. And that's how they do it. That's how they do it. They're not waiting around for accidents to happen. They create the accidental situation. Then they schedule that shit to take full advantage. At the very least, at the very least, they create the conditions at the very least. And at the very worst, they also take advantage of those conditions. At the very least, they'll run 20, 20 plus war games on the morning of 9-11 and just hope that the Arabs (laughs) know to get the box cutters and be on the planes that day. They're just leaving it all to chance, everybody. It's just a coincidence theory. By the way, this is Lord Rothschild. You know, do you think that tortoise wants to carry a banker around? No, but the, and the banker wants a ride and he pays. He's got a little piece of lettuce. He put a lettuce on a stick. The the tortoise will take him wherever he wants. A slow ride. So, I mean, it's real fog hat. Yeah, it's a real slow ride. Take it easy. Why They're didn't that guy fall game. off? Yeah, he, well, the Rothschilds are in it for the long game. You better step up. Like you're playing against a team that's like been on the field for a couple hundred years. Three hundred years. Yeah. Yeah, you're just coming on the field and you've been through their indoctrination camp and you think you know what's going on. <laughs> what what quadrant are you in? 250. So yeah, yeah we gotta move we gotta move in our quadrants. That's my lingo for tonight. Move the quadrants around. Stay away from the bandits, insulate from the stupid people, and help the helpless. That's what intelligent people should be doing right now. Very true. Intelligent, ethical people. Very much true. 
uh amen yeah, so those two videos are worth uh checking out and we covered most of the rest i think of the gamut of there's a lot of fallout for the maui wildfires i mean people can check out the show card become a grand theft world subscriber go to grandtheftworld.com top right hand corner join community choose because then you get the town hall and that's where the, that's where it goes deep interactive get town hall and you get the the show cards if you want to see some of the sections that we didn't get to um, yeah you want the notes the links all that good stuff yeah in more detail as well it's for the nerds and the people who like to support the show if you like the show help us grow and that's basically how i rhymed through the whole night i'll never know what's your face had a funny little the return of the mask did she i mean like i saw what's her face as soon as i was done last week and logged off it's like oh she had a new video does she have something that's out right now that we can play tonight it's this little two minute video sort of similar to john bound like these are all short clips um, all right so let's like play a video where it's a bound, funny thing where she's yeah we'll play bound reese what's her face and then the the ginger known as chris who apparently has a has a soul according to uh i mean as he he's not according to south park theory apparently he doesn't take that as his gospel and then uh, uh the, the one you have highlighted there ld I can see. I think that's the only one I have on my show card for this week. So, and the bound clip is uh, there's two on here, but the one you want to play is Joe Biden is a fucking disaster. <laughs> I mean, it's a, that should be a song too, man. But that's an anthem that called Biden. "Country Together." Oh, Joe Biden is a fucking disaster. And then the Gregory video is the deep. Yeah, you got it. And then what's your face right underneath? And all. Hey, actually, you got those. All three. right, so we're gonna have we're gonna have a string of videos to play us out. LD's getting acquainted with those. And then I'm going to say, uh, rack it up and let's thank everybody. And um, that way we get the show over before like 5 a.m. this this week. Last week. I think we talked like an hour after we ended the show last week. We were in like post show. We're still like thinking about stuff. It was after five, I think. I know because I was like, I got to go to bed. But it was such a good thriving convo that kept going after we ended the show. I know. And thanks everyone for the town hall this week. We're off with the following week. Obviously we're on for the town hall and thanks everyone that accommodated the change of schedule. When they say you can't handle the truth, they mean you can't handle it every week, but you can handle the truth at town hall. If it's every other week, people have time to like integrate it. Otherwise it's too much waterfall effect. We want little pools of thought in between the waterfalls. Need some time for reflection. Indeed. LD, who do we have to thank for helping us produce the show tonight? Aside from those fantastic Grand Theft World members, and uh, we're gonna have more service services and resources over there to show increased gratitude for their support. All right, well, uh, just a short list on the Rockfin tippers. Thanks, thanks very much to the community members and uh, to TCAN threw in five dollars, and ARAM tipped us twenty dollars. Says. Is there anything really so audacious as Grand Theft World? Thank you very much, guys. Thank you guys for the support. It's very kind of you. Very that's much appreciated. Not as audacious as your guys' support. So that's going to throw the audacious back. If GTW there. is audacious, then your support is bodacious. I think that's how that works. <laughs> Some point better. break language there, man. Yeah. Whoa. Hang 10, man. 
or hang loose this was the hang loose hang 10 was a brand hang, yeah, that was a hawaiian surf brand back in the day. <laughs> we are definitely not from the west coast. <laughs> i'm not from west, the west coast, coast or let it alone for the, for let it alone the hawaiian islands so what was there's a couple babies uh well i won't get into it uh it's it's wanna... it's that 4 ames you got going on there all right so uh let's land this plane we'll go er, er, with the the wheels on the runway here Thank you guys all for tuning in and not dropping out. Here's a series of Greg Baum, Greg Baum, John Reese, what's her face, and Chris, aka Oliver Anthony, to play us out. And it's a new song by him, so hang out. Maui residents are revealing horror stories of the chaotic evacuations. And I was wondering what was stopping the traffic. Well, it was a policeman. And I got to the end and I looked up north. There were no obstructions. There was no reason to keep those cars there. Are you serious? I'm serious as a heart attack. And I, I said, what are you doing? He goes, well, I'm under orders to keep them here. While journalists have been barred from asking the real questions. Hey, what's up, Nick? I've been trying to reach you. Been reaching out to you on X. Um, we're supposed to be uh, meeting with people here. Who? Do, what victims? Have you got? Uh, okay, yeah. So this is this is. So you're seeing this live right now. People actually track. They yep. tracked me down. And the only aid placards the locals could rely on, created by the locals themselves, were rapidly shut down. It was the first two full days, almost three days, that it was only locals bringing supplies over to the west side of the island where people were stranded. And that whole time, they were also getting, uh, you know, turned around by Coast Guard, turned around by police. Uh, they had closed down. So Lahaina is a very small town. There's only one road in, one road out, and then or by boat. And so they had um, basically covered all their exits. You know, people were not... Um, you know, getting in and getting out there, they were, they were busing out evacuees, but I thought it was really strange that they, they only started doing that in the cover of night. Uh, very odd. While the liberal cult members continue to support the Biden money laundering scheme as the compromised president costs the taxpayers over $140 billion. In the wake of what I just talked about, so much going on with Ukraine, and I know that you know our hearts are with Ukraine, also with, of course, people on Maui. But as part of not only um, helping by fundraising, um, come and participate in our event. Where's the president? He decides to come here this week to come here next week. I mean, like, we're, we're, aren't we Americans too? Like, we're part of the United States. After his vacations, Joe Biden finally rolled into Maui 13 days after the wildfire tore through the sacred Maui village of Lahaina. His caravan trapping residents due to road closures, causing many Maui residents to miss work. Wow, he's finally here. Wow, yeah. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, thanks for nothing. Thanks for nothing.
known death toll sits at 114, while roughly 1,000 people are still missing, a death toll that could rival the worst fire in U.S. history, the 1871 Peshtigo, Wisconsin fire that killed 1,152. While unanswered questions about the 500-plus missing children that had been sent home from school hung in the air. It's just devastating, let alone to, to be finding out that it's actually, in my opinion, a mass murder of children. And it's even even worse, like, you know, they had called out school that day. And so all of the kids were home and there's neighborhoods of children that are gone. And it, I mean, it could be 500 children. I don't know. I was yes, you do. Answer. How many children are missing? You know. I, I knew the answer to that. I'd be happy to answer that. You have no estimate as to how so, many children are missing? I guess Nothing? we can end this right now. You guys want? Sorry. This is one of the biggest questions that the people of Lahaina have, but you know what I answer. It always takes one or two to ruin it for everybody. Please, this That's is our first only Well, we can say that about you. You ruined it for everybody. You're welcome to say it. You're the media. You can say whatever you want. You're a disaster. All right. You've been the worst mayor we could possibly imagine. Biden took his clown show presidency of narcissistic dementia to new heights, nauseating the exhausted morning survivors of fire NATO terror with stories about himself, his car, and his cat. And lightning struck at home on a little lake that's outside of our home, not a lake, a big pond, and hit a wire and came up underneath our home into the heating ducts, the air conditioning duct. I almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, <laughs> and my cat. In his tiny detached reality, amazingly, Biden assumed that joking about a hot road in the middle of a historic catastrophe. You guys catch the boots out here? <laughs> That's a hot ground, man. Was completely presidential and necessary once again making promises that his World Economic Forum handlers intend on breaking. We will uh, be respectful of the sacred grounds and the traditions that rebuild the way the people of Maui want to build, not the way others want to build. Meanwhile, the sober, spiritual, natural truth of immovable Hawaiian culture was on full display. You think we will continue to allow this? We worship there. The EVs of our kupuna are buried there. We have tolerated commercial science to the point that they continue the desecration. This is what a country without a leader looks like. It is almost impossible to believe. You know, you're so out of touch with the common man, you don't even understand how to speak to them. The only way you think you can establish commonality with them is to lie. That the same thing happened to you, no matter what the tragedy is. Your son wasn't killed in action, by the way. Yes, didn't burn down. Your children weren't burned to death. An, an event, no matter how tragic, there should be men that are able to rise to the occasion. In five seconds, you should know what to do. You should understand the right thing. You almost lost your cat. Go f yourself. Joe Biden is a f***ing disaster. Congress must impeach him now, or we will begin impeaching you. John Bound reporting. In 1972, The Limits to Growth was published by the Club of Rome. The book suggested that swift human depopulation would save the planet. 
In 2018, the Limits to Growth co-author Dennis Meadows explained how we need to murder billions of people. The planet can support something like a billion people, maybe two billion, depending on how much liberty and how much material consumption you want to have. If you want more liberty and more consumption, you have to have fewer people. And conversely, you can have more people. I mean, we could even have eight or nine billion, probably, if we have a very strong dictatorship, which is smart. It's, unfortunately, you never have smart dictatorships. They're always stupid. So, But if you had a smart dictatorship and a low standard of living, you can have it. But, but we want to have freedom and we want to have a high sentence. So we're going to have a billion people. And we're now at seven. So we have to get back down. I hope that this can be slow, relatively slow, and that it can be done in a way which is relatively equal. Overpopulation is a lie. With old school sustainable farming and the end of big government, there is enough room on this planet for several billion. And while the Earth's climate does change, most of what we are seeing is contrived. The fires breaking out all across the world are being blamed on climate change, even though hundreds of arsonists have been caught starting them. Most recently, 79 people were arrested for starting fires in Greece. Direct energy weapons, or DEWS, are able to start fires from above and can utilize microwave technology to burn homes from within. In 2013, the mainstream media reported that we were able to make rain and lightning. I mean, lasers, really, to change the weather? By firing trillion-watt lasers, you rip apart the electrons, creating what are called ions, and these ions act like seeds, like dust particles, bringing down rain and even lightning. This week in Michigan, residents reported a strange strobe-like lightning. The event was captured on weather radar, which showed a very unnatural-looking spiral. That's some conspiracy theory shit right there. Making it rain has been possible for decades, and we have come a long way since then with the high-frequency active auroral research program known as HARP. We can now create hurricanes, and we can control their direction with next-generation weather radar transmitters known as NEXRAD. By building up an electromagnetic charge and dispersing it underground as direct current VLF waves, or very low frequency waves, the NEXRAD radar transmitters are able to trigger earthquakes. Earthquakes and explosives can trigger tsunamis. These are the technologies that we know of, and that only leaves volcanoes and tornadoes. Funded by Peter Thiel, AVE Tech Energy Corporation began work in 2012 on a device to produce a 130-foot-tall tornado. And a former U.S. intelligence officer recently told State of the Nation that the U.S. has already triggered a volcano. Climate change is not only a hoax, it's a depopulation program. And our entire government is going along with it. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. Oh, my apologies. Mandates are about to be reinstated, so I was wearing my mask to 
get ahead of the curve. I love my mask, especially in an election year, because it's a simple yet effective way to display my allegiance to the regime. Am I concerned that an analysis of top scientific studies was conducted this year and concluded that mask mandates did nothing to stop the spread of COVID-19? Nope. Am I concerned that mandatory masks once led to mandatory vaccines, which led to an epidemic of heart conditions in the otherwise young and healthy? No. Am I concerned that COVID stimulus checks and manufactured supply shortages have created a steep loss in purchasing power making it next to impossible to afford basic necessities? Not even a little bit. Am I concerned that this state of hyperinflation will eventually lead to the perceived need for a government-backed universal basic income that will enslave us to the state in inconceivable ways? Not until it affects me directly. And why am I not concerned, you ask? I'm not concerned because I decided a long time ago that sticking to a bad course of action is much easier than admitting I was wrong. Because in order to admit I was wrong, I have to admit the right was right. And I don't like losing faith to or for anything. Unless it's my mask. I've decided it's much easier to pretend my mask protects me from a viral illness when deep down I know it only protects me from one thing. Personal accountability. I prefer to float through life blaming all of the world's woes on fascism, racism, or white supremacy so that I never have to face the true enemy. Wanna talk about who it is? Comment below with your opinion. Don't forget to include a source. I prefer to denounce the bad guys from our history books while simultaneously condemning the guys who wrote our history books. I prefer to call anyone who speaks up, fights back, or stands their ground a denialist or a sympathizer so that I don't feel obligated to do the deeper research. Real research takes away from meme time. And lastly, I prefer to put on my mask, and one day when my children ask, I'll tell them I washed my hands clean, not of COVID-19, but of any and all culpability for handing the world over to commies. Oh! Well, if it weren't for my old dogs and the good Lord, they'd have me strung up in the psych ward. Cause every day living in this new world is one too many days to me. Son, we're on the brink of the next world war, and I don't think nobody's praying no more, and I ain't. Saying I know it for sure I'm just down on my knees Begging the Lord take me home I want to go home I don't know which road to go It's been so long I just know I didn't used to wake up Feeling this way Cussing myself every damn day Always some kind of bill to pay People just doing what the rich man say I want to go home Now four generations farming the ground Grandson sells to a man out of town And two weeks later, trees go down Only got concrete growing around And I want to go home I want to go home I don't know which road to go It's been so long just know I didn't used to wake up feeling this way Cussing myself 
every damn day. People have really gone and lost their way. They all just do what the TV say. I wanna go home. If it weren't for my whole dogs and the good Lord, they'd have me strung up in the psych ward. Conspiracy is the story of history. It's the story of plunderers taking care of people who produce. They claim to take care of them through government, which doesn't give you anything. It doesn't take away first. So it's not creating something out of nothing. It's very real what they're doing. They're taking your rights or taking some people's rights and adding more to someone else's rights. If you haven't heard about our Grand Theft World community membership, here are a few of the things you've been missing. A mobile app where you can access replays of the Grand Theft World podcast and show notes. Access to the Grand Theft World community on Discord, where we crowdsource news and resources, and you can contribute to the show. The opportunity to participate in the Grand Theft World bi-weekly town hall. Exclusive content from Richard Grove, including behind-the-scenes footage and future access to unpublished material. 93 episodes of the Peace Revolution podcast, and the Grand Theft World newsletter delivered straight to your inbox each week. If you want to stay ahead of the great game, visit us at grandtheftworld.com, click or tap the button in the top right-hand corner, and join a vibrant community of researchers blazing a new path to truth. We'll see you there. solution the heavy-handed knowledge is willie saying the peace revolution never known i was missing the blessing the heaviest session recorded and revealed the ultimate history lesson in this question i'm a midwestern who's rocking it dope subscribe to media produce
boost by tragedy and hope and if you didn't know the gift and here's what you've been missing and listening is where conviction is revealed in descriptions in a brain model don't come all hollow but full throttle and dive in the deep end so history doesn't repeat and make it complete catch grand theft world every week with richard and tony chop it up with the homies and i ain't talking about that public school baloney in a sec you should know me quoting gotta win the flow that i'm growing and ld's bearded is showing the time capsule stack of stats is open so spread it around the show is ready to pounce audience that abounds seeking out what's profound i know it is challenging fallacies in the balance when a forensic story in it boring men while exhorting in examination contemplation meditation revelation celebration destinations planned targets arrived autonomy crew of souls that survive broke free from the nine to five and we doing it live hey with hope in our flow where consciousness grows as opposed to you don't have to think about it dude because it's a comedy show that be bombing truth woe trying to make uncommon truths be more commonly known that it's a grand theft world that i'm living in ain't no reptilian skin just some normal humans who love to sin from their banking powers they aim to win deceive and betray all men making everyone slaves to them it's a grand theft world that i'm hearing that the sky's like a pyramid but those tuning in they be feeling that revealing that things ain't what they seem so i'm fighting back and digging jack obtaining knowledge wisdom and artifacts 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 yeah neglected aspect that's what they lack yo trivium course it'll deal with that huh be a rebel bring the logic back because it's a grand theft war that they rolling out got the growth model out tracing rockefeller dollars straight to clouds sec connections are hard to doubt but most go the common route walking with their head in the shroud yo it's a grand theft world that i'm peering at disguised like a pyramid but those tuning in they be feeling that revealing that things ain't what they seem so i'm fighting back and digging jack obtaining knowledge wisdom and artifacts Game. This isn't Grand Theft Auto, folks. This isn't a video game. This is Grand Theft World. All right, LD. It's a Grand Theft World that I'm peering at in the sky like a pyramid. For those tuning in, they'd be feeling it. Revealing that things ain't what they seem to invite back and digging jack, obtaining knowledge, wisdom, and artifacts. If you need a single location to get cutting-edge information and keep up with the rapidly changing world around us, tune into Grand Theft World, where a forensic historian and a logic professor break down the week's news in depth and in context. There's a ton more there, so go check it out. And don't forget to get your Freedom Vault on the homepage.